warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 407. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall, Brad. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, paint erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Hi, it's Nick Swartzen, and welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers. <gasps> oh my god! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, man! Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Is that, is that, that's not a sex noise, is it, Jake? Please tell me it's not. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> My sex noises are nowhere near that aggressive. Jake just like out of like muscle memories, toes curled there in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that a thing that guys do? The guys, the guys when they have sex, do their toes curl? Have you ever had sex and had your toes curl? Um, I, I have actually. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's an ama- that's an amazing ejaculate, sir. Yeah, so much that it made my foot cramp. Oh fuck, that that sucks. It's like pleasure pain. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's that <laughs> sucks. Yeah, it was not the most comfortable thing, but it, it has happened. Oh man, was it during the ejaculation portion of the lovemaking session? It was. <laughs> <laughs> And then immediately after, you're just like, ah, hopping around on, like, one foot, right? I guess I'm thankful that it was during the ejaculation. <laughs> like, it would have just ruined everything if it was midway. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had a leg kind of, like, tighten up, like a muscle cramp up during. Like, ah! <laughs> yeah, work yeah. through it. Yeah. <laughs> I love how our guests have to be silent as we talk about times that we've had sex, Jake. I enjoy that. I, <laughs> this is my favorite part of this show. It's super fucking uncomfortable. And now they're just both thinking to themselves, I hope they don't ask me this question. <laughs> I hope Brian don't ask me about my toes curling while I'm making the whoopee. Who says making whoopee anymore? I don't know. I think it's coming back. I think it went full circle. I've heard it here and there. Really? From who? Who's hip and cool saying whoopee, Jake? I think maybe it was just you 15 episodes ago. Probably. <laughs> hey, make it a comeback. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and what hip cool circle are people saying making whoopee? <laughs> making whoopee. Yeah. It's not a 1970s game show, Jake. Yeah. What is the most trendy way to say you're, you're getting laid these days? Uh, most trendy? Uh, 
I don't know. Let's ask one of our guests. Let's bring on uh, Mr. Kevin Shanks from Toxcast. Dose makes the. I can't say your fucking podcast name. <laughs> Toxcast. It's like a. It's like a, It's a tongue twister. Jesus Christ. Toxcast. Dose makes the poison. And nobody asked you, Kevin. Two podcasts. One is easy to say. The other one, not so much, Kevin. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It is a tongue twister. That's for sure. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, and you're you're right. I was I was kind of sitting back, and I was just like, can't can't say anything. I can't say anything. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm thinking. I was thinking I was going to be like Bob Eubanks there for a minute. I mean, that was a Bob Eubanks question. Yes, on that. that was Bob Eubanks. Was it like was it the dating game that he did? Oh shoot! What or was, was it? No, it was the the, new, the newlywed the new, the game. newlywed game. The newlywed game. Yeah, when you and your partner are making whoopee. <laughs> place you've ever made with and she says in the ass i love that clip that clip is ever yeah it was uh, bob eubanks did both uh the newlywed game and card sharks jake were you were you a big fan of card sharks i did like card sharks i don't think i would <laughs> like it as an adult but as an eight-year-old i, I would i would play along <laughs> all righty and we also have uh, Stephen Redgrave from Dissecting This Fiction. Welcome, Stephen. Stephen's getting over a, a, a leg cramp, I hear. It, they're very traumatic, especially during sex. Especially during the, the, the act of lovemaking. When you were telling that whole thing, I was like, you know what? I haven't had the curls, but I've definitely had the leg cramps. Yeah, I've had them. I've had them. I've had them. It, it sucks. And if you try to ignore it, it just gets worse, and it keeps getting – and it tightens up even more. It's not one. And it's, oh God! Thank God it was like I was in established relationships and they could deal with that shit. If it's like night number one and that's happening, that's like that's grounds for like uh, see you later, old man. You know? What yeah, I mean? red fl- red flags, big time. Yeah, you're cramping up on night one. Yeah, no shit. Like when you have to treat sex like you're going into the pool. Like you know, you have to like stretch a little bit, make sure you don't <laughs> eat thirty minutes before. It's like yeah, you're you're a little too old for this game, old man. I've got to light on like uh, anniversaries, you know, stuff like that. Stay hydrated. Yep. Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated before you fuck everybody. It's been a public service announcement. <laughs> Make sure you get all get all juiced up before you start the fucking. Jake, we got to say these things because uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. A lot of fucking going to be going on. Over Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, Valentine's Day is the day after the Super Bowl this year. Uh, that's kind of fucked up, right? Nah, that doesn't mean anything. I don't watch the Super Bowl. Doesn't mean a thing to me. No, no, no. At, at least we'll have something to talk about with the, the person you're you're with. You know. The Super yeah, Bowl. they're just usually not so close together. <laughs> like uh, working in a grocery store, it's really going to affect like how I market stuff. It's usually not Valentine's Day and Super Bowl like in the same weekend. If, if fucking people are going to 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 buy their Valentine's Day gift at the fucking supermarket the day of, that 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 that, that relationship's fucked anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's when I see the most people coming in to buy the Valentine's Day gift is the day of 100%. Yeah, those relationships are fucked. You should have planned this out a long time ago instead of going to the last fucking day and then picking out some bullshit Russell Stover's chocolates for her or whatever the yeah. fuck you're getting. They're you know, only doing it to, to get the whoopee, you know? On that day, on that day, you're not getting the Russell Stover in the heart shape thing. You're getting those fucking uh, 
hearts with the stupid messages on them. The I love you's and the the, 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 the conversation chalky, hearts. Yeah, the conversation hearts that, that taste like fucking chalk with sugar in it. <laughs> I love those things. Oh, you oh, would, God, you would, you would, horrible. you would love. I bet you like candy corn too. You boring candy fuck. <laughs> I do love candy. Yeah, you do. Oh, You're a boy. Candy corn. <laughs> candy corn Thank is you. disgusting stuff ever. Come on now. It's Most disgusting. candy is just pure sugar, anyway. So it's like wax. Though. Candy corn is trash. It's like eating a crayon. Yeah. I mix it with peanuts. It's, it's like fucking. It. It's like it's, it's like somebody took the earwax out of your ear and made it into candy. There you go. Enjoy. <laughs> you could like burn it like a candle or something. I mean, it's like, yeah, I really want to eat that candy corn, Jake. Uh, uh, you're the only up. kid. You're the only kid during fucking Halloween that was happy for candy corn. I bet all the kids gave you their candy corn, didn't they? Yeah, I did get a lot of extra. Candy. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you got a lot of candy corn because candy corn candy. sucks. <laughs> yeah, I like all the shitty candy. I like fucking black jelly beans. I like circus peanuts. Oh, circus like- peanuts oh. are the worst. <laughs> okay, tell me, tell me one thing. Do you like those like uh, mellow, those little waxy pumpkins? Oh, I love those too. Oh, the mellow god. creams, like the Brock's yes. mellow cream pumpkins. Oh my god, yeah, oh, I, love right. oh, I bet you like those fucking uh, Hostess uh, snowballs too. <laughs> I I'm not the biggest fan of really any Hostess product except just a plain Twinkie. It's like they put they it's like okay. they put sugar in a fucking the foam there. mattress. Is all they did with that fucking shit. Memory foam with sugar with those fucking snowballs. Oh, yeah, the coconut always gets fucking stuck in my teeth. It's like a flossy nightmare when I have one of those. I'm not the biggest fan of those. Oh, yeah. We we, we know that you're just a fan of flavors from what we've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Circuit. the circus peanuts and the candy corn don't make me have to, like, go fucking do mouth work on myself afterwards, you know? At least not immediately. I don't know. What's circus about, peanuts. What circus- about something like... Oh, go ahead. I'm just saying circus peanuts and candy corn don't put a fucking smile on a child's face. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I've never seen a kid light up from candy corn. I don't oh, think that's oh, like dot. Thomas, dot look at it. Thomas, look at his face. He's so happy because of the candy corn. <laughs> the candy corn has rejuvenated him. Oh my I do like dots. I, I don't like them when they're stale. I like them when they're fresh. Man. What are those little fucking little tiny chocolate things? They're called like smidgelets or something. What are those things like called? Like the six lits. Six lits. Oh, those are fucking delicious. Those are trash. <laughs> those are fine. You can't even taste chocolate in them, Jake. Mm, they're like tiny little whoppers. They kind of have a bit of that malted flavor to them. Those are good. They're trash. Six lits are garbage. I'm a big burnt peanut fan, too. That's one of my all-time favorite candies. You know, the peanuts with all the red shell on them. Now you're getting into just old lady candy I've never even heard of. This is like candy people. <laughs> this is like... Butterscotch. We're, we're going to be... Caramels. Oh, I fucking love hard candies like butterscotches and shit. Oh, God. Uh, we're we're going to be talking about Nightmare Alley, the movie, later. And I swear, like, this is all the candy that they ate during those times, like, in the 1920s and 30s. They were all <laughs> They were all eating this crap that Jake loves. I wonder what's oh, The good old days. <laughs> Bring them back. What's the popular candy now? I don't. I'm 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 done talking candy with you, Jay. <laughs> it's a it's upsetting. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of all the sour shit, like the sour straws and that kind of stuff. Eh. Oh yeah, sour patch kids have never been popular. They're like so, they're, those things are flying off the shelves these days. Kids love sour shit. They love the yeah. Sour Patch Kids. 
Yeah, I think that is one of the big candies right now is all the sour shit. You're talking about fucking peanut hot burnt peanuts. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yum. <laughs> you, you like those wax bottles with the fucking juice inside them, don't you? I'm not the biggest fan of those. I I'll just suck the juice out and throw the bottle away. I don't ever chew on the wax bottle. <laughs> are you supposed to chew on the bottle? I think you are, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't eat those. They're nasty. No, I've eaten them once, never went back. Yeah, they're not great. All right. Well, let's, candy talk is over. All right. Okay. I ruined it. I broke it. <laughs> it's just horrible tasting candy, Jay. I know. I know. I, <laughs> I've, I've got nothing. <laughs> As we have learned. <laughs> and then you, and then you knock the sour stuff. That's some, of, that's some of the most popular shit that's out there right now is the sour sweet stuff. Yeah, get out of here, Sour Patch Kids. Give me my circus peanuts. Oh, jeez. Yeah, after that, Jake wants to eat a homeless man's asshole. It's just like, what the, <laughs> what the fuck? People are, should we laugh at that? That's fucked up. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Oh, I want to give everybody an update on my cat. He, he, I talked about him last week getting a respiratory infection. He is doing so much better now. Um, didn't eat for two days. I was super worried. And so, uh, he's, he was very congested, couldn't breathe. And so when cats can't breathe, they can't smell their food and they don't want to eat. So I would take him into the bathroom and take, uh, boiling water, put it in the tub and then let the shower run with the humidifier in there too. And between all that, he would get uh, decongested enough to where he could smell the wet food that I would give him and he would start to eat. And after two days of doing that, like twice a day and getting him to eat and, um, uh, he's still sneezing and stuff like that, but he's getting around and, um, he's been having some, the last two, three days have just been great. He's been doing wonderful. And, um, uh, what was it? The kitten, um, a couple days ago was like, you know, fighting him and shit like that. And he's sick. I'm just like, leave him alone. He's fucking sick. Today, he, he was fucking kicking the kitten's ass. And I was just like, nice. okay. I was just like, all right, I'm going to let nature take its course here. And I just watched it. It was like on my bed. And the kitten's like, yeah, I'm going to fuck with you today. And he he's like, I got my strength back, bitch. And just start fucking the kitten up. And the kitten's like squealing and crying. I'm like, dude, you asked for this shit. You terrorized them for days. And now you're getting what's what's owed to you. And then uh, he he fucking just kicked his ass and knocked him off the bed. And then he he just stood there on the bed like victorious like just looking over the bat it was like looking at like a fucking lion in the jungle looking over <laughs> asserting a, his dominance seriously like looking over a cliff and shit and looking down at all the you know other fucking you know animals and shit in the kingdom and being like this is mine bitch like don't fuck with me i'm the og and so i was very very happy today with the performance of he he so yeah, I'm, I'm happy. He's doing great. He's really doing good, getting around and eating. Um, let's see here. So yeah, if you wanted to know about he, he there you go. No, that's great news. Mm-hmm. And you taught me something because I currently have a foster who has a cold, and I'm a little worried because she's got a missing eye, but they didn't close it when they did the surgery. So yeah. I'm worried it's going to get worse because that's open. And so I'm going to try the... Uh, the thing you said with the bathroom and all that humidifier. Oh yeah, um, wherever the, she's not, she's not eating right now. So that's mm-hmm. good to know that that's going to help out. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, humidifiers, uh, very good, very good. Especially when they have a cold and not feeling well, very good. 
Let's go over our, uh, you know, what was it? A couple weeks ago, we did the, we we're doing the Clifford contest. Got to go over the Clifford winners this week. People that are going to be winning digital codes for Clifford, uh, now on Paramount Plus. But I have digital codes if you want to own it for yourself. And let's find out who our winners are. First winner is going to be Craig D. Craig D. Jake. Craig D. Nice. Yeah. Chuck D's brother. No, I thought it was Heavy D's brother, Jake. I think you're misspeaking. Uh, maybe they're all related. Mm. Wow, Jake, that sounds a little racist. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, I don't see color. I just see D. Okay. Oh, are, you, are we talking about the same thing here, Jake? <laughs> Probably. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of D, making whoopee, <laughs> am I right? Uh, let's see here. Let's go with our next winner, who is going to be... Uh, Joshua Mackey. Joshua Mackey, Jake. Are you thinking of another Mackey, Jake? Mac- Anthony Mackey? Anthony Mackey. Anthony Mackey? He's Jake. Just, you're pulling all the black guys' names today, aren't you? <laughs> you're the one pulling them, not me. I'm just saying. And let's see here. Who's our third winner? Paul Hart. Paul Hart wins. Motherfucking Paul Hart. Obviously related to Kevin Hart, right? <laughs> I was actually taking Oh Cousin my Hart. god, Cousin. you motherfucker. <laughs> uh, fourth winner is going to be Larry Mayday. Yeah, I'm stumped here. And I, got, I got nothing. Thank God. <laughs> Our final winner is, god damn it, Broadway Joe. Broadway Joe. So, whoever Broadway Joe is. I've seen the name before, I just don't know. Joe, Joe Namath? He's a listener? Is that, is that, is he's, it, a, he's is not it, really known for Broadway. Is that Joe, Joe Namath's nickname? Broadway Joe? I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that was his nickname. <laughs> I just see him doing like a lot of these like, commercials for like old people stuff now yeah that was his nickname <laughs> oh that's you're right interesting huh yeah okay we're gonna we're gonna send broadway joe a copy of clifford and some flex all 454 so there you go <laughs> <laughs> broadway joe has a net worth of 25 million he needs to stop entering our contest buy clifford your own Hmm. Mm. Most people don't even know who the fuck uh, Joe Namath is listening to this podcast. Do you, do you remember <laughs> Do you remember the episode of uh, Brady Bunch where he guest starred? No, I don't. <laughs> anyone? Anyone on the podcast? I'm the only one. Okay. No, I don't. Yeah, he did. He was a, he was a he was a guest star on uh, on the Brady Bunch. Um, I want to thank everybody for the awesome Christmas gifts that uh, I was sent uh, this year. Uh, Stephen Redgrave, who's on the podcast, sent me, uh, some nice gifts, and I want to thank you, Stephen. I love the, um, that, that, the transformer that you sent. Is it Gigawatt? Uh, I don't know what it was called. I just know it was Back to the Future meets Transformers, and I was like, that's definitely a Brian gift. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was, uh, I think the name of the transformer is Gigawatt. And I remember when that came out, I was like, I always wanted it. And I never got it, so thank you so much. Like, that is fucking cool. It's, uh, it's a, 
Transformer that's the DeLorean that's straight out of Back to the Future, and it's fucking awesome. So thank you for that. Um, Semi-Dry Chicken, Wayne Swigert sent me a Christmas card. Thank you. June sent me a fucking dope shirt, and I want to let June know if she's listening that she sent me, like, this Jurassic Park shirt years ago, and I wear it all the time to this day. Uh, Philip Guillet sent me a uh, Blu-ray for the movie Stay Tuned, which I had mentioned that I had never seen. It stars John Ritter, so thank you, Philip. Uh, Love that movie. Mark Busking uh, sent me a dope fucking Daredevil helmet that he made on his 3D printer and a bunch of other cool um, little gifts, like a Job of the Hut figure with a Santa Claus hat on and shit. Fucking awesome. And then uh, listener Taryn, she sent uh, me a shirt. And then also, Jake, she sent us like a joint gift. So I got one for you. Um, she is friends. Allegedly, she's friends with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's sister, and she sent us two signed 8x10 photos of Vincent D'Onofrio. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh. And, yeah. Yeah. We, well, we actually got, and I, I don't have it pulled up right now. Hold on. Let me pause. All right. Yeah, I, here, here we go. I want to, we, we got an iTunes review from apparently Vincent D'Onofrio's sister, Jake. Wow. Yeah, so here's the bumper. We haven't played this in a while. Alright, it's titled I Love These Guys. It's a five star. And it's by Tony KJ. It says, my beautiful friend Taryn turned me onto your podcast. I love you guys and your humor. Thanks for making me chuckle and laugh. Also, you're pretty right on about what happens in Hawkeye. Love and hugs, Kingpin sister, Tony D'Onofrio Jorgensen. And so, yeah, Jake. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, so I got I got an eight by ten autograph photo of uh, of uh, Mr. Vincent D'Onofrio, the Kingpin himself, coming your way. I'm glad we mostly praise Vincent D'Onofrio. I don't think we've ever said anything negative about we, him. I love Vincent D'Onofrio. I always have. I love him, too. I love him, too. I, I will go so on the record. memorable performances. I will go on the record and say he's the best Men in Black villain ever. <laughs> I, I, high praise. Yeah. High praise. Jake, I'm telling you. High praise. Best, best Men in Black villain ever. I don't know that I can name another Men in Black villain. So Johnny Knoxville. Oh, really? Which one was he in? Part two. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think I've ever revisited any of the sequels. I've seen the first one like five times and the sequels once. Oh, my God. I remember my theatrical theatrical experience of seeing Men in Black for the first time in the theater, and I was just blown the fuck away. I just like mm -hmm. perfect blend of, you know, uh, sci-fi and comedy and just, oh, my God, you couldn't get... Or just you couldn't get two guys that are just too completely different than Tommy Lee Jones and and Will Smith. It was just a just a just a wonderful movie going experience back in 1997, wasn't it, Jake? Oh, it, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Will Smith doing Independence Day and Men to Black, basically back to back. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah, yeah. I miss I miss that I miss that Will Smith. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen anything like that popcorn fun. Yeah. I think maybe the last really fun Will Smith movie was, uh, I forget the name of it, but it was the superhero movie he was in. I thought was actually 
a pretty great movie. Uh, Hancock. Hancock, yeah. Yeah, I actually enjoyed Hancock, too. I don't know why it got so much shit. I thought it was fun. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's really aged well, too. Like, there's so much more superhero stuff out there. I think a lot of the commentary is even more relevant than it was when it came out. Oh, look for them to turn that into a series and recast. 100%. Like, it'll be like Amazon Prime, the Hancock series. Ten, ten episodes. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. I could see it. You know what another great uh, superhero comedy is? Is Meteor Man. Oh, I have never seen Meteor Man. That's with uh, Robert Townsend. Uh, Damon Wayans, I believe, is Meteor Man. Oh, Damon Wayans is Meteor Man? Who is Robert? No, T- that's that's Blank Man. Blank My Man. Bad. You're, you're right. You're right. Both of them aren't, aren't too bad. I, I think Blank Man is better, though. Okay. Yeah, I, it's it's been a long time since I've seen Blank Man with Damon Wayans, so I couldn't tell you any. <laughs> I just remembered that they were at, they were. It was originally wasn't it originally pitched from his character on In Living Color. Uh, it seems that way. Okay. Yeah. Which? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that character, Urgh. canceling him in 2021. Oh, it's 2020. <laughs> it's 2022 now. I can't say 2021. Yeah, we'll yeah. cancel him in 2022. Fuck it. Yeah. Blank man, a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, of course it is. Oh my god. <laughs> What's Meteor Man at? Oh, you have to give me a second. Ooh, I bet it's higher. I bet Meteor I Man bet is it higher. Is too. Because he was like the clean comic, Mr. Robert Townsend. So Not got, much higher. It's at a, a 25%. I told you it was higher, though. <laughs> it is higher. <laughs> Have you guys heard about this uh, this new technology? A Japanese professor has developed a TV you can taste. <laughs> no. Do you lick the screen? There are all sorts of implications to this. Oh, God. Porn is going to be so much fun. Yes. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Professor Homai Miyashita of the Maihi University has created a prototype television named Taste the TV, which allows users to lick their television screens and taste various food flavors. According to a Reuters report, the television features 10 built-in canisters which spray flavorings onto a hygienic film over the screen, which viewers can then lick. The professor suggested the unique item could be used to train cooks or sommeliers remotely and estimated it would cost $875 if sold commercially. Speaking to Reuters, he said the goal is to make it possible for people to have the experience of something like eating at a restaurant on the other side of the world, even while staying at home. So, yeah, it's a this is in the in the. In COVID times, this is the dumbest fucking idea I have ever heard in my entire life. This is so stupid. <laughs> so you better so hope. what do you do? What do you do? I mean, do, do you like clean before different people lick it or? I think there's different areas of the screen. It, it sounded like there's <laughs> 10 different deposit areas in the TV where you can put these fragrances in or whatever. And- I think what he said is he, uh, here's a quote. Professor Mia Shita said, you gotta lick it before you stick it. <laughs> wise words, wise words. <laughs> is what he's saying here. I mean, as far as using it for porn, you better be the first to use it because who knows what you're tasting. It may not be a part of the programming. Yeah, I mean, I assume you have to put in the, the stuff that you taste yourself, and it can only hold 10 different ones. So I don't really understand how that part's working. You can mix different flavors. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. a little bit of mix and match going on, kind of like a, kind of like what, you know, like what a printer does with the toner. You just got like the three colors in there and then all, and the black and then, and then you got all the, you got the, the amazing, uh, all, all the fucking colors they got, Jake. Yeah, I just think it's the explanation is so stupid too. Like talking about visiting restaurants around the world, you're like essentially licking a lollipop. Can you like see? Nothing. Can you see like fucking like Gordon Ramsay licking a TV? <laughs> I mean, actually, I very much can. That seems right up his alley. I can't see Gordon Ramsay licking a fucking TV. It's ridiculous. This TV screen is raw. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> TVs you could taste. Oh yeah, that's really fucking dumb. It's stupid. It's that's a terrible invention. Get the fuck. You think out they'd here. ever implement that into like uh was it the 4D experiences they're doing where like you like smell stuff too and all that? Like you could Yeah, like, but like what if like what a if, personal one that you like lick during the like movie or or experience and not, like not, not during like, not during COVID. I just can't well, yeah, see them of course not now, but I, Yeah, I I just I I don't know. It's like uh, it's just it's a stupid idea. <laughs> I just can't. See. And it sounds like something that's like about 20, 20 years too late. You'd see this back in like the two thousands and nineties or whatever. Mm. Unless this I can watch, idea. unless I can watch Willy Wonka and find out if the schnozberries taste like schnozberries, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually shocked at the cost, though. I would have guessed higher than eight hundred and seventy five dollars. Oh, no, it's, it's going to be. That's what they get you on, yeah. Jake. It's like you get the printer, but what's going to fucking cost you for the rest of your your fucking life it's the toner uh, cartridges it's the toner cartridges you're always replacing magenta and black or when cyan or whatever the fuck they're always you always need new you're always getting new cartridges it's the cartridges jake they're gonna make their money on the cartridges it's it's never, video games it's not the console it's the cartridges <laughs> like fuck i'm out of circus peanut flavor again yeah oh god you're, <laughs> you're the only one getting that one that's on fucking that's like half off jake <laughs> what this circus if, peanut uh, flavor it's like tv static <laughs> this all that's even works too, right? That's another thing, man. The TV static, like I, I assume they thought of that and they like reduced the static on this special TV. Like that doesn't seem very comfortable. <laughs> Depends on what you're into. Don't kink shame, Jake. No, no. Just and to me, it doesn't seem comfortable. But teach their own. Yeah, I'm kind of down for it. All right, guys, let's <laughs> <laughs> let's. This episode's terrible. Um, let's jump into good pop, bad pop. Time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. God, that was 28 minutes of somebody's life wasted. Um. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just looking at the time. Realize we wasted a lot of people's times. Um, Book of Boba Fett. Let's talk about Book of Boba Fett. Uh, it takes place across two timelines alongside the Mandalorian and Ahsoka. And immediately after the events of Return of the Jedi, uh, Tamira Morrison stars as Boba Fett with Ming-Na Wen, also starring as Fennec Shand. And uh, both are reprising their roles here from The Mandalorian and other Star Wars features. We got our... Episode one here dropped on Wednesday, titled Stranger in a Strange Land, directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by uh, John Favreau. And yeah, uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop. Uh, Jake, it's been I, I didn't even tell people what Good Pop, Bad Pop was this week. I figured you were getting to it. Yeah. Yeah. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. 
The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, Jake, uh, you watched this bad boy. How many? I've seen it a couple times now. Um, I've watched it twice. Yeah, me too. I've watched it twice. Um, what do you What do you think about uh, first episode here of uh, the Book of Boba Fett? Yeah, you know, for some reason, my hype level for this show was very low. I mean, it's not Mandalorian season three, and Boba Fett's never been one of my favorite Star Wars characters. So I just, I don't know, I wasn't intensely hyped for this show. It, it kind of took me by surprise. I, I liked it quite a lot. I'm going to give it a a very high taste. It. Um, I love seeing the stuff with the Tusken Raiders and the Gamorrean guards and just a lot of the classic like Star Wars stuff and expanding on it. I thought was really cool. And I, I thought Boba Fett and uh, Finnick were, were really well done, too. I'm very intrigued on where they're going with this series, like what the what the overall story arc is going to going to kind of be. But. Yeah, I thought this was a lot of fucking fun. I got to see my favorite jizz band again, too, the uh, Max Rebo band. Yeah, Max Rebo band. Yeah, that was awesome. And did you notice the uh, the dealer at the uh, – when they were playing the – like this Las Vegas card game or whatever? It was uh, Rex from Sabacc, the – Is that what it is in Star Wars? Was it Sabacc that they were playing? I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I would recognize Sabak if I saw it or not. Sure, but they were I mean, the the dealer uh, with the visor, the droid with the visor. That was, and I knew this immediately. I was like, we're going to see articles on this. Like, did you recognize that droid? And it was um, Rex from Star Tours, the R three X droid from the Star Tours. I, I did not know that. I, I'm just not familiar with the Star Tours, like Canon and those creatures very well. I don't oh, think God. I would recognize that. I I went on Star Tours twice. I fucking I loved it. I was just like, yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> I always wanted to anything that could get me closer to the Star Wars universe when I was a kid. Um, I tried because I definitely masturbated to Slave Leia in Return of the Jedi multiple times as a child. So anything that <laughs> I could do to get closer to this galaxy far, far away. Uh. <laughs> it's very weird, though. Like, we've only gotten two live-action Star Wars series, and both are, you know, kind of the same genre, the same, like, you know, bounty hunter characters, just different ones. It's kind of bizarre. I never would have guessed Did that you that see on the front page of Disney Plus, it's got, like, you know, the different sections, like, for, you know, Marvel and all this stuff. But then it's got, like, this one subset that's uh, uh, the Bounty Hunters section or something. It's named Bounty Hunters something, and it's all Star Wars stuff with, like, any movie that had a bounty hunter in it from Star Wars, I was like, this is a little stupid. <laughs> yeah, that is a little bit – that is stupid. I did see that, and they put the uh, Star Wars holiday special Boba Fett cartoon in that section too. Really? Oh my yeah, God. yeah. They don't have the whole holiday special. They just have the yeah. animated segment from it. Did they did, – Is it? does it got like restoration and all that? Uh, it's It's not – 100% HD, no. It's still like in the black boxes on the two sides. and. But I feel like every time I've watched the holiday special, it's been like a, you know, a copy of a copy of a copy, you know? It's so... Yeah, I've got a really good YouTube link if you... I mean, I don't know why you would want to revisit it, but... Yeah, it's pretty bad. If you did. It's pretty terrible. Yeah. All right. Uh, Steven, uh, what did you think about uh, the Book of Boba Fett? 
Uh, I liked it. I think it was more just about nostalgia. I feel like it felt weaker to me as far as like the presentation. It, I don't know, like, uh, the droid that was in the, the part where he's like getting the gifts from the different, uh, whatever people in the area, uh, I felt looked really bad. Like, I know like they're, they're all about using props versus CGI, but, I just feel like those kind of moments, it, it looked a little too fake for me. And that kind of took me out of what I was watching. But um, overall, I enjoyed it. I, I think they did a little too much with the flashback stuff. But I'm I'm excited to see where this is going. I'm more interested in the uh, relationship that he's going to have with uh, Fennec. Uh, especially based off like how they met and and kind of, you could kind of see in this episode it feels like they have this different perspective of how to wool I guess so I'm curious how that's going to play out over the season yeah yeah what would you rate it uh it was a taste it I think it has a lot of potential I we know the Mandalorian is is doing great things and this is spun off that so I think that uh I expected it to, to be great by the end, but I was a little disappointed overall with the first episode. So just taste it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll jump in. I had I didn't have a lot of expectations for this, and I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch a single trailer for it. I knew the trailers were out, and I was like, I'll just skip them. I'll just wait until it comes out. I'm fine with that. I'll just skip it. It's not like I wasn't excited for the series. I just didn't have, you know, I just didn't have the fever for it really. So I was just like, I'll just skip <clears> and I'll wait. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought Robert Rodriguez did a great job. I, I absolutely um, love his directorial style when he, you know, when he worked on The Mandalorian. I loved it here. I do like the jumping in between two different time periods. I think it's, I think it's uh, something that they need to definitely dive into. I mean, the, you know, one of the times that we see him in The Mandalorian, he's got like the gaffy stick from the, from the sand people. And it's like, how did he get that? You know, like. You know, why is he fighting with a gaffy stick? And we're going to get to see all this stuff is like his relationship uh, with the with the sand people. I think it expounds upon the sand people as well. And these are different sand people, which I think is really cool because of the sand people that we saw in The Mandalorian, they all wore the same outfit. This one, everybody's pretty much dressed differently. And uh, we can see that some people are higher up in the ranks just by the way that they're dressed, these certain sand people. Um, I... I, I really, I really loved this episode. I saw a lot of people saying like, you know, nothing really happened. It was, you know, it was boring. It was this, it was that. And I, I, I loved it. It's just the fact that we're going to get to see what happens to Jabba's, you know, criminal syndicate after, um, you know, Jabba and, uh, now Bib Fortuna have been dethroned. And now that he's trying to rule out, not out of fear, but just out of respect. And I think that is going to cause problems with him and Fennec Shand who have like formed this friendship and, and you know, this relationship with each other. And I think that might cause problems between those two. And I think that'll be an interesting dynamic going forward. Um, I, I loved it. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I thought it was fantastic. And, um, really getting in. I mean, he's a different character now. Like we can, what we saw from him in like the original, you know, trilogy, it's like now that he's out of the Sarlacc pit, now that he spent time with the sand people, he's changed. He's different. And I want to see what happens with him with the sand people. I'm fully intrigued on like his time with the sand people. I love the way it's jumping back and forth. So yeah, I'm, I am 
definitely down for this fucking series. Kevin, what'd you think? Yeah, um, I'm not that high on that first episode. Um, I would just taste that first episode. I thought I liked a lot of the jumping back and forth a couple of timelines, but I thought how they explained how he got out of the Sarlacc pit was a little too easy, a little too quick. It was just, boom, you're going to spend 20 seconds, and he's out. I think you got to get a little bit more than that. Um, is that I, just is that just our expectations over the last you know thirty it years? It probably is. It probably is. But I think for something for a character like him that has been thought about. I mean, he, I mean he's a huge character for what little screen time he's had in, in some of these movies, and I I think it deserves a little bit more than what it got. Now maybe we'll get more. I don't know. Um, but I, the fighting, the hand to hand fighting in this episode, I didn't think was very good. I mean, well, it was, it was underwhelming at least to me. I mean, Phoenix fighting was great. Everything else, I don't know. It just, it just didn't feel like a man, like a kind of the quality, like a Mandalorian series, even in that first few episodes of the Mandalorian series felt to me. Um, hopefully it gets better for me. I mean, like I said, I'll taste it. I liked it, but I was kind of underwhelmed by it. Um, and, and what I thought was lacking too was the music. I thought the music was not on that Mandalorian level. Um, and that kind of hit for me where the Mandalorian music really, really plays for me. This, I just couldn't get into it, the music wise. But I do enjoy, I did enjoy it. Um, my one question for everyone is, okay, we, we know how Jabba went down. I mean, and that was a cartel, right? Essentially. I mean, there are other, that's his species. There are other huts out there, right? There are, as far as we know, we would guess that there might be other huts on Tatooine. I mean, there are Why? other huts. Then, then, I would think if, if Hut or if Jabba was taken down, why is not another Hut jumping in or at least making an appearance here? You would think if it was some sort of cartel or scaled crime operation, there would be another one of his species jumping in. Well, I mean, that could I, still happen. It could still happen. Like at the end of the episode, we saw those guys that were attacking that moisture farm. And they're leaving their symbol up and it could be the red key raiders that we saw in the Mandalorian, um, or it could be a different group. And I mean, they could be led by, you know, someone of Jabba's species. Okay. Okay. I'm not I, t- I hope, I hope yeah. something like that. Cause I just, I hate to think that, I mean, Jabba gets taken out and then we don't think about him anymore. I mean, it, there, there are other ones that I would think in a crime organization would be out for blood. I mean, think about this. Like, I I don't see, I don't think that John Favreau and Dave Filoni would like just say, no, we can't do that. I mean, these are the guys that brought us fucking Luke Skywalker coming back last year. I mean, that's true. That's true. At the end of one of these episodes, we could see like, you know, one of these red key Raiders go into a lair. And then at the end of it, we could just hear, you know, like, Oh my God, you know, and this, Mind's blown. I mean, they might be saving on to some of the best stuff 
And I gotta think that they are holding on to some of the best stuff for later episodes. That's true. I mean, this was episode one, so I mean, in what could be multiple seasons, so well, yeah, they, I mean, they had a, maybe they had a, I'm just thinking. They had a lot to fucking, like, fit into this as far as, like, you know, his time with the uh, Tuscan Raiders and, and, uh, I enjoyed it. I loved the, the fight that he had with the monster out there in the sand dunes. The, it looked like a, one of those Clash of the Titans monsters. It was very <laughs> fucking cool. Um, is I, is that like a new, he killed it? Oh, sorry. Uh, Do you think I was he just... did the, the Jabba death on purpose? Were we supposed to draw a parallel there? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. On the Hut stuff, um, I've watched a lot of Clone Wars, and I don't think there really are too many Huts on Tatooine. Okay. Um, they deal with Zorba and a couple of the other Huts, and they're all on different planets. But I still don't think it's too far fetched that we reveal a Java relative as someone who has invested money in getting revenge on Bubba Fett or whoever's trying to take over Java's empire. I I could see that being a storyline, but I also don't think there's a Hut like two doors down that's ready to just come and. <laughs> beat some fucking fat ass like i i think they're kind of spread all over the galaxy i don't think he has a large family presence on tatooine okay. i feel like even rebels had a touch on the hut family to an extent if i'm correct it's been a while since i've watched it but i think they kind of went into that aspect at some point that means i'm gonna have to watch that stuff because i've never seen rebels oh, um, i mean i know his brother or and his uncle Wars. are on different planets and that's touched on in like the first five episodes of Clone Wars. Okay. Hmm. I I enjoyed seeing Gamorrean guards kick ass finally. No, I that love that cool. too. That was I love cool. that they really were loyal. I thought that was really cool. Like it, yeah. it kind of gave me a little bit of the the chills when they actually put Fett in his you know whatever they call the the healing pod. I'm blanking on that. The back to tank. Back to tank. There you go. The back to tank. And like that really like proved to the audience that they were of their word. And that they were now loyal to Fett. I thought that went a lot, a long way. I mean, when we think about, you know, let's see, let's see what his rise is like. They could do it like, I mean, if they really wanted to go Game of Thrones with it, they could kind of do it not on the scale of like a Daenerys, but we could see his empire rise and, and then fall at times. I, I think it's going to be a fun watch. How many episodes are in this season? Is it seven or eight? I don't, okay. I'm completely unsure. I have no idea. I think when I looked on IMDb, it was seven, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I like. I hope they make Fett really gray. I'd like to see Fett a little bit more on the darker side than we've seen the Mandalorian. I think that's what's more interesting about his character. Like it, it's not completely about honor. A little bit, uh, you know, it's about money. Yeah, but he's changed now with his time with the Tusken Raiders, and I think that that's what they're doing here a little bit. I think the dark turn is going to come from Fennec Shand. I could see that. I could see that. You know, this, I just, you know, I, we all know who he was before. It's just, I feel like his time with the Tusken Raiders, they're going to show us the softer side of Boba Fett here. (laughs) You know what I mean? So is that going to be something that you think is going to be played out throughout the whole season? Or do you think that's pretty much, we just got the first episode to kind of establish that he, built this relationship with that community to like kind of grow him as a character. It, it could go either way from there. It could go either way. I mean, it could, I I think it could flip back and forth all the way up to like the penultimate episode, but the final episode with no flashbacks. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it could flip back and forth. 
Okay. I bet we'll get flashbacks the whole season, but I, I agree. It could go either way, but my, my gut tells me that this is a thing. My question about the, the monster that was earlier, uh, was that something that is like a known creature in canon or is that like something brand new to the Star Wars universe as far as it's, fans are aware? It's, it's brand new. Okay. Yeah, we haven't seen that before. It was like a San Goro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, love, I, I love the Goro. Cr- <laughs> well, I thought I, it was really cool, though, how they did that where it walked on four legs but also could use it as four arms. I thought that was a really clever tactic of, of how they could use yeah, yeah, I liked it too. Like and then the it had like uh, chameleon eyes, or a gek- was it chameleon eyes where like they bounce all over and they can go like three sixty degrees and shit. Yeah, yeah, like lizard eyes. Yeah, I loved the Rodian too. I thought I thought his character was pretty hilarious. Yeah, that um, the the Rodian prisoner that was actually voiced by Sam Witwer, who was the uh, voice oh, of Darth Maul. Darth Maul in. Uh, in the animated stuff. And then, uh, he was also, uh, Sam Witwer was, uh, in the sci-fi series being human, which I, the U S version, which I absolutely loved when that was on. He played the vampire in that series. Dude, he was in Smallville way back in the day. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I love Sam Witwer. I think he's great. He's the lead in a video game called days gone. And he does an amazing job with that game. Robert Rodriguez was a cameo in this. He was, uh, it, I think he was the second guy to come in and, and give tribute. He played Doc Strassi. He's a, the Trandoshan who presents Fett with a Wookiee pelt as tribute. And that was Robert Rodriguez. I was wondering if that was just a straight up Wookiee pelt. It sure looked like it. Yeah, it was a Wookiee pelt. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, next week we won't be talking about the Book of Boba Fett because we're doing the Tupperware's Award Show, but we'll probably be talking about the Book of Fett going forward in future episodes. So, yeah, I enjoy the series. Any final thoughts on uh, the Book of Boba Fett? I just kind of agree with Kevin on the whole idea of, like, the him getting out of the pit. It just felt like I, – I guess I just expected there to be a little bit more of a a badass – nature to that that scene of him getting out rather than just kind of what he did it just felt very quick and lackluster i've seen this complaint a lot i'm honestly a little bit confused about this complaint i I thought it was the perfect amount of time with this um i feel like the longer you go with this the dumber it comes off like he's he just blasts his way out of the pit i thought it was really neat to see inside the sarlacc i thought the way he got himself like some oxygen with the stormtrooper that was being digested was really cool. Have you heard it? Have you heard it hypothesized that that could have been a clone trooper? No. Well, think about this because they say that like when you're in there, you get digested over a thousand years. And if you look at the armor, it's slowly being digested. You can see like parts of it have been eaten away. So it's been in there for a while. It could have been in there for 20 years. So that could be a clone trooper. So it could, if he, if he took off the helmet and was able to see the face, I'm sure it would have looked mangled, but if he would have seen it, uh, before it, it could have looked just like him. Yeah. That's cool. That is really fucking cool. I, I didn't even think about that. I just thought they were stormtroopers that fell right off the, uh, there the were, skiff. there were no stormtroopers on the sail barge. If you watch that movie, there are oh, no yeah, stormtroopers there. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. 
Yeah, so I don't know. I thought it was just the right amount of time spent on this. I think anything more expansive would have been cheesier than what they did. Um, I'm, to- I'm, I'm totally with you. And so I'm totally I'd love to call back to that. Call back to what? Uh, Parks and Rec. Patton Oswalt actually. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, I saw yeah. that the, the filibuster the, scene. The filibuster. 2013, where he basically describes the scene to a T and how he would do the Return of Boba Fett. Have and, you seen uh, it lined up with the video? I have seen it lined up. It's, yeah, it's fucking hilarious. That made me appreciate it more. Um, I, and I didn't have a problem with it on first viewing. I just thought it was one of those things that you had to establish, establish it and move on. Like I didn't need a 30 to 45 minute episode of the adventures inside the Sarlacc pit. I well, think no, a little I is a yeah, lot. I, obviously not that long. I don't long. think 30 to 40, but I think he, he needed to really, I think it was such a, it was such a momentous thing. I mean, he was in the pit. I think you got to show him struggling to get out of it more than what you did. But I mean, I don't know. I, but I think, yeah. Rather than the 20 seconds that you showed. We're just there. watching a guy fry this thing and then climb for the next fucking 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, not that, but you gotta, you gotta struggle a little bit to get out of there. It's he, like I, the Dark Knight, right? It's a legendary it's the ultimate thing. test. <laughs> yeah, he's gotta jump from like one part of like this, of an, of a neck muscle to the other part of a neck muscle. I guess I assume that the thing would have used like its tentacles to try and like grab him or something. I don't know. It just. I don't think it's a it's a creature that really has much mobility. That's why they use it in the way they use it. It's just this thing that if you fall into, yeah, like once you're in there, wasn't it kind of people in the old movies though? Like, didn't a tentacle grab someone's leg and pull them in? Yeah, that's special edition. That's special edition. Oh, okay, (laughs) okay. And they they made it a point. Kid, it was it was just a big badge. Exactly, have all that tentacle stuff going on. Yeah. All right. Um, let's jump in. I want to talk about some other stuff that I've been watching over the past few weeks that I haven't been able to really talk about. Jake, I watched, um, The Abyss for the first time in probably over in a, over a decade. That's fucking awesome. I need to revisit that. I've still never seen the, uh, extended special edition. For oh, that. it's the, it's the Cameron director's cut. Yeah. Yeah. You need to watch that. That's fantastic. Did I, so I watched The Abyss and oh my God, that movie still fucking holds up and like you want to talk about like people you know people get upset with james cameron and his thoughts on like wonder woman and stuff like that but you gotta realize that this guy did make some badass female characters as far as like what he did with ripley and aliens and then even what he did in this movie what's her name um Master Antonio, what's her name? I can't. Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. Yeah, Master Antonio. She is fucking incredible in this movie. Her and Ed Harris, they just have fucking amazing chemistry in this movie. The part where uh, she has to drown and he's going to swim her out of there and... Like, I'm fucking crying while watching this. And I'm talking like, Jake, this movie's been out for 30 plus years. I've seen, when the movie first came out, I would watch it on HBO all the time. I think I recorded it on the VHS and I would just watch it over and over and over and over again. And I'm still just like, oh my God, the performances there are amazing. And like when they're, when he's performing CPR on her and they're using the defibrillator and she's not breathing and everybody's crying and he's yelling at her and slapping her. Oh my God. I was just, I, it is such an incredible fucking movie. Like Kevin, have you seen The Abyss? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I think, 
I've seen it. The last time I saw it was probably a year or two ago, and it really does hold up. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, I mean, the acting, the effects, I, I, it, it's, it's, it's a fantastic film. And I even love the soundtrack as well. Uh, the, the music, I didn't look it up, but it sounds, the music sounds very reminiscent of the music that you hear in the movie The Predator. It, it, you know why? Because it's the same guy. It has to be. Yeah, it's Sylvester, Alan Silvestri. Alan Silvestri. Yeah, I, yeah. Silvestri. yeah, he did. He did Predator, and of course, yeah, he did this movie too. Yeah, I, I when I was watching it, I was like, this has to be the exact same guy that did mm-hmm. the Predator because it sounds, it sounds, and it fits, and it works, and it's great. And oh my god, did you know that the scenes? And I was looking this. Stephen, have you ever seen The Abyss? Yeah, I saw it when I was really young. The the liquid oxygen stuff like really blew my mind when I was a child. It's like, real. I was like, what the hell is this? That sh- <laughs> that shit is real. Mm-hmm. Those That's scenes, crazy. the scene with the rat. I looked this up, and I knew this before, but I I just I I had to look it up again for myself. That is real. Um, it's the scene where when the the SEAL team arrives, and I got this from filmschoolrejects.com and it it gets into this liquid and they test it out on a rat and it's oxygenated perfluorocarbon emulsion and mm-hmm. it's this liquid that's like got it's been injected with like a lot of I guess a lot a shit fuck ton of oxygen and you can actually breathe this water and Here's what it says in this article. Long story short, the rat demonstration scene in the abyss was unsimulated and used real life oxygenated breathing fluid. Ed Harris, however, was tasked with pretending to breathe in his water filled, uh, water filled helmet. This was especially challenging during underwater shots, of which there were many. Quote, I was a little apprehensive about sticking this rat into this water, remarks Adam Nelson in the documentary, for fear of what everybody else would think, that it would end up killing this rat. The fluid you see on screen is, in fact, real oxygenated perfluorocarbon fluid that allows mammals to appear to breathe water. Uh, Dr. Johannes Kilstra and Dr. Peter Bennett of Duke University pioneered the technique and consulted with Cameron providing detailed instructions for its use per the Starlog article. Do they still, did they still make Starlog magazine, Jake? No way. I think they make Fangoria still, but not Starlog. Well, Fangoria definitely came back. Yeah. Starlog, uh, Cameron's initial inspiration for the abyss traces back to a lecture he attended in high school where Francis J. Falzik, the first human being to breathe oxygenated fluids, spoke about the technology being developed at Duke. Supposedly, the only purpose for the cuts in the sequence was to avoid showing the rats defecating from panic. In, huh. in total, the crew shot the scene, <laughs> the, the crew shot the scene five times with five different rats. Aftercare included holding the rats upside down to drain their lungs of the fluid coupled with a vet visit. None of these efforts. Talk talk about something that probably wouldn't fly today. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, no. Not see that happen today. No, they go on to talk about how this stuff is $400 a gallon. Crazy. Can you imagine? Wow. The pr- yeah. What's the price now? And that was back, you know, back in like 1990 money. Like, what is it is this, now? This must be why we haven't made Atlanteans yet. Oh, it's, I just, I, I was just blown away that like, that's, that's real. That's not, 
that is not a CGI scene. That was 100 or, or, you know, any, any type of, you know, camera trickery. That was a hundred percent real. I was blown away by that. Yeah. I never knew that. That's fucking crazy. I, I didn't even know that technology existed where they had a liquid they could breathe in like that. I remember reading it as a kid and I remember talking about it to other kids. But I never, like, we didn't have the internet back then, so it was, like, stuff that you would get from magazines. But to to read about it today on the internet, I was just kind of blown away. Um, are there any uh, defecating rats in the director's cut? No, there are not. No. So what does this mean for the T-1000, then? Like, is that real? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Uh, oh, I also watched... Yeah, just a few of the things that I watched over the past few weeks. I, did you guys watch The Unforgivable with Sandy B, Sandra Bullock? I did not. The Netflix movie? Yeah. No, I have not yet. Watch it. It's really good. Yeah, I will check it out. I I liked Bird Box. I know it, it has a lot of detractors. Yeah, but, I'm one of them. I've never <laughs> seen that one yet. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't the biggest fan of Bird Box. It just came off the heels of... Um, the uh what's the quiet place the quiet place maybe a little too quickly for my for my taste maybe if that would have came out sooner if it would have came out before quiet place i would have liked it more but um oh i finished uh part two of season two of pen 15 with maya erskine and anna conkle and i tupperware that i love it i think they said they're done for now they don't yeah they kind of heard that too did you watch it kevin I've seen the first season, I believe, but I haven't seen anything after that. Yeah, I love. So the second, the second parts have held up to the first. Yeah, I mean, really, it's good. It's very good, and I, I think that uh, the way they, if it is wrapped up completely and they don't do a season three, I like the way they wrap this one up. I even like the animated episode that they did. Oh, that was so fun! Yeah, um, How to with John Wilson is back on HBO Max, and it is fantastic. I'm loving it. I've watched the first three episodes and I love it. Um, I'm two episodes deep into Masters of the Universe. Um, the part two stuff that came out and I'm still enjoying that. Um, I watched the, did you watch the season finale of Curb yet, Jake? I have not. I'm like three <laughs> episodes behind. Oh God, God. I, that's like, I watch them on Mondays. Um, and, oh, I love it. Are you watching it, Kevin? Oh yeah, yeah. Curb is one of our favorite shows here, my wife and I. And it, it, this season, the whole season had been fantastic. And I absolutely loved the, the, the season ending, the finale as well. <laughs> so good. Fantastic. You'll love it, Jake. It's really fun. And what's her name is, um, I'll just say, um, what, who is that? That's Tracy Ullman, isn't Tracy it? Tracy Ullman, as, yeah. Yes. She's just fantastic in the role that she's been playing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, I was catch up on that still. Um, not many people will remember this, but the first time the Simpsons ever appeared on TV were on the Tracy Ullman show during the shorts. Jake, you'll remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. It looks so crude back then too. It's hilarious oh, to yeah. see. Yeah. The, 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 the way they were drawn, even the voices have changed and it was like, and then when the show first came out, they were like, they had a push on Bart. And then they realized that Homer's funnier. So then they really went strong on Homer. So, uh, yeah, it's the same actors, but like 
he was doing like a full on Walter Matthau impersonation yeah. for Homer back in the day. Yeah. It, it wasn't quite the voice you know now. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I finished True Story with uh, Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes. I Tupperware that whole fucking season. So good. That is an incredible fucking miniseries. I loved it. So if you didn't watch True Story, watch it. And that's on, was that, yeah, that was on Netflix. Absolutely love True Story. Sounds like nobody watched True Story. No, I didn't even know about it. I haven't watched it. No, yet. I haven't watched it either. Okay. Let's talk about, um, oh, did you guys watch anything over the past few weeks you wanted to talk about? Uh-huh. Nothing too big. I watched that Sesame Street documentary. I thought it was a Tupperware. It was really cool. I'm a big Jim Henson, Frank Oz fan. And just seeing them do their thing behind the scenes was really fucking awesome. And yeah, I thought it was really well done. It's not a a kiddie documentary either. It's very adult and talks very much about what they were trying to do and like the state of children's television when the show first came into conception. Uh, It was really fascinating. Yeah, I'll have to check that. What was that? What's that on? I don't even know. It's on HBO Max. It's an HBO Max exclusive. Okay, I'll check Um, that out. I also watched the Beanie Baby documentary that's on (laughs) HBO Max. I I did not like it. It was a toss it for me. Um, I don't know. It just like it didn't really talk about like the the Beanie Babies themselves, but so much as the people they got sucked down the wormhole of collecting them, and it was just. Seeing a lot of people that like pretty much bought themselves into poverty from how much money they spent on Beanie Babies, and it, is that older? Really, Did that come out like earlier in the year? Because I feel like I've watched that. Hmm, I think it. I thought it came out just a few weeks ago. Okay, then I watched something else where they were talking about Beanie Babies. Like I was watching. Uh, I have watched you seen Dark Side of the Nineties. Dark Side of the Nineties. I watched the Beanie yeah. Babies. Yep, that's exactly what I watched. Yep. There you go. There you go. And other than that, I've just been um, I've been doing a Top Chef rewatch. So I I crammed through about three seasons of Top Chef in the last three weeks. So it's been a lot of fun. That's something I haven't watched in a long time. I used to love Top Chef. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's all on Peacock. That's what kind of got me into it. So I've just been going season by season. I'm on season eight now. I'm on season eight of Friends, episode nine, um. episode nineteen. That's awesome. That's awesome. I've been slowly doing a free Friends rewatch. I'm on uh, season four, I believe. Yeah, after Friends, it's uh, it's it's full on married with children for me. That's what I'm going. I'm doing all nice. married with children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The last episode I watched was the episode where uh, Phoebe gets her bike for the first time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one. Uh, yeah, I, I'm blowing through these episodes. I'm like watching like three or four a night sometimes. So. That's yeah, um, pretty fucking funny. You're not going to move on to Joey afterwards? No, no, probably not. <laughs> I think it's a damn shame that Joey never met up with Woody from Cheers. Oh, yeah, that would have been a hilarious like meeting of like two characters that are very similar. I <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think's smarter between those two characters? Definitely Joey. Yeah. Yeah, Joey's more of the ladies' man, too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that makes him smarter. Yeah. <laughs> I also already watched the um, Return to Hogwarts special. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll watch that. Yeah, I, I will watch that. How was it? It was great. It, it was fantastic. I I didn't expect them to talk to the directors as much as they did. 
And they spend a lot of time like talking to Chris Columbus and Alfonso Curon and Mike Newell and just their input into like what they added to the series is really fascinating. Mm. And just seeing the actors talk to those directors again as adults, it, it was really, really cool. I, I very much enjoyed it. That's cool. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that it came out and I love those movies. So I'll definitely be watching that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think it was quite as good as the Friends reunion because it's almost kind of the, a little bit of the same format. Yeah. But it, it was still very good. Very cool. Uh, we all watched, uh, I'm assuming we all watched the Matrix Resurrections, uh, dropped on HBO Max and in theaters. Um, uh, to find out if his reality is a physical or mental construct, Mr. Anderson, a.k.a. Neo, will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. If he's learned anything, it's, it's that choice. While an illusion is still the only way out of or into the Matrix, Neo already knows what he has to do. But what he doesn't yet know is that the Matrix is stronger, more secure, and far more dangerous than ever before. It's pr- uh, produced, co-written, and directed by Lana Wachowski. It's a sequel to Matrix Revolutions and the fourth and final installment in the Matrix film franchise. Uh, Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss reprise their roles and uh, they're joined by Yaya Abdul-Mateen, Jessica Henwick, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, Jonathan Groff, and Priyanka Chopra join us. And it's set 60 years after the events of Revolutions. And um, yeah, what would you think? Steven, did you get a chance to watch this? Yeah, I did. Uh, I was pretty disappointed in this one. I, I'd say I wasn't like a huge fan of the Matrix movies. I liked the first one. The other two I thought were slowly going downhill. The third I thought was the worst. So I didn't really have any anticipation for this movie, but I was going to watch it. And I'd say I thought the fighting scenes were really weak. It felt like they were sluggish. They just didn't. It just there were there wasn't really that moment of this feels like a Matrix uh, staple, you know, where they have crazy physics based action and stuff like that. It just felt like there was like one moment I think that they showed in the trailer, and that was basically it. They didn't really improve on that kind of stuff to, to advance and go to the next level with this movie, like they did with the other ones, and they felt like. Uh, you know, they felt like they were a, a thing in their time. This just kind of felt like they didn't even compare. Uh, plot-wise, it felt very basic. It, it didn't seem like they got as complex as they did with the others. Maybe that was like a intended thing for for criticism that the other movies had. It just felt overall like this. I don't even know why it even existed, to be honest. It just felt like it was a weak sequel. Jake, I'm curious to – what did you rate it? I would give it a low taste. I think that people who maybe are really hardcore with the canon maybe would appreciate it more. But like I felt like it just didn't do enough for me. Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I was. I let myself get very hyped for this movie. I thought the trailers were very good. And I was really – rooting for redemption for the second and the third movie. Like I, I can't think of a time I was more disappointed in a sequel than when I saw matrix two for the first time. It was just such a fucking letdown because matrix one was one of the best movies in 1999, which is just a year full of fucking oh. amazing movies. Fight club. Um, Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, episode one. <laughs> oh, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, man, I was so fucking disappointed by this movie. I, it makes me so mad. I, I'm going to give this movie a very giant toss it. Um, I thought the second half was a little bit better than the first half. Um, man, the, they just beat you over the head with the meta commentary, and it's not so much interesting as it is super cringy. Like, it just took me out of the movie, like, how much they were, like, referring to the previous movies. And I thought it was a little bit over the top how often they had to show us clips from the previous three movies. It's like, either do your research or go home, audience. Like, I, and I didn't think any of that really added much to it. It didn't, like, make it seem like the uh, Trinity-Neo relationship was even more stronger by them showing me clippets of them hugging and, and just all the various different clips they showed of the previous movies. I, I thought that was just over the top and bad. Um, I thought M- M- MPH, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, was so fucking campy and terrible in this, and he really took me out of the movie. Um, I thought the score was really awful. Um, you could really see the absence of the guy who did the score for the original three movies. Um, it was a very, very weak score. And I, I don't know, man. It's like the movie makes these meta commentaries about how they, you know, they have to find their next bullet time. They have to find their next thing. And it's like this movie never finds its next thing. It very much just feels like a retread of the, the story you saw from the first movie. Um, on a positive note, I did find it fascinating just learning what had happened outside the Matrix in the last 60 years. That was probably the most interesting aspect of the movie to me, just actually knowing what the repercussions from what Neo did in that third movie was pretty fascinating and not necessarily what I would have predicted happened. So, I mean, that kind of took me by surprise. But overall, I thought this movie was a giant turd. I mean, I just as bad as Matrix 2 and 3 to me. Uh, this, this franchise is just fucking over, at least as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Kevin, what'd you think? <laughs> I'm going to echo a lot of what Jake just said. Um, I, I, I tossed this in the trash. I mean, it's... Um, <laughs> I get the overall main points. I mean, it is a romance movie. Love is the genesis of everything. Neo and Trinity's love is the point of this, but... Um, it it is so meta on meta on meta on meta. It is it, it, to me, it's almost like if the Matrix wrote code for fan fiction about the original Matrix movies. I it, it is what you get. I mean that it is what it is. And uh, my biggest complaint, though, is I mean outside of the meta stuff, is, is the fight choreography, the use of quick cuts, and that shaky cam, handheld cam crap. I mean, this isn't a Jason Bourne movie. Uh, this th- this is like the direct opposite of what you saw in the first three movies. I mean, those first from a choreography, wire work, martial arts training, stable cam perspective, those movies are pretty much impeccable when it comes from that perspective. Uh, this you get the quick jump cuts, you get the. Um, the very shaky stuff where you cannot see what's going on during fights. And then, um, I, I, not a single frame of the, like the action shots in the movie is where I will step back and say, wow, look at that. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I mean, outside of Neo's force push stuff, wherever that came from, um, I, I, 
this this doesn't look like a movie that I mean took a hundred and ninety million, two hundred million dollars to make. I mean from an action stunt aspect. Um I get the exposition. I do get it. I mean, this is a different matrix and, but it does get bogged down in exposition. I agree with Jake 100% about Neil Patrick Harris. I like the guy, but he plays a jerk really well, but he took me out of this a lot just by seeing his face. Um, the score is very uninspired. I, it doesn't compare in the slightest to the originals. Um, I didn't even like, I like the last song that, I mean, at the end of the movie, uh, Rage Against Machines Wake Up. I mean, it used in the original at the end credits. Well, they used, uh, Brass Against, the, the band Brass Against their version of Wake Up over this, and it just didn't work. Um, and then I'm not even gonna say anything about the, the post-credits scene, cause that is pretty much the worst post-credits scene I've ever seen in my life. And I'll take, a hundred Hawkeye post-credit scenes over what we got in this movie. Yeah. I think I like this post-credit scene better than the Hawkeye one. At least it was only 10 seconds. Yeah, I'll take this. They're both garbage. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you are comparing garbage to garbage. Yeah. Man, this is, this is just a steaming pile of just, just crap. I mean, at least with the Hawkeye stuff, you had some talented individuals portraying something on screen. I mean, people could sing and dance. This stuff, though, on the other hand, this is just crap. Um, I've watched the movie a few times. Um, I've read the discourse on the internet about it and the meanings and stuff like that. I just, it just doesn't change it for me. I mean, I you watched reading this movie a, more than once. Yeah, I watched it once in the theater and twice on HBO Max. And Jesus just Christ. to make sure, just to make sure, because since I had such strong feelings on it. I wanted to make sure that I was, I mean, I was right in my feelings and I just, I get, I mean, reading into the history about why it was made. And I mean, it's the movie is essentially a fuck you to the studio by Alana Wachowski. I mean, but ultimately it's unneeded. I mean, I, I'll never watch it again. I will watch Reloaded and Revolutions before I watch this thing, and I probably will never watch those again as well. Is the fuck you that it just won't make a lot of money? Well, I think they, they, I believe they went to, basically said they were going to make this movie with her or not, with her involvement or not. So she was gonna, I mean, so she said, okay, I'm gonna make this movie because these are essentially mine. Mm-hmm. And, I think she made the movie she wanted to make with what she wanted to do. And I think with you could the kind meta of see stuff, her experiences and stuff and, and wanting to like make it her own from what they had in the original, original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I don't think that it was really executed in the right way. No, I, don't I mean, to me, to me, it, I mean, if, if you're going that route of this is a different mate, I mean, this is a different, I mean, these robots remade the matrix. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can see the points to a bit of where things are going to be different because it is not the same matrix anymore, but it is not what I expected and um, not what I expected from a matrix movie at all. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I uh, I love the trailers. I was fucking blown away by the trailers. Um, I think I came in at a disadvantage because I didn't go back. I watched the first one, but I did not go back and watch, um, you know, the the sequels. And, uh, you know, so then when they're bringing up sequel stuff in the movie, I'm just like, okay, I do not remember any of this because I haven't seen those movies since they first came out. And, um, yeah, uh, I, I did not like this movie at all. Uh, I wanted to love it. Um, I'm going to give it a toss it and I am going to Tupperware Lawrence Fishburne for not being in it. Um, <laughs> Hugo, weaving, Hugo Weaving too, right? Yeah. What was his reasoning for not being in it? I mean, did they just not ask him or? I have no idea, but. It was, he was busy with McGruber, I'm sure. <laughs> I just. I, I don't think they asked him, actually. I, I think um, they killed off the character in the online video game yeah. that's actually considered canon. And um, they that's canon. So they didn't ask him to come back. And that's why it is, they did what, what they did with the character in this movie. I just had, I just felt like this was like a retread of a lot of, you know, story beats that happened in the first Matrix movie. And. I just like the way that that one was done. I just, I just did not like this. And I, I was like, I couldn't do what you did, Kevin, and go back and watch it again. I just like, no. I just, like, <laughs> I just like, I didn't, I saw it in the theater and I saw it in IMAX and I saw it at the very first showing. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's a divisive movie because like there's a lot of people in my crowd that were super hyped and enjoying it and laughing and having a great time. And I was just like, Am I really not enjoying this? No, I'm not enjoying this. I do not like this. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about a movie that I didn't like. I'm just going to give it a toss it. And thank God they're done with the Matrix. Yeah. yeah. I do have one question. that, And it's so stupid, but it bothers me. Why did they have to hack mirrors versus just using cell phones in comparison to the old movies? Like, you know, they always would have to pick up a phone to to navigate. And and in this, I'm like, okay, so why don't they just use a cell phone? It's the same concept. But instead, they changed it to hacking mirrors as their way of escaping. I think it's for that Alice in Wonderland vibe. It's purely mm-hmm. aesthetic. I mean, they used the song White Rabbit pretty you know, prominently in the movie. I think, honestly, it's just purely a visual thing. It's not like there's no actual science to it other than it, it mimics Alice going into Wonderland through the mirror. And they didn't even use White Rabbit well. I mean, in that whole scene, that whole montage, and it wasn't even used well. Yeah. And I know it's kind of the point of the movie, but the social commentary in this movie is so fucking depressing. Like, if you, like, just sit and think about kind of, like, what the point of the movie is. And I get that's kind of the vibe of the series. But it's like, yeah, I really don't want to think about how we're basically just happy suffering as a fucking society. So, uh, next, please. All right, let's move on to the next thing because I really don't have a lot to say about the the Matrix Resurrections. Um, uh, did anybody get a chance to watch the real Charlie Chaplin, the Charlie Chaplin documentary on Showtime? I did. I did not. I missed that one. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't write down a synopsis for it, so fuck it. It's basically it's just a documentary about like um, silent film star Charlie Chaplin. And, uh, 
goes into his whole life. Like Jake, I didn't know most of this stuff. And I'll be honest with you. I've never seen the Robert Downey Jr. Chaplin movie. So I'm really going into this with no knowledge of him other than just like what I like the clips and, and scenes that I've seen from him um, as an actor. When I was a child growing up, there'd be like Charlie Chaplin shorts on TV that I would see every once in a while. I, I remember him, you know, eating the boot and all that shit. And and I don't know, like, what's your experience with Charlie Chaplin? Did you grow up seeing a little bit of him as well? About the same, honestly. I mean, I he was very, like, known in pop culture. Like, I always knew who he was and what he looked like. Right. Kind of the silent movie comedy style that he was presenting. But I never really had much exposure to watching much of his material. Um, I have seen the Robert Downey Jr. movie, though. It's very good. I've heard it's really good, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen it, though. Um uh, after seeing this, it really seems like um, it's almost much like what they did with Bohemian Rhapsody, though. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. it gets a little dark, but nowhere near to the like stuff they describe in this doc. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, 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 you know, for not being super familiar with Charlie Chaplin's life or most of his work, I... I thought that this was a really good documentary. Uh, I'm going to give it a high taste that, I mean, it gets into how he was pretty much the first big star, like the, you know, uh, the world has ever seen, you know, and uh, how people would just, you know, line up and, and, and want to see this man. He was huge before anybody was huge, before the Beatles were huge, before Elvis was huge. He was the first big star. I mean, um, and then it gets into some of his fucking weird shit how he was like you know like in his 40s and 50s and dating women that are teenagers and i'm like what the fuck this is crazy i i had no idea that he had a yeah. that he had uh, that he had multiple child wives it looked like throughout his life and um yeah i was it was it was fucked up it was fucked up i uh, another thing that i thought was super interesting about this was the production for the movie. Um, this, the, the talkies came out. So they finally got movies where you could hear audio and people talking and he's still doing silent films and he does, uh, the flower girl and the tramp and 570 days of production on that movie. I was like, what <laughs> the fuck? It's like nearly two years of production on this movie. And then he fires the original actress because she thinks that she's the problem, hires a couple more ladies, he fires them, brings the original actress back. And, and then finally figures out like, you know, the hook on how they're going to make this, this movie work. But I thought it was really super intriguing. I'll give it a high taste. That what do you think, uh, Steven? I'll give it a high taste as well. I, Honestly, was going into this being like, oh, this is going to be so boring. I know nothing about this guy. I'm going to sound like an idiot. I honestly thought that that was just him. I didn't realize it was a, like a, – I, mean, I knew it was a character, but I didn't know it was like I, – I didn't know the mustache wasn't a thing that he actually had. I didn't realize it was just – I don't know. I just – I didn't know anything about this guy. And so when I'm seeing the real person and like this character that he's made and I'm just – I was blown away – that I didn't know anything about this. And then all the stuff they get into about him, it was so fascinating. I, I, I'm, I'm now I'm going to start like looking more into stuff. Cause like I, they kind of, 
brushed over some stuff that I thought were kind of big deals. Um, the whole like FBI thing and then the kind of how like they, they turned the public against him and yeah, stuff just yeah. for a, a propaganda during the war. And like I just was so shocked at how crazy the story ended up getting. Yeah, they could do a whole new Chaplin movie. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. with just with just that stuff. What do you think, Jake? I'm gonna Tupperware this. Actually, I I really loved this. I I just did not know this much information about about Charlie Chaplin and just the scandals that he was involved in. I thought the way they presented all the information was very smart. Uh, the editing on this was really well done. Like I was always ready to find out like the next thing that was going on. Um, I loved the footage of just him giving interviews like that life magazine interview that he gave. And I don't know, I, I just found it extremely fascinating. And it was just a wealth of information that I had never known before about just kind of the Hollywood scene back in those days. And I really loved this. This, this was great. I highly recommend this. This was on Showtime, I believe. Yeah, it was on Showtime. So, yeah, I mean, if you have Showtime, man, this is a must watch. Uh, this was crazy. Yeah, it's he cr- basically created the first, like, cosplay, right? It, it seemed like that was everybody was just dressing like him. There was obviously people trying to manipulate and act like they are him and make money off that, which was probably oh, yeah. really you, easy at that time. Cause you had a bunch of copycats was, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Was, I was blown away that the person's name is Applin. And we're going to go to court. It's like, can't we just say your name is fucking Applin and you acknowledge that you are spoofing off Charlie Chaplin? <laughs> like, then you've named yourself fucking Applin. Like, I don't understand he, how he this doesn't get spoofing off of the guy spoofing off of him. This, yeah, this is correct. I, I, get, I get that that was the defense, <laughs> but I don't I think that defense doesn't work once you've named yourself Applin. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. Oh, man, I, I thought it was cool. I had no idea that he never had a script, that it was just like do this over and 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 over again. I mean, like Brian said, he took two years to film that one movie and he was just so meticulous. It was just like always one more take, one more take, one more take. Like you hear certain directors doing that kind of stuff these days, but never to that extent. And just, it was pretty extreme. The amount of ad libbing going on, like it was just barely a rough outline of like kind of thematically what he, what, what he wanted to do and then just go for it. It just kind of showed me like how much humor has evolved too. Cause like when you watch like his old stuff, it's like, I can understand why it was funny for people at the time. Like you had to be really expressive in like what you're doing. And like the first clip of that people ever saw him in was what was kind of like a, he's at a race and he keeps walking into frame and it's comical and it's just like oh my god like this was like this was like bringing down the house back in like you know the early 1900s like you could imagine like people in the theater watching this and just uproarious laughter like if we watch it now we're just like there's no, we can, i guess we can appreciate the fact that it's early comedy but people aren't going to be fucking like falling out of their seats laughing. You know, it's not like I'm going to go full snot with fucking laughter watching this (laughs) shit. It's just wild to me to see like how much comedy has evolved. Like all it really took back then was like a little bit of charisma and an idea and people seeing stuff on the screen for the first time. It was just enough to fucking enamor people. Yeah, no one had ever seen like a presence like that acknowledge the audience, kind of break that fourth wall 
and look at us as an audience, right? I mean, that's the kind of thing you see in every comedy these days. I mean, you know, Ferris Bueller directly addresses the audience while you're watching the movie, and you see so much of that. And I think that they were just blown away by, like, that fourth wall being broken for the first time and something so mainstream. Was that video, like, with the Derby, was that supposed to be just a movie he made, or was it that was an actual event that people didn't know who he was, and he was just... Interacting, <laughs> filming his thing. I don't he know. was in someone else's movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I, I, I kept wondering, like, how long are these movies that he's making? And like, some of them are like over an hour. Like, he did a bunch of shorts, but like some of these movies, like the one, the kid, like that movie is like over an hour. And you know, when they're talking about watching movies, going to like the Nickelodeon and watching these movies, I'm thinking like, are they just watching shorts like? five, 10, 15 minutes. And like, no, some of these are like almost full length films. Those were things that too. Also, uh, I didn't realize like Nickelodeon was in the movie business long before they were a kid's network. And it's a different, it's a different, different. Oh yeah. Nickelodeon uh, is named after the old Nickelodeons. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So (laughs) is that the same thing with Nintendo or did they actually? No, no. Nintendo actually was a card. They started off as a card company. Yeah. Yeah. All (laughs) right. Let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, encounter on Amazon prime. Who got a chance to watch encounter? I did. I did. I did. Yes. Yeah. A decorated Marine goes on a rescue mission to save his two young sons from a mysterious threat. As their journey takes them in increasingly dangerous direction, the boys will need to leave their childhoods behind. Uh, it's a drama thriller film. It's directed by Michael Pierce from a screenplay by Pierce and Joe Barton. And it stars Riz Ahmed, Octavia Spencer, Janina Gavankar, uh, Rory Cochran, Lucian River, Chawan, and Aditya Gidada. And, um, yeah, uh, this, um, I don't know. I want to hear from you guys. Uh, I'll, I'll start off with Kevin. What did you think about Encounter? Um, I thought this movie was something completely different. I mean, to me, it was sold when I first started reading the like IMDb description, the, I mean, the plot of the, just a synopsis of the first thing. It, it, it was sold to me as kind of like a futuristic dystopian sci-fi thriller. Um, but to me, it was, it, it, it's none of that. I mean, it is absolutely none of that. Um, I, I mean, for that reason, I mean, I low taste it, but there is a good movie here, I think. And I did, did enjoy some of it. I thought Riz Ahmed did a great job in his role. I just don't see how he does move this movie like after something like Sound of Metal, which is, I mean, sh- I mean top tier movie. Um, but I did enjoy the soundtrack. There's some really cool songs on the soundtrack. I did enjoy his his acting, the kids, and I could take or leave them. Um, I I think the framing of some of the shots, especially the very last part of the film, is really well done. Um, but I. <sighs> It didn't save the movie for me. I mean, because I thought it was going to be something and it turned out to be completely different than what I thought it was. Yeah. I mean, you've got a guy who was, he's a U.S., he was a U.S. Marine and he's got two young boys, Jay and Bobby, very young. And he goes to their house and 
wakes up the two boys and tells them that they're going on a road trip. And then he tells them on the road trip that Earth is being taken over and people are being taken over by these uh, parasitic organisms from another planet. And, um, you know, he's he's going to get them to safety. He's going to get them to, to safety. So you think it's going to be like this sci-fi post-apocalyptic movie and it's it's really not um i guess i it feels like the twist didn't work for you at all um no no not not at all i mean like i said it's a there's a good movie here it's just i went into it with the wrong frame of reference if if it would have been spelled out that this was not sci-fi thriller um that I would probably say something different, but there is a good movie here. The reason I'm not tossing it is because that it's, there is a good movie in here, but the way it's sold is completely wrong. I don't know if I'm doing a disservice by saying there's a twist. I, I mean, well, I mean that it is a pretty big twist when, I mean, it takes a yeah, whole but it, it, jump see, it, it from did, one thing to another. But the twist didn't work for you, so it's like, should I even say that there's a twist? How do you talk about this movie? I, 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 know, <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for people that <laughs> want to watch it, but I would never watch the movie again. Yeah, yeah, Jake, what did you think? <laughs> you wouldn't watch it again. You toss Matrix and watched it three times. Well, that, that was that was. <laughs> I have no excuse for that. <laughs> you taste a dish. You should watch this shit a dozen times. <laughs> I'm going to give this a, a middle of the road taste it. Um, this is a hard one to talk about. Uh, I thought Riz Ahmed did do a, a great job and did a great performance. I thought both the child actors were absolutely insufferable. Um, and they really annoyed me and took me out of the movie. I thought the twist was good. I thought the problem was they played their hand too early. I, I think they should have dragged out letting me know what side of the coin this movie was going to land on. I, I thought I was most intrigued when I was questioning the reality of everything that was going on. And this movie a little bit too quickly kind of showed which direction it was going. Um, I also thought the uh, random futureness of this movie actually worked against its impact and kind of the message it was trying to send. Um, I don't want to delve too deep into that thought process because it really takes kind of examining the twist to talk about it. But I, I think as far as a real life emotional metaphor goes this movie would have been a bit more impactful without random future cars that didn't really add anything to the story whatsoever so yeah i'm gonna give this a middle of the road taste it if you're bored and you've got amazon prime there's definitely worse things you could be watching but eh, not too much of a recommendation yeah as far as like the follow-up for sound of metal i'll agree with you kevin i'll give this a solid taste it as well um, I, 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 I love Riz Ahmed and yeah, I, I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of the, the twist in this one, uh, myself. I agree with you, Jake. They should have kept it going a little bit longer. I agree with you. Steven, what'd you think? Uh, it's a taste it for me. You guys have pretty much said a lot of what I felt. Um, especially Jake had it with the twist, it felt way too predictable at a certain point in this movie that you're just kind of waiting for them to reveal it rather than being brought into wanting to know what was going on. Um, acting, I thought, was relatively good. 
kids were terrible. And like, there's this, you know, one scene where one of the kids just absolutely does the most stupid thing. And I just, I couldn't even believe that he was just <laughs> okay with it. It just, you know, those kind of moments took me out of feeling for him and his relationship with his kids. Oh, and our kids say the darndest things. it was fine it definitely wasn't what it seemed like it was going to be but i wouldn't i wouldn't rush out and watch it but i was entertained enough that i don't regret watching it the kids were really bad i i bet on paper that the end scene was very good and very emotional um the kids performance completely ruined the end scene I'm glad other people have said that because I have on my notes right here, kids, insert Michael Jordan, fuck them kids meme. Because <laughs> I, I did not like them at all. I mean, I, I mean, they might be great actors and other things if they had been in anything, but this one that just did not work with them. <laughs> I have in my notes, I hate these fucking kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have my notes underneath that. Fuck these kids. They, I'd I love mean, to see just some of the dumbest stuff. I mean, I would love to see a movie that, that kind of tackled the idea of what the premise seems to be as an actual plot and how society would have to deal with that. Cause it's kind of a, crazy concept yeah 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 i don't so much have a problem with what the kids said i i, I think the writing was was okay in this movie i it's for me it was strictly the performances were bad let's move on to let's move on let's, <laughs> let's move on to swan song who watched swan song i did i did i did i missed this one too <laughs> Kevin, you're fucking around this week. I know. I've watched everything else but the, those two. All right, that's fine. <laughs> Swan Song, it's on Apple TV Plus. When a loving fu- husband and father is diagnosed with a terminal illness, he's presented with a controversial alternative solution to shield his family from his loss. Replace himself with a carbon copy clone. Swan Song is a science fiction drama film written and directed by Benjamin Cleary and produced by Mahershal Ali. Rebecca Bork and Jonathan King, and it stars Mahersha Ali as Cameron, Naomi Harris as Poppy, Aquafina as Kate, Glenn Close as Dr. Scott, and Adam Beach as Dalton. And uh, I, I'm going to say this: uh, um, you know, I watched a similar. There was, a, was a, some, some. I believe it was an Amazon Prime series. I can't think of the name of it right now. I don't have it in front. Solos. Of me. What was that? I think it's Solos, something like that. Solos. Solos. Solo. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there was an Anthony Mackie story that was very similar to this, um, in that it's like an anthology series on Amazon prime. Um, I love this. I thought it was fantastic. I talked about this on apple to oranges with Paul Hart and June and, and Jess, and I, I absolutely loved this. I, I, it makes you, I like shit that, that makes you question things. I never once like you got to. There's so many comparisons. People watch stuff like this and, and you can get it confused with like what you've seen in Black Mirror. And it, you got, we gotta, we gotta get our mindset out of like Black Mirror. It's not all Black Mirror. Like they can do stories like this and it doesn't have to be like Black Mirror. Um, it's just crazy what science can do. Like, so basically what you have here is you have a guy who's got a terminal illness and the controversial alternative solution is they are going to, 
uh, create a carbon copy clone of of him that is going to uh, retain all of his memories, everything, literally everything. But the carbon copy clone will not have the same illness that he has. So they're going to do the old switcheroo and uh, leave the carbon copy clone with the family. The family is just going to believe that they have you know, their husband or their father there the entire time while the husband slash father is actually, you know, uh, in a remote area and uh, just basically waiting to die from this terminal illness. And it goes over, you know, like the emotional impact this has on him and and leaving uh, someone else there to take care of the ones that you love and it's not really a goodbye because the family believes that you're just there. And, um, I don't want to get into, to, to everything, but I found this story super fucking compelling and it makes you like ask the questions like, you know, like, would you do this Would this? Some, like if this was available, if you could do this, like, would you do this? Um, I give it a Tupperware and I thought Mahershala Ali was fantastic. Uh, the scenes where he's acting with himself, the carbon clone are really fucking powerful. Um, Aquafina was great in this. Glenn Close was, I think she's a fucking one of the best actors alive, but I felt like anybody could have played her role in this, to be honest with you. I don't think she really added anything to it, sadly. Um, but, um, yeah, I give it a Tupperware. I thought it was great. Uh, Steven, what do you think? I completely agree. It, it's Tupperware for me. Uh, I loved the whole ethics aspect of this and how even watching the movie the whole time internally, I'm debating would I or would I not do this and would I, would I tell the person, you know? And I love how they kind of gave indirectly reasons either way why you would or wouldn't and i just i really appreciated the scientific side of how they approached such a sensitive topic for what he's doing mm-hmm. and you brought up the amazon prime show that's exactly what i was thinking when i started watching this and i was like this just seems like a more uh expanded on yeah construct of that episode with anthony mackie and it worked really well I wish we got more Aquafina because I think she's absolutely amazing, and I, I get why we didn't. But I would have liked to see more of her character. Did you get the feeling that Glenn Close's character was a carbon copy clone? I yes, I did. I yes. did too. It, yes, I, that was the first thing I said to my wife after this was over. I was like, I that's exactly what I think is it is. I think the reason that this technology was invented was because. She is a carbon copy clone of the original because they said that there are, she said that there's like three others that are out there. And I think Mm -hmm. that she's the other one that's out there. She's got a carbon copy of her car. Excuse me. She's got a carbon copy clone of herself out there with a family while she's waiting to die and still, and still doing these clones here in this remote, (laughs) remote location. I thought it was wild. The whole idea of, telling the clone basically everything first yeah like wouldn't you just not want to do that so there's no like no problem of the clone making any decisions you know for its self existence 
and all that stuff. I don't know. But well, I that, think all that memory goes away after two weeks. It does, but no, there's this, there's the moment. I, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm putting your words in your mouth, Stephen, but like, isn't there a decision that the clone has to make that they want to live this life too? Yeah, like, what if they decide, like, you know what, I don't want to risk them wiping my memory. And so I'm just going to do this instead of what I'm supposed to do. No, that's not. I I was thinking that since this is a part of him, that there's a moment where the clone is not, um, that maybe the clone is like 100% not comfortable with going ahead and doing this as well. Maybe the clone. Oh, like, does it have a voice? Yeah, well, maybe the clone is like, you know, I know you created me for this purpose of like, Mm -hmm. you know, jumping in there with my family, but I don't feel like this is ethical either. Like, you know, it's just like the carbon copy clone is just like, I'm going to go ahead with this too. Maybe the, maybe what it, it would be interesting if the clone itself was just like, well, I don't think this is ethical. I don't think we should be doing this. That would be an interesting kind of. I see what you're saying. I think more often than not, though, in this example, since they, they, they said that the memories are yes. right from when. Yes. Like the, they've already, they want to get to go through with this. They want to get, well, they want to get back to their family. Right. If if all the memories are there, these clones want to get back to their family. They love they love their son, daughter, whatever, whoever it may be, and they want to get back to their family. I kept thinking to myself, like as years go by, and more of this cloning is happening in this universe, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that families are made up of both parents being clones, and the child has no idea. You know, like if this were real, like how, how mm-hmm. fucking crazy this is to me. Or if your child dies, you can bring them back. That's that's where it gets into. That's a completely different thing because now you know you're getting a clone of your kid. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's like AI at that point. Yeah, this is like all unbeknownst to the family members. They have no idea that they're that the father that the husband has a terminal illness and that a clone mm. is now in their life. Like, that's true. That's a completely unless, different concept. Unless they can opt in to have their mind wipes potentially to forget that they were doing this. <laughs> I don't know that that's getting into layers and layers of like the ethical side of this whole construct. Yeah. It's a um, Tupperware. God damn it, Kevin, you would have loved this. Yeah, definitely go watch that's, it. I'm listening and I am kicking myself for not watching it. I, I meant to watch it today and I had to actually do some work and got wrapped up and didn't have time, but I wish I would have now because it sounds fantastic. Oh, you'll love it. Jake, what did you think? I don't think we got your, Uh, It was a very high taste it for me. Uh, I thought the performances were were very good. Um, I agree with a lot of the the positive things you guys have said. I I guess the only thing keeping it from being a Tupperware for me was it was a little bit slow going getting to the meat of this movie. Like I feel like if we could have got to the hour mark a little bit faster in storytelling, I would have liked this movie a lot more. Um, I'd seen a trailer for it. I already kind of knew like the gist of it. So it was a little bit excruciating getting to the part of the movie I was the most interested in. But once we got to that part, uh, the movie was just insanely gripping and I just wanted to know where it was going to go. I I just love the idea of like them knowing what's going on, like the clone, like being able to just make that decision and the original actually like watching the clone, like 
you know, reestablish his own life while he's making this decision to uh, give them a healthy family member. I, yeah, this was very, very good. I enjoyed everything. I enjoyed the slow burn. I, I think we needed like just a lot of the moments that they gave us to give us like that emotional impact by the time you do get at the end of the movie. I needed to see this guy's life. I needed to see his, him and his, how he interacts with his family. I needed to see the struggle between him and this process. And I needed to see him with the clone. I, there's, I don't know. I just got so wrapped up in this and, and asking myself like these questions of like, Oh my God, if this was like real, like, and then the movie just kept showing me like how complicated this really is. You know, it's just not, it's not this quick, like I'm just going to introduce there's so much, we're so emotionally attached. He's so emotionally attached to these people, his wife, his child, and it's just, there's so much that goes into it. I, I thought it was just incredible. Yeah, it's, it's very fair. And like I said, it's actually a very minor complaint. It's just the one thing keeping it, it's like an eight on the one to 10 scale for me. It's the, the highest of taste it's, but not quite a Tupperware. Cause just the pacing wasn't a hundred percent to my liking. Yeah, I, I, think I loved it. It, for me, I kept going into this. To a certain point, thinking, okay, where's the cynical side of this? Like, where's the they're going to be like a betrayal or some kind of twist or the, the, blah, blah blah. Well, there's and music, it, there's music cues that make you feel like it definitely oh, could yeah. go that yeah. it could and go that way. That. Yeah, and I just really was like expecting there to be some crazy thing that happens, but like it, it's really it's just a sad story about somebody's struggle, and it does a great job at just kind of com- conveying that and. And bringing in all these ethical questions and like, would you as a person do this for your family? Yeah. I feel like the writer's perspective is that you shouldn't do this. Like, it's very subtle, but I I felt like that's kind of the message that was being conveyed. I I don't want to get too far into why I think that because it involves completely saying how things end up, but. I think it's a bit of a cautionary tale. It's just there's that moment where. She's in bed with him and she says, you know, she'd already lost her brother, who I want to point out was the actor that played Leon in Casual. So I was super happy to see him because I fucking love that actor. But um, she says to him, her husband, she's like, you know, if, you know, I lost my brother. Like if I ever lost you, I'd have nothing, like nothing to live for. And she just want to die. And it's like those like when somebody says that, I don't know. I it's it's crazy. Like, should we be able to play God and make these choices? It's oh yeah, it's a hard choice. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's it'd be very easy to go one way or the other. But I, I felt like deep down, the the writer was kind of hinting against making this decision. And I think the point of giving his wife such a tragic background is intended to give you that reflection of his motivations as to why he's doing what he's doing. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. I, I, I love this movie. Let's take, um, let's take a quick break and we're going to let Kevin watch this movie. I'm kidding. Um, we're going to take, <laughs> you need to watch it's, it's Kevin. It's called Swan Song and it's on Apple Plus, Apple TV yeah, Plus. I have, I have it in my list, my Apple Plus list. Yeah. I have not gotten into it. Yeah. Even though they, you know, like 
uh, even though you know we talked about, I would highly recommend watching this one. I think it's definitely worth a watch. It's very, yeah, very I'm good. Gonna... And don't think of it as like I think a lot of people watch this. That if we if if you've been spoiled on Black Mirror because there's some great Black Mirror episodes, you're gonna start getting into like Black Mirror territory with this because they're introducing like this high concept science. And uh, don't think of Black Mirror. Just go into this thinking that like this is. This is the science of, uh, this is a brand new science of the time. And, um, don't think of it as a Black Mirror episode at all. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We got, god damn it, I was looking at our list. So much good pop, bad pop this week because we've been gone for so goddamn long. But we've got more good pop, bad pop before we get to news and shit. So we'll, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with more of this crap, Jake. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, me. <laughs> Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you two will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we're back. You know, as I was watching, Ah. what? I was going to say a quality break. Quality break, I suppose. I feel refreshed, ready to talk about eight more things. Yeah, no shit. I was, when I was watching the Book of Boba Fett, um, couldn't get over the the Gamorrean guards have some really nice big donks, don't they? Yeah. Jesus. Right. Yeah, get some Gamorrean porn going. Jesus Christ, Kardashians, you got nothing on the donks of a fucking Gamorrean guard. Gamorrean. <laughs> Trying to compete with the Hulk there. What do you think that they can, uh, what do you think they could squat, Jake? What do you think a Gamorrean guard can squat? I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. I've never actually thought about that. <laughs> they're, they're pretty strong though. I would think above human average. I'd say 2000. Give them a ton. Give them a ton. There you go. Yeah. Squat. They can squat a fuck ton. <laughs> they got some big old donks, dude. Can you imagine the nice, t- nip- nice nipples too? I thought very nice nipples, very nice nipples on the Ecomorian guards, very niptastic. Um, yeah, think about the 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 fucking uh, toilet, the commode that's got to support that fucking donk. Oh Jesus, Jesus yeah. Christ, yeah. I would have. They just went outside or something. I don't think. I, I, oh, they just go. Oh, come on! You just don't. You don't want to be walking around and then all of a sudden Gamorrean shit all over the place. <laughs> what color is Gamorrean shit too? What, what would you think it would be? 
Well, I, the obvious answer is green. It's just weird. I think I mean, it comes out looking like a like a brown ham. <laughs> <laughs> I was leaning towards brown myself. I just because they are green doesn't mean they they poop green. I mean, we don't. It would be cool though. <laughs> yeah. Morians, big butts. Sir Mexalot would be proud. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's what he was singing about. Hey, he was singing about Gamorian guides. Uh, Nightmare Alley. Who got a chance to go to the <clears throat> theater? Whoa, who's coughing? Who's got? That was my. That was my fault. Sorry, I thought I was on mute. Oh, listen. You listen to Station Eleven over there. Um, <laughs> 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 who got it? Who got it? Who got a chance to to see Nightmare Alley? I did. I did. did. Uh, In uh, 1940s New York, uh, down in his luck, Stanton Carlyle endears himself to a clairvoyant and her mentalist husband at a traveling carnival. Using newly acquired knowledge, Carlyle crafts a golden ticket to success by swindling the elite and wealthy, hoping for a big score he soon hatches a scheme to con a dangerous tycoon with help from a mysterious psychiatrist who might be his most formidable opponent yet. It's a neo-noir psychological thriller film directed by Guillermo del Toro from a screenplay by del Toro and Kim Morgan. It's based on the 1946 novel of the same name by William Lindsay Gresham. Stars Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins, Rooney Mara, Ron Perlman, Mary Steenburgen, and David Strathairn. Glad to see David Strathairn in this. I, I love that actor. Um, nice to see him getting uh, some cinematic love here as of late. Um, but uh, I'll start off. I I loved the first half of this movie, and then because I loved him at the carnival. I loved that. I love seeing like this 1940s carnival with all the shows and seeing him get in with all the different carnies and stuff like that. I, I absolutely love that. And then I think it just got a little too convoluted. And once he became like this wealthy con man and, um, I did like, I did like the ending though, but I think like there's like this part in the middle where I just kind of like, was like, Oh God, I, I, it just didn't pull me in as much as like what I saw at the beginning. Um, but uh, I liked it overall. I'll give it a high taste it. Um, I thought Bradley Cooper was really good. Tony Collette is great as usual. Um, and I thought David Strathair was fucking great. Love seeing that guy. But uh, I'll give it a high taste it. Um, love the look of this film. Absolutely love the, the look of this film. I think Guillermo del Toro fucking just, you know, he's got a, he's got a great eye. And especially for like, this time period. I don't think, I don't think you get this movie of 1940s, you know, carnivals if, if it's not Guillermo del Toro. And like some of like the, the, the wagons that they had, or I don't even know what to call them, but it looked like straight out of like fucking like the Wizard of Oz. Like, do you remember the guy at the carnival that at the beginning of the Wizard of Oz, like that fucking like wagon he lived in? It looks straight. Yeah, I, like, t- I totally know what you're talking. Yeah, about. Th- like they look exactly like this in this movie. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> I was just like, holy shit! That looks like that looks like you know what what, what that dude lived in, in in the fucking Wizard of Oz movie in the in the Judy Garland film. This is this is cool. So I love the aesthetic of it. 
Um, but it's a high taste for me. This is definitely not like the shape of water for me. Um, but, um, yeah. What'd you think, Jake? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, that was my exact thought as well. It's a high tasted for me. Um, and I completely agree that the best part of this movie is the first half and all the stuff in the carnival. Um, I wish we honestly could have spent the whole movie there. I was mostly fascinated by, by those characters. I thought, um, there was a lot of obvious MacGuffins in that movie, and that was a little bit off-putting. Um, like, you know when they point out, well, this is the bottle that does that, and this is the one that's just the normal water or whatever. You're like, mm, I wonder if that's going to come into play in, in 20 minutes, you know? Um, I actually called the ending of this movie before they left the carnival. I, I told Michelle exactly what was going to go down with Bradley Cooper, and I um, was kind of surprised that I was on to that so early. But it was just such like an... Anytime a movie like over explains something like there has to be a reason that they're giving you all this information. So I, I just felt like we weren't being given that for nothing. It's not a Tarantino movie where we're just having a lot of conversation for the sake of conversation. Like every spoken line is, is kind of important in this movie. And if you pick up on that, you can kind of see where it's going. So that was a bit disappointing that it was just so on the nose like that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a very high taste it. The look of this movie is fantastic. Bradley Cooper does such a great performance. Like just kind of being this guy that you know you don't really know if he like is a very honorable guy, but yeah. you're very you're very suspicious that he may not be just from the get go. Like they show you something very dishonorable in the first two minutes of this movie, but then you're like you kind of forget about that because he kind of seems like you know he's doing better things but then you quickly realize that this side of him still exists and it's it's a really interesting just exploration and like the sins of men and stuff like that um yeah a lot of great performances a great fucking look i imagine bradley cooper just had a great time working with del toro it makes me excited to see bradley cooper direct another movie because there's no way he filmed this without picking up a trick or two, something that he just kind of stored away. Like this had to be a great experience for him. What did he direct um, before? Was it that burnt movie? Uh, he directed a star is born, right? He directed that. I thought so. <laughs> he might have. I just totally I forgot. So I thought he did that too. Yeah, I believe he did. Oh, I I'm fucking love that. Movie. It up to make sure. I bought that on Blu-ray. Yes, I love yes, that movie. He directed that movie. He got mega snubbed by not getting any kind of nomination for it. Oh, that's bullshit. That movie was phenomenal. It was uh, so good. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like he, he works with such like interesting directors that he just like has to be picking up little pieces of this and little pieces of that going from movie to movie. And I, I'm really excited to see what he does next after working on a Del Toro movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think, Steven? I think this movie felt like two different movies. Uh, at the first hour, I, w- I, I went in not knowing anything about what the plot was supposed to be, and I should have known better by the director. But at a certain point, I was like, oh, this is just like a love story. And then at a certain point, shit just changes, and there's a lot of tension and mystery, and it just gets very uncomfortable from there on going forward. And I feel like... Even though I didn't personally enjoy that feeling, I really appreciated how the direction of the movie went, and I, I it's a Tupperware for me. Uh, I think Bradley Cooper was amazing. Like the, there's a great cast in this film. Oh god, some yes. of them I wish were 
a little bit more roles than they were, but you you get these these conversations between characters, and it kind of goes into like what Jake was saying, where there's a character or there's a conversation with Bradley Cooper and Willem Dafoe, and like you kind of just based off that conversation, you're like, oh, this is foreshadowing something going on later in this movie. And I, I think that if you catch those things, you can kind of predict where this movie's going. But uh, I definitely did not expect some of the stuff that happened later on. And it was uh, – I audibly reacted in theater <laughs> to some of the stuff that, that I saw in this movie. And that doesn't usually happen to me. So That's awesome. Uh, it really reminded me a lot of uh, Requiem for a Dream, just like tonally with how it plays out. It. But um, – this is a movie I would watch again. Working for a Dream, I watched it and I was like, I'm never watching this again. <laughs> this one I could see rewatching. Have you guys seen the trailer for that fucking new movie coming out? I know this is totally off topic. The Outfit? Mm-mm. I just saw the trailer oh. during this one. Have you seen it, Kevin? No. Watch this, not. watch this fucking trailer. What do you, what, I, dude, what did you think, Steven? I, I think this movie looks incredible. It's got Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance. I, uh, I honestly wasn't sure what the hell the what was supposed to be going on. Is, is it like a spy thriller type thing that he's just kind of thrown into this situation? He's a he's a tailor, and then there's all these different mobsters that keep visiting um, his shop, and I think he's hiding away something that they want to get their hands on. It looks, it's uh, uh, directed by Graham Moore. Who is Graham Moore? What has he done? Um, I'm not from, oh, he did the uh, best known for the, uh, as a producer, writer producer for the Imitation Game. But watch the, watch the trailer for the outfit. I th- I think it looks fucking great. I think, I cannot wait for this fucking movie. Who's in it? Um, it's got uh, Dylan O'Brien's in it. Uh, Mark Rylance, who I think is great. He's awesome. He's fucking incredible. And uh, Zoe Deutsch. He's, he's the guy from that Spielberg movie. Yes, yes. Um, he was like the informant. Yeah. Why can't I remember the name of this fucking It movie? is uh, Bridge of Spies. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He was also in Dunkirk. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking Mark Rylance. It, Jake, watch the trailer for The Outfit. Kevin, watch the trailer for The Outfit. Yeah, Listeners. I opened a webpage and... Saved it. It's fucking yeah. Looks really good. Uh, Kevin, what do you think of Nightmare Alley? I'm gonna echo pretty much everything that's already been said. Um, this is a high taste it for me. Uh, Del Toro has a way with movies. Um, I, I, it, it, he's just fantastic. Uh, Bradley Cooper did an excellent job. Uh, this is, a, I mean, a remake of a movie from the 40s. Um, so the ending was changed a little bit uh, for this one. Uh, this one's a little bit more uneven than the first one as well. Um, as you guys were saying, the first half of the movie feels completely different than the second half, and it, it is. I mean, for sure. Um, uh, but I, I would rewatch this movie many times. I, I enjoyed the beginning parts with the carnival again, very much so. It was very well done. And, and like you had, but all of you had said, there were, there were certain scenes that were kind of foreshadowing other things. So if you picked up on those, you kind of knew what was going to happen. Um, but I enjoyed the aesthetic of the film and the acting and, and everything. And, um, and if you did enjoy this, go look up that film from 47 because it's really, it, that's well done as well. And, uh, but it does change the ending just slightly. 
they do show like a picture of like the carnival and it looks like the have you ever seen that movie from the 30s freaks oh yeah this reminded me of that a lot yeah have either of you seen that movie i have yes no i haven't seek it out (laughs) seek it out it was uh came out in the 30s and it starred real life carnival um attractions Uh, they called them sideshow freaks it's probably not the you know, PC term for him today. I, what would you call him, Jake? I don't know. Like, what would you I think call- even the movie acknowledges that it's not a very kind thing to be called. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so. Sideshow performers. I don't know what you would call them now. Yeah, I don't know what you call, but in the movie, like, the show's called, the movie's called Freaks. Mm-hmm. And they use real people that were in carnivals at the time. And, um, yeah, it is, uh, if you can find it, I, I rented it from a blockbuster. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Yeah. It was kind of a rite of passage. It was. When we were teenagers. Yeah. Had to mm-hmm. watch this movie. Well, because it was banned up until like the 60s. Yeah. Freaks, like Faces of Death is kind of on that list. Yeah. Too. Just like movies <laughs> that you weren't like cool unless you'd seen. Yeah. And it's really short too, if I remember. It's not that No, it's long. not a very long movie. Not very long at all. So it's like you had to watch this and then Reefer Madness, right? No, Reefer Madness, another classic. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy getting high and off of weed and playing the piano and acting crazy. Oh my yeah. god. He um, runs over an old lady, I believe. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Jesus. Um, but, uh, I, real quick before we move on. Yeah. Um, I really appreciated that this movie never crossed the supernatural line. I, I was kind of nervous throughout the whole thing that it was going to like go beyond something that could happen in reality with its plot. And I, I really appreciated that it, it, it teetered almost having that happen, but it, it never did. And this movie was completely like grounded in reality. And yeah. I thought that was unique for a Del Toro movie. And I, and I was glad that it went that way. Yeah, that was the one of my favorite parts is that, I mean, they show you how they're doing certain things. I mean, in the first half of the movie. Yeah, so I, I really like that, too. The the idea of how they were implementing their, their trickery was just something that, that you know is happening. But, like, this actually you see how they play it out and what they actually do was very clever, I thought, for this movie. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the next thing. We won't talk about this next one too long. I just want to get your thoughts. Um, Saturday morning All Star hits. Did you guys watch this? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, twin hosts Skip and Trey Borgo on a tour of a, of Saturday morning cartoons from the 1980s and 1990s. It stars Kyle Mooney, who also co-created the show, um, director Dave McCary. And animator Ben Jones. The show is a parody of Saturday morning cartoon programming blocks from the 1980s and early 1990s with a mix of animated and live action content. And, um, I can't remember how many episodes it was, like six or eight or something, but it's eight. I watched all of them. <laughs> so <laughs> if that tells you anything, like I just, it just took me down like, I don't know. I I appreciate it more because I grew up watching cartoons in the 80s and 90s and how they kind of it just had the feel like they it, it felt like, you know, like when you're watching Kyle Mooney play Skip and Trebor and they're like, you know, talk, you're bouncing off one another and like, yeah, you know, it's Saturday morning, you know, blah, blah, blah. Get ready for the 
creative critters and, and and making stupid jokes and shit. I was just like, oh my god, this just feels like shit that I used to watch back in the day. And then they would mix in, you know, there's a cartoon about Randy, this dinosaur that hangs out with these teenage kids and he fucking gets high and and starts doing drugs and and goes through like this relationship that he botches and ruins and and contemplate suicide. Contemplate suicide. I was, <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, you know, it's got a little bit of adult humor in here as well, and and I, it's not like I think it was like the best fucking thing I've ever seen, but on the flip side, it was like funny enough to keep me watching every fucking episode. Like I love the Strongimals episodes where it was like they were like. They were kind of parroting the the Thundercats with like the they're the strongimals and they're all these different angle animals and like they fight and they fight for peace and was it was it uh Trabor gets like a was it yeah, was it Skip or Trabor? No, it was Skip gets like a fucking like bit line in like one of the episodes where he's he gives them subs from a substation like a sub shop and like basically takes over the show and it's just like the skip show and the strongimals at one point and i just thought it was funny like the evolution of these cartoons and i'll give it like i'll give it the highest of taste it's i i, I enjoyed it quite a bit probably more than i should have um jake what'd you think yeah, I think I'm even just slightly higher than you. I'm going to go ahead and Tupperware this. I've watched six of the episodes so far, um, and I, I could have watched them all, but I just wanted to save a couple. I, I doubt this is going to have a season two. It just feels like kind of those one-and-done things. And, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I don't think I would enjoy this as much as I did not having grown up, like, with these, like, animation blocks, like the Cartoon Express on USA and the Saturday morning stuff. Like, it was just so perfectly represented the way those were filmed and felt that it just gave me that extra nostalgia that made up for maybe it not being like super knee slapping funny, but I thought it was quite funny. And I, I loved Skip and Trebor. All, all the sketch <laughs> sketches with them were just fucking hilarious. I thought Kyle Mooney just nailed that aesthetic of the way those kind of hosts acted in this yeah. time period. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this this was just hilarious. I love the cartoons. I love fucking Randy and man. Yeah, I, I could not get enough of this. I was sad that the episodes were seeming to get shorter. Like I think the first one was like a pure half an hour, and then by like the fifth episode, it was like only like twenty two minutes or so. I love the Pro Bros, which was <laughs> which was like <laughs> they were like the less prominent brothers of like these of like the, these pro athletes, and I thought that that was pretty fucking hilarious. Yeah, I, I just this just really like came out of left field for me and really tickled my funny and nostalgia bone. I, I love this. Yeah. Um, Steven, what'd you think? I'm probably going to piss you guys off. Um, you didn't grow up around this time. You're way well, younger I, than us. I thought I did, but like, I really, honestly, this was a, a toss it for me. I, I think there was even an episode I fell asleep. I, at a certain point I started jumping around episodes being like, Oh, this thumbnail has, a reporter in a yellow jacket. That's like Ninja Turtles. I'll watch this one. 
didn't have any relevance to Ninja Turtles in that whole theme. So I, I guess I just missed the point of what the show was. But like there were aspects I liked. I was really into the uh, missing teenage star thing that they kept jumping in between segments. Um, that athlete cartoon that you were talking about, I did enjoy that one. But overall, I was very bored and disappointed. So I guess I didn't grow up with what this was meant to be. A hundred percent, you I didn't. Mean, yeah. Eighty-five. So I, I was. I don't know. Comedy's subjective. So I mean, but I, I, I got it. I got all the humor, and I thought it was. I thought it I was. Mean, I yeah. feel like- well I feel like I understood it. Like I, I got the reference to the dinosaur being like that cartoon, the last dinosaur, whatever the hell his name was. But like, I don't know. Yeah, this that doesn't piss me off at all. I, the entire time I was loving and watching this, there was a part of me that knew that a lot of people were going to think this was the dumbest shit ever. I like think I was he, never unself aware of that. I think you really had to like grow up in like peak eighties, early nineties to really to get this because it, it had that feel and. That's when I was watching cartoons was like, you know, well, early 80s th- up until like the early 90s is kind of like when I stopped, really. So I'm just trying to think what the, the, the key cartoons I watched were. I, I feel like it was Ninja Turtles, Transformers. Yeah, but the there's also Ghostbusters. There's also the, the Spider-Man. The, there's also the mix of the hosts, though. It's the mix of. But see, we me and Jake, we grew up on like. Care Bears and like even lesser known characters like Foofer and shit like that. So Turbo Team. Yeah, I mean they, they, these are so these are it's it's we grew up just in a in a different time. So and and the mix of like the live animation hosts like I remember that from like when the new programming would come out they'd have like big stars come out and like introduce like the new lineup of cartoons that were coming out. Um, for like NBC or ABC or CBS, and and that was a big thing. So it totally hit with me. Yeah, the backgrounds were perfect too. Like even back in in the real day, like it looks like a fucking like trapper keeper fucking zoom background basically yeah. that they're on, like <laughs> skipping Trebor. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Kevin? Oh man, Th- this stuff is my shit right here. I absolutely love this. I watched all eight episodes in one sitting, and then I watched them again the very next day. So I've seen each episode <laughs> twice. I, this it's quirky, it's odd, and some of it's vulgar. But the thing is, it's to me, it's funny. It's vulgar and it's funny. Um, it, it takes me back to that silliness that was in the dumbness of early morning Saturday cartoons of the eighties and nineties. I mean, I think they hit. The, the 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 parodies very very well yeah. on some of these things. Um, the I I had heard about the show before from another podcast that podcast the ride. One of the guys on that show is one of the voices and writers and producers of this series. Um, and they he's talked about it a bit in other things, but I absolutely loved it. Um, especially some of the oddball things, not just the cartoons, but then you get into like some of the commercials for like the Mega Mitten, the spoof of the Power Glove, and yeah, Madball spoof, yeah, Bubble Yum, and all sorts of other things. And then Scludge Rock, I mean, parroting Grunge Rock, and then there was that whole part of um, the erotic thriller. Um, what was it called? Um, <laughs> Intimate Compromise. Yes. 
casino night something. And I mean, just that whole silliness. And I, I absolutely loved it. And it, it's something I hope, I really, really hope they can, they can get the chance to make an additional episodes for. The animation looks spot on from the time too, you know? Like, yeah. It just looks spot yeah, on. Yeah, they nailed it. Yeah. I mean, just the catchphrases that some of those guys say, the Zuzzy's Az stuff. Zuzzy's Az. The, the, the <laughs> sub stuff. I mean, it's just so stupid that, I mean, and that's what happened in some of those cartoons and in, in commercials and hosts and, and things back then. So, I mean, you're, you, but all, everyone's right. I mean, when, if you didn't grow up in that era, yeah, you're probably going to think this is the dumbest stuff ever and it's yeah. not going to hit. It doesn't, con- but, I don't think it'll connect with But I you. think we're yeah. all roughly the same age, so. So was the live action stuff not based off Nickelodeon programming? Cause that's what I associated it with. No, it was more based off of like the network, the stuff the networks would yeah, do. I, yeah. It reminded me of USA or just stuff NBC would do. Yeah, it, NBC. It reminded yeah. me of NBC when like they would have like their new cartoon lineup and they would have, you know, like, you know, live action hosts introduce like, oh, this is going to be like the this is going to be your new cartoon block for like the next, uh, you know, for the next year. Like this is your fall animation lineup. And they would and they would, you know, they you have some of your favorites coming back, like the Smurfs, but then they'd introduce new cartoons, like, oh, you're going to get this, you're going to get that, blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, that's that's totally a thing that we had in the, in the I mean, 80s. It, the voice cast was pretty cool, too. I mean, if you look at some of who did some of the voices in this thing, I mean, Paul Rudd was a voice. They got Paul Rudd, they got Fred Armisen, they got huh. Emma Stone, I mean... I mean, some of these people that they were able to get were were are pretty decently <laughs> decent celebrities. So, yeah. um, let's see here. Uh, what'd you rate it? You didn't rate it. Oh, he Tupperware. I, I, I would give this a Tupperware for yeah, 100%. I just wanted to hear it. every day. Maybe I just wanted to hear it, Jake. <laughs> oh, I know. I was just guessing. I was going to be shocked if he said anything else. I know. Yeah, yeah. Tupper, Tupperware all day, every day. He this. watched it twice, but, you know, I just want to hear it, you know? If, if somebody's fucking, you know, keeping a record. <laughs> <laughs> Someone probably is. Somebody probably well, is. I, is probably I apologize if I ruined the Tupperware party for everybody. No, I, did, I give it a high taste. It chill out. Okay. <laughs> you just You just don't understand it at all. That's the problem. I guess I don't. <laughs> Um, landscapers, uh, four episodes on, uh, landscapers, HBO Max, a seemingly ordinary British couple become the focus of an extraordinary investigation when two dead bodies are discovered in the back garden of a house in England. It's a, uh, true crime miniseries, a dark comedy drama written by Ed Sinclair, who is the husband of Olivia Coleman, who stars in this and directed by Will Sharp. Uh, it revolves around the true story of the 1998 murders of Notting Hampshire residents, William and Patricia Witcherly stars, Olivia Coleman and David Thewlis. And, uh, yeah, I, I watched all four episodes of this. Um, I'm gonna, it's, it's wild. It's, it's wild. I don't know, like, I was kind of like, I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird fucking show because I was kind of endeared to this couple, but on the flip side, I, it feels like there's nefarious shit going on a hundred percent. But I would, I, I want to hear what you guys thought because, um, 
I thought it was well acted. I'm going to give it a high taste it. And it's an easy watch. It's only four episodes. But it makes me want to watch, like, if there's actual, like, true crime podcasts or or true crime documentaries out there about this. I want to know more about, like, the real story. Um, and I also like the, the, the fact that the, the couple that is involved here were really into, like, like the old westerns and some of, like, you know, like the Hollywood movies that were coming out, um, in the, in the sixties, you know, the Gerard Depardieu dramas. And they would kind of, like, mix that in with these actors. Um, they would have the two actors that play the leads in this, Olivia Coleman and David Thewlis. They would kind of, like, act out like they were in one of those movies in certain parts. I thought that was an interesting kind of quirky direction that they took it in. I appreciated this quite a bit and I felt myself endeared to the couple a lot. And I don't know if I should be feeling that way because there's murders involved in this, but I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you with a high taste it. I watched the first two episodes of this. Um, are you guys still there? Yeah, nobody's gone. Oh, got you. My, my Skype blinked off for a second there. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I felt the same way. I thought the, the strength of this show was from the performance of Olivia Coleman and David Doolis. And I, I had the same, like, sympathy for these characters. Like, it's very obvious that they've done some terrible stuff and that they, you know, maybe should have come clean sooner with what was going on. But they're just like, I don't know. It's like a they're so pathetic in a way that you're kind of endeared to these characters and you feel bad for them and you feel actual sympathy for them. Um, it's a little bit discouraging to hear that you watched all four episodes and you still want more information on the crime. Yeah, because I kind of thought we were going to get that in episode three and four. You do so. get you do get more. But like on the flip side, it's like I do we really know the real story here? Because it feels like to me, like there's parts where they are being interrogated and they're revealing stuff to like the, the, the investigating officers and stuff like that. And they're all cheering like, Oh, we've got them. We've got them now. And it's like, you kind of get, it's like, is justice really being served here? Cause like, no, oh, it's so fucked up. I, I it's just so fucked up because I feel like you know, a hundred percent, like her character was abused as a child. There's a lot to be considered when it comes to physical and mental abuse with her as a child, and like these crimes that needs to be taken into consideration here. And do we know a hundred percent that the husband was there at the scene of the murder? And I feel like they've taken liberties on his involvement in this. I just don't feel like they were given a fair trial. I'm not saying that there should not be sentences given, but like, were they given a fair trial? Do, do they know the full story or did, or were just assumptions being made here? And these people were convicted wrongly. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's you wild. don't get, you don't get a hundred percent concrete narrative in this show. And the show doesn't tease you with that. Like right from the very beginning, it says based on a true story. And then they drop out the word true and leave the rest of the words up there kind of dangling. So it based on a story. Yeah. So it's very upfront and honest with you that you just have to come to your own decisions about what the accurate, you know, story of what happened here is um but yeah it, 
I just wish it was a little bit more like detail orientated with the actual crime. Even if it was just text at the end of episodes, I, I would quite enjoy that. I also didn't like that they uh, told us what the sentence was going to be right up front from the very beginning. Yeah. I, I feel like that was a little bit of the suspense gone, knowing what the final trouble these two people were going to get into would be. I hated that, too. I hated that, too. Kevin, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I, I, what is with British crime investigation shows? They're all really good. And this one was no different to me. Um, I would high taste this. I did watch all four episodes. Um, Olivia Coleman, I think, is always a safe bet when it comes to a series. If you see her in it, it's going to be good. Um, I, I love and the way they filmed it with kind of the imagery and the visualizations. It, it took me out of it for a bit of like how they would I mean, how they portrayed some of that. But then once I fell into that, I actually loved that quite a bit, um, especially during the questioning portions of it and the investigation portions. Um, uh, there was a real crime here, uh, but I mean, ultimately the film itself, I think is, is the, it's a story of the crime. Yes. But it's story of a love story in the end. I mean, it's a depressing love story if you think about it, but how the two played off of each other and what actually happened in the end. But, um, I, I did enjoy it. A quite a bit. I high taste it. Everything about this is really, really good um, to me. Um, and again, it's with those British crime investigation shows. It seems to be every single one of those is really good. And I don't know why. What do you think, Stephen? I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I think the first episode was a little slow, it, and it took me. I think till the next one to actually get into what was going on. I agree. I don't really like that they kind of tell you up front what the verdict was. And I, I would have liked to have seen that going into it. But I think that the story was very compelling. Obviously, we're getting this for, you know, a, a show. So it's, we don't know necessarily how the facts are and all that stuff. But I liked how they kind of portrayed both sides of the story as either cynical or I guess innocent. Like they kind of give you the couple and, and they, they make you question whether or not they, they did these things with motive or was it like just a, a act of rage. Uh, but then on the same side as the, the police, it, it felt like at points I, I felt like they wanted to get justice for the couple. But then there's another time where I felt like, they kind of just want to check off that they put somebody in jail and they just, you know, they solved the crime. And I think that they kind of leave that to the viewer to, to decide who is at, you know, who is guilty or innocent. And, uh, it's, you know, my wife was like, this woman is a piece of shit. And to me, like, I was very sympathetic by the end of this whole thing. Yeah. I, and I'm I felt same. bad for her. I feel, I feel like there's, there's, I feel like, I feel like I agree with like what you said, like the latter. I felt like the police were just trying to convict them. And that way they could just, it's another case, they've solved it and convict them. And I, I feel like you can't properly convict somebody if there's probable doubt. And I feel like the husband got the raw end of the deal here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, 
I would like to look up more about like the actual story itself because I believe there's a companion podcast that is on HBO with this. Yeah, I'd want to check that out. I saw ads for that. Yeah, and uh, other podcasts have covered the the story as well. Other yeah. true crime. Yeah, but the performances here are fan fucking tastic. It's called the it's called Landscapers, and it's on HBO Max. Um, Station Eleven. Uh, this dropped on HBO Max like mid December. They dropped three episodes, and now they're dropping two episodes every week. And they just dropped episode seven. Um, it's about survivors of a devastating flu attempt to rebuild and reimagined uh, reimagine the world anew while holding on to the best of what's been lost. Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic science fiction miniseries created by Patrick Somerville based on the 2014 novel of the same name by Emily St. John Mandel. It stars Mackenzie Davis, uh, Matilda Lawler, Himesh Patel is in this. Um, David Cross is in this series. Um, I, uh, I've watched all seven episodes of this. Um, I am just, I am so sucked into this fucking, this series. I, I, I'm going to give it a Tupperware right off the bat. I, I think it's fantastic. And I know it's like, God damn it. I know. I get it. We're going through a pandemic. I get it. I a hundred percent get it. And this is, it's basically, it's a flu that's just immediately killing people. But God damn it, if the story here is just not super compelling, it is, it, it, and it bounces over like a 20 year period. So like it starts in 2020 and now, you know, I think it's like, I don't think they give you like the dates later on, but we can assume it's 2040, but it's this, uh, I, God, even trying to break down, trying to break down this story is super difficult because there's each episode is very different and and it sometimes they they stick to a time period and sometimes they bounce back and forth between time periods um but it's all about like this traveling um this traveling what do they call it the traveling symphony the traveling symphony and they go around and do shakespearean plays and they're trying to in this new world still hold on to the arts and not only are they, you know, they're traveling around and they're uplifting people's spirits, but there's also people that are out to kill you for your food or, 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 and, and now there's this villain, um, uh, that is in the series called the prophet who, um, is, uh, going around and, and seemingly killing members of the traveling symphony. And, uh, I was hooked from episode one, to be honest with you. Like I, 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 Himesh Patel and like the young girl. Um, it's a weird, it's weird how they meet like at the, at this play and he takes her home. I, I was really kind of like, I, th- oh, I don't know. I felt like that was just, it was like a creepy, weird thing. I don't know. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Cause like for me to like break down this show, I feel like I have to talk about every fucking episode and what happens in it. Cause it, it really travels over 20 years and characters that you'll see in 
certain episodes will pop up later in the series. Now they're much older and in a changed world that's adapting to life after this flu. It's a bizarre story and it does deal with like how, um, this book that was written called Station Eleven, how it's almost turned into like the new Bible, like the new prophecy or something. It is, it is a bizarre fucking show, but I am hooked and I cannot stop watching this and I will continue to watch it. But I tupper the fuck out of it. Um, uh, Kevin, uh, how many, how many episodes have you watched and, and, and your thoughts on Station Eleven? I have seen six of the seven episodes so far. Um, this is a tremendous series. I absolutely love it. I mean, all around it's good. Acting, writing, the events that are portrayed, everything. Um, it's, I, it is what you just said. You were sucked into this. I have been sucked into this since episode one. And I, I can't stop watching it. I wish I could have seen the seventh episode, um, already. But I've been engaged the whole time. Uh, the score has been really excellent too. The music that's been used in this in certain scenes has, has not detracted, but actually added to the scenes. Um, especially, I'm not spoiling too really anything here, but there are scenes in an airport. It becomes very important. And, um, the score during those scenes, I think is tremendous. Um, I, I enjoy the, 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 bouncing around to the timelines that took me out of it for just a bit at the very beginning, the first episode. And then once I become accustomed to that, okay, now it's eight days later or 80 days later or four days before, whatever it might be, 20 years later. Um, I, I got used to that and then I was 100% in. So I will be watching this. I cannot wait to watch episode seven, cannot wait to watch the rest of the, the season when it drops. And I think that you said there were 10 episodes or maybe you'd said that. I think, um, I think it's going to be a total of 10. They're on seven. So they'll drop next week. They'll drop the last two. And then I feel, I think they'll finish with the 10th episode. And I hope, I mean, do we know if they're going to wrap this up? Is this just a single mini series? I don't know. Planning to do more after this. I, I don't know. Like I would be, I'm all in on this world. So if they want to go for three seasons, I'm all in. Yeah, same here. I, I, but, uh, long story short, Tupperware, 100%. Beautiful series. Yeah. Um, Steven, what'd you think? I loved this show. Uh, the first episode, I will say, I, I agree with you too. I think the whole way that those characters meet was a little weird. And I was just like, why are you making this your, like, thing? Like you have no reason to be getting up in this child's business. Just yeah, like, it was so weird. Leave her alone and let her, you know, guardian or whatever deal with her. But like at the same time, I get like they're trying to convey like it's out of sincerity. He it's an innocent like him trying to care about somebody that he feels needs help in this whole situation. But um, I think it didn't really click for me until a couple episodes in i think episode five was my absolute favorite i think the show works the best for me when it is in the uh pandemic happening times not really the the post-apocalyptic times but um i've really enjoyed everything so far i went into it thinking it was like more of a anthology so seeing it kind of all tied together episode to episode has 
was at first a, a shock for me, but I, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. Heavy vibes of The Last of Us, which we know is coming from HBO. So I'm I'm really interested to see how those shows will compare and contrast with such a similar story and being known for such a heavy narrative, uh, you know, in storytelling altogether with that franchise coming into a, a series. Uh, overall, I'm just, I'm having a great time, a little too predictable at times, but I think the acting is amazing and I'm looking forward to, to see how it ends. I, I've watched all seven, so. You know, I'm getting really sick of seeing and like, okay, so there's like a sickness, you know, this flu and like they show the scenes of like, you know, somebody, somebody showing up and, uh, to, to the group and then they like cough immediately. <laughs> like, the, I mean, if you're the person showing up to a group and you know that there's this flu going around killing everybody, wouldn't you want to hold off on the coughing? You know, like, what, like, wouldn't you want to, like, think. maybe, like, mentally prepare yourself before you go in? You know, first impressions mean a lot, right? Like, wouldn't you, like, <laughs> before you go and visit, like, the people in this new group and not to maybe freak them out, maybe you'd want to, like, give them a little, you know, taste of your personality first, like, what you can bring to the group as opposed to just showing up on their doorstep and going, <coughs> <coughs> <laughs> you know, like maybe, 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 I don't know, fucking, I don't know, take a lozenge or something. I don't know. Just fucking, uh, get all the coughs out before you, you know, introduce yourself to these new people. Cause you're going to get a bullet in your head as soon as they see you and you start coughing. Like that's a, like, you know, like that's a huge, that's a huge sign that uh, you might have the flu that you might infect. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, you know, pre-COVID, I would have agreed with you 100%. But now that I've witnessed so many people coughing all over the place in real life post-COVID, I, this feels very realistic to I me. guess so. It's yeah, just like, yeah. you're not, you're not going to – like me. But you're not going to get a bullet in your head during COVID times. <laughs> I'm just saying like the, <laughs> the world that they live in here, it's like uh, – it, there's it's lawless, Jake. It's lawless. And, <laughs> and, a, and a cough can get you killed, you know? I don't know. First impressions go a long way. If you're like me, I have a chronic cough. I, allergy wise, I am coughing all the time and it just due to allergies. And so I would hate to be living in this time. I'm shooting you I in feel, the head, Kevin. You know, you're dead. I feel, I feel weird in this time just coughing normally. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe take some Allegra. I do. I take Zyrtec. <laughs> I, I take Zyrtec, one dose of Zyrtec every single day. And it still happens. Yep, I'm with you. I, that's happened to me plenty of times. You, you both are dead. You both are dead. I would die. You're I dead. Die. You know how people are like, you would die in this. I mean, would you? How far would you live into the zombie apocalypse? In this apocalypse, in this sort of flu thing, I would die immediately. Yeah, you're dead. I, I, I would probably be the one to take you out there, Kevin. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, couldn't be taken out by a better person, I guess. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Aww. I uh, see. I was trying to take a negative and turn it into a positive there. <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. I did look into this, though, with such a sensitive topic of a show that they're putting out right now. I did look into it. The show was announced in October of 2019. Well, and the book came out in 2014, too. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was before everything hit the fan, but... You think they would have 
maybe tried to delay it a little bit longer, but maybe their idea was that it's heavily relevant. So that's going to draw people in. I don't know. I just think that people are, I I think that people are burnt out on a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff. I really do. I'm not one of them. I, I, I dig them, but I understand people that are, there's so much post-apocalyptic stuff that's out there. I just think that this show tackles it in such a, a unique way that I am just sucked in. I am drawn in. I am, um, just enamored with like the the different characters that we come across i like um the character of clark and uh the airport and seeing what happens at the airport you know and 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 that community that forms within days like it's like we're like nine days into like the this you know flu pandemic and they've already started like their own community there and then you've got like this guy who's like the janitor (laughs) that is like pulling people away from from this community i'm just like i'm blown away by this show i think that it is just so well acted and so well well written um but jake i haven't got your thoughts on station 11 yeah, I love this show too. It's a, it's a very high tasted for me. You I motherfucker. I knew it was going to be a high tasted. I could see it becoming <laughs> a Tupperware after watching more episodes. I've only been able to see three episodes of this so far. Um, all the episodes after episode three have just come out too close to this Christmas New Year stuff. So I haven't been able to get back to it, but I can't wait to get back to it. Um, I get really like big lost vibes from this show. Just the way they do the narrative of, showing you 20 years before and then jumping to 20 years in the future and a mixed bag of characters that aren't connected at first but could potentially be later it it really gives me that kind of kind of vibe and i really like that storytelling device quite a lot um I agree. The music is really phenomenal and what I've seen so far. And yeah, this is, this is a great show. This is a win for HBO um, and a must watch if you're already paying for their service. What makes it a high taste it? Jesus Christ. I just, there, I just haven't seen enough of it yet. Like I, no single episode of the first three was like a perfect 10 episode. And I just need to see a little bit more of how it's going to go. I need to see like, four or five episodes to to really cement how i feel about this whole series you're killing me you're killing me this week jake i knew it was going to be you oh i mean you know it's a high tasted i it very well could be a tupperware oh, I, I know no, i know i need to apologize for you 100 percent need to apologize for it i'm gonna you, you, <laughs> you're not you're not coughing right now but i'm still putting a bullet in your in your head right now then I won't be able to watch anymore. I'm, I, seriously, you show up. You show up to my camp. I'm gonna be, I, I think I heard that guy cough. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody else is like, I didn't hear him cough. <laughs> I heard him cough. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I, I'm excited. I mean, it sounds like you guys, having watched more than three episodes, are just even more higher on the show than I am. I so. tupper. I tupperware it after the first episode. Okay. <laughs> i feel like they did stuff with characters and like a post-apocalyptic setting that like the walking dead has tried to do for like 10 seasons and they've done it in half of a season better i i, I yeah. still love that first season of walking dead i think it's fucking incredible oh, the first season of walking dead is brilliant yeah yeah six episodes of perfection and then like yeah. fucking they fall off a cliff 
It's not, it's, 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 I think it's, I think it's gotten a lot better, but my God, there's some seasons where you really have to stick with The Walking Dead. Trust me, yeah. Uh, let's jump into Mother Android on Hulu. Who got a chance to watch, uh, the movie Mother Android? I did. Yes. Uh, Georgia and Sam flee their country as the world battles artificial intelligence. Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic science fiction, <laughs> post-apocalyptic science fiction thriller film. It's written and directed by Matson Tomlin for his feature directorial debut. And it stars Chloe Grace Moretz as Georgia and then Algie Smith, uh, plays Sam. Um, that actor is from the movie Detroit that was directed by Catherine Bigelow, a movie I really enjoyed. Um, and, um, oh my God, so much good pop band pop this week, Jake. I'm fucking, I'm just, I'm drowning in good pop band pop this week. This one, this one shouldn't take long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just want to get to news. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to do these good pop, bad pops in two times speed. I'll, I'll, I'll go micro machine speed here. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get the news. <laughs> oh my god! Um, <laughs> just, I'm just so done, Jake. What? Is, I don't know. Fuck it. Oh god, Jake. Tell people about this movie and what you thought. Uh, yeah, Mother Android, it's fucking, um... <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, it, I, I, I realize now that I put way too much fucking good pop, bad pop in on this episode. It's just, it's overstuffed, Jake. This is like the DVDA shot in porn. It's double vaginal, double anal. Left, though, right? Huh? Yeah, we're almost there. We're almost there. Don't... We're almost, you're almost to the finish I line. I know we're almost. almost, I know we're almost to the finish Push line. Push I'm, I'm trying to. Seriously, no, get something... <laughs> Honestly, I want a fucking C-section. I'm at the point where I just, I'm done pushing and I just want a C-section. Give me the epidural. Give me the epidural. It's time to go. Yeah. It's time to go. I'm fucking out. Jake, Jake high tasted fucking station 11. I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go against the grain. You don't see us doing that. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. You didn't toss matrix. So don't be giving me shit. You didn't toss it for the people. For the people. For the people. <laughs> yeah, you don't, have, you don't even have, have your own. It for me. You don't even have your own opinion about the Matrix. <laughs> you didn't toss it for the people. Listen to you. I'm a man of the people. <laughs> man of the people. Man of the people. You know. All right, we're all, let's get back to Mother Android. It's basically like some Skynet Terminator shit. The AI takes over. Our two main characters are on the run. Uh, this movie's a very low taste it for me. I didn't care much for it. Um, I I don't know. I what was the other shitty movie that Chloe Moretz was in? Um, Shadow in the Cloud. I love I love that movie. I don't care what anybody. Yeah, I love Shadow in the Cloud. Exactly what he was talking about. Yeah, I, I thought that movie was a little bit self aware of the tone it was going for, and was made much better for it. Where the, I thought this movie was trying to be a little bit more serious than it ever deserved to. be. Uh, the only thing keeping it from being a toss it is I did think the last half an hour was very strong. I thought from the moment that she went on the rescue mission for Sam, the movie actually got a little bit more entertaining. I did appreciate how 
the the androids really gave me some serious John Carpenter vibes during the uh, last third of this movie. I liked that quite a lot. Um, but mostly this was a bore snore fest until just that last action set piece until the end of the movie. And I, I thought Chloe's acting was pretty terrible. I just want to give this a toss it because I just want to get out of good pop, bad pop. I just want to get the fuck out of this section. Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that reason. <laughs> I'll give it a taste it. I'll give it a taste it. I thought that there was, uh, you know, kind of like an interesting twist somewhere in the middle of the movie, and uh, but I'll give it. Th- I'm done. I'm done. I'll hear from you guys. I'm just. Done. I want to get out of Good Pop 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 so fucking bad. I just want to. Uh, <laughs> I just want to get out of this section. I just want to talk about anything else than this fucking shit we watched all week. I'm so done. I'm so done with this, Jake. It feel, okay. I feel like Jake. I feel like I feel like I feel like we're we're Sam. And fucking Frodo, and we've been walking to Mordor for fucking like a year. Yeah, it's like the extended edition. It is. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> will, we, will we ever make it to Mordor? I just want to toss the fucking ring in the fucking fire pit and be done with this. And much like Return of the King, we still have like five more segments after. No shit. Oh my God! <laughs> Here comes the Eagles. All right. All right. <laughs> Steven, toss it for the people. Steven, do it. Yeah, what, what's the people's rating, Steven? I, I thought it was a taste it for me. I I didn't hate it. It had problems, but I enjoyed it. I liked the uh, the idea of what it was supposed to be. Uh, anybody who's into gaming, it's got the vibes of Detroit Become Human. So take that if you will for if you're interested in that. But overall, it was a, it was an interesting sci-fi construct for androids taking over. That that's about it. Yeah, Kevin, what'd you think? Yeah, low taste. It interesting premise. Um, I thought it was a devastating ending. Uh, I liked it when shit hit the fan and kind of the aftermath and the the third act of the movie. I did like the android designs and the chaos that happened when they were chasing after people. But other than that, it is a forgettable movie, and I low taste it. All right, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> Just take the fact that we all watched most of this stuff as a good thing that we're committed to the show. I know. I appreciate that. We I enjoy it. I know. I'm No, I'm happy that you showed up and you did the homework, except for Kevin with two things. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> but I did watch Saturday Morning All Cartoon All-Stars, whatever it's called. Two twice. times. Two times, I know. I know. Matrix, Matrix, Matrix thrice. You watch Matrix, <laughs> Matrix thrice. Something I could watch the other things. I've not watched it two more times, but I it's just it, there's a point in this episode where I I just want to cough and have somebody shoot me in the head. Okay, like yeah, it's a joke from earlier. <laughs> anyway, I, real quick, I did. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into these fucking movies too much. I, I did go to the theater on my own. Did anybody see Licor- Licorice Pizza? Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Alana Kane and Gary Valentine grow up, run around, and fall in love in California's San Fernando Valley in the 1970s. It's coming age of uh, coming of age comedy drama film written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Who also serves as one of the film's producers and cinematographers. It stars Alana Haim, Cooper Hoffman, Sean Penn, Tom Waits, Bradley Cooper, and Benny Safdie. And, 
I watched this movie and I enjoyed it, but then I and then I thought about it after I left, and I was like, did I did I did I just watch a love story between a fifteen year old boy and a twenty five year old woman? Yeah, <laughs> you did. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> kind of fucked up. <laughs> I don't know why they. Yes. I don't know why they made the. I don't know why he made the decision to have the boy be. 15 it would have just been a lot easier just to make the kid 18 and her 28 i finally like was go ahead oh i was just gonna say was i mean was she actually 25 or 28 i mean because she's a little bit unreliable in this movie so i i don't know if she actually was i think was she, she was not? i think she was Which I, I think there's gross yes <laughs> i think there's a point in this movie where i thought to myself oh you know when she went back to her family and she's living there. I'm like, okay, maybe she's maybe she's his age, maybe or just maybe a couple years older or something. But I think she's fucking 25, and he's 15, yeah. and makes it a bit gross. It makes it a yeah. lot gross. I and illegal. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I dated when I was younger. I dated an older woman, but I was not a teenager. I was 20 years old, and I dated someone in their early 30s. So that's different. That's... It's t- I, I, I'm an adult. Yes, I'm an adult, and yes, the person had 12 more years of life experience than me, but we were both adults, and it was consensual. And uh, this just felt really—I don't know—it felt really I, like I enjoyed the movie, but like once I got out, I was like, I did watch it. Like I. Because it, it, you don't know when you're watching the actual movie, like that's uh, that's 100% where it's going to go. But at the end of the movie, you're just like, I watched a love story between a 15-year-old and a 25-year-old. A little fucked up. I, I feel like they were trying to paste it like a – their connection and love is so strong that it it's – those things are irrelevant but like really all it was was a story about a pedophile and a psychopath in a toxic relationship <laughs> like that's that's all the movie was yeah i like uh, the kid went for her but once he got her she made sure that she like kept him around it was just very it was a weird cuz and i agree like that's yeah. exactly how i went into this movie was the whole movie i'm like i don't know how i feel about this cuz i'm enjoying the atmosphere like it felt it feels like it, it hits the 70s well you know it covers some like historical topics and stuff that happened and like there's characters alike bradley cooper shows up for a little bit yeah uh and like there was some fun moments in this but like overall i was just like this is a very weird story to be telling and like i don't know how i really feel about it and the more i thought about it i think i did hate the movie more than i enjoyed it I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to like a movie about about grooming a child. So yeah, yeah. That's the hard part. Is is I like the movie. I mean, it sucks you into that world of the seventies. Um, I think Cooper Hoffman looks a bit like his dad. I mean, quite a bit. Um, so I and then Elena Ham did or Ham did well in her acting jobs. Um, all of the different cameos were great. I, it, it, it's got a really great soundtrack. Yeah. But man, it was just that main issue there is trying to get around that is very, very difficult. What if it would have been, hey, about. what if it would have been the other way? If it was a fucking, uh, 15 year old oh, girl, oh. a 15 year old girl, I, cause here's the thing. 
there's not a 15-year-old boy on the planet that doesn't want to date a 25-year-old woman, okay? Just being honest with you. No, when I was, I've been there. Yeah, yes. when I was – I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm just saying, for me, I, I can't speak for everybody. But when I was 15, if I could have dated a 25-year-old woman, yeah, I would 100% been all for it. Hundred percent been all for it. Still though, I mean, still illegal, still still gross, illegal, still gross. But I was fifteen, and yes, would would I have wanted to date a twenty five year old woman at fifteen? Of course, of course. Now, would the twenty five year old woman that dated me been in the wrong? A hundred percent, yes. But as a fifteen year old boy, would I still want to date a twenty five year old woman? Yes. But it's wrong. It's it's. Yeah, I, w- it's I would have allowed it too. Yeah. Yes, it's wrong though. It's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't really know like the extent of their relationship, so I can't speak on that. But yeah, I mean that's from a fifteen year old boy's perspective. I mean, one of my best friend's sisters was twenty four at the time, and I just constantly would flirt with her and, and try to hit on her and stuff as a fifteen year old boy, you know. But she never like returned any of that, you know. Uh, well, so. well, welcome to this movie. <laughs> I mean, was it common for children in the seventies to just? randomly get arrested for murder and then just let go five minutes later I, I i didn't understand some of the stuff that happened in this movie and then they just don't really even address it i think that was just like uh that was you know that he was mistaken they just brought somebody in it just felt like it was so out of the blue and unnecessary to the movie I think it was just like one of those moments where they, where they were trying to show how much she cared for him and ha- that she would run to the police station, you know. Okay. Yeah, I think I think a lot of this story was was written by Anderson, um, uh, and it portrayed kind of the events of one of his friends that had told him stories from this time period. Oh, that really? Supposedly happened to him. Yeah, I think it. I think that's how it evolved. So it's someone like Tom Hanks, of, like business manager. <laughs> well, his friend is a psychopath. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I mean, this was stuff that kind of happened to this guy, supposedly, and he relayed them to um, uh, Anderson, and they made a movie out of it, basically. I don't know, man. Like I, I mean, like John Peters, like Bradley Cooper's John Peters is a real person. What are we? What are we rating this yeah. thing? What I had we... to look him up because I didn't know what that was about. And was his story news. alone was insane. Like he's just a new. He was in the news not too long ago. He actually got married to um, uh, Pam Anderson, and they were. It was annulled like the same day. And it was like a year or two ago. What are we rating this thing? I tossed it. I'm gonna I'm gonna taste the movie, uh, but that taking the other stuff into account, I would low taste it. But I'm gonna taste it right now. I'm gonna taste it as well. <laughs> so, so it's a great movie. I mean, it's, it's a good really movie. good, it but it's just it's it's like I don't like like it's really good, but like at the flip side, like it's fucked up. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like it was way longer than it needed to be. It, it, they could have cut a lot out, I think. It did feel long. The best way I could describe this movie is Edgar Wright and Tarantino hybrid storytelling. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it felt very Paul Thomas. With it, a it, very trouble, problematic, problematic relationship. <laughs> it, it felt very Paul Thomas Anderson to me, but 
Yeah, just it had the problematic relationship. Um, I did see, uh, speaking of other inappropriate relationships, I, I watched a movie called Red Rocket. Have you guys heard of this? I have. <laughs> yes, I have. Has no, any, I haven't. Has anyone seen it other than me? Mm-hmm. No. I went I went to the theater. There was one theater playing it, so I went to go watch it and uh it's a it's a washed up porn star clashes with his estranged wife after returning to his hometown in Texas. It's a comedy drama film directed by Sean Baker. Um I love Sean Baker. He did the Florida project, so I was like, "Holy shit, I've got to see this movie." And so I drove well out of my way to the only theater that was playing it. And um, it stars Simon Rex as Mikey Saber, a formerly successful but now near penniless adult entertainer who in 2016 returns to his small Texas hometown. There he cares less about people's affection and acceptance than to persuade them to do what he wants um, with the film bearing witness to his scams. So basically, you've got a guy who, yeah, he was involved in porn. He left like 20 years earlier and uh, got into the porn business. And uh, his ex-wife lives in Texas now. She was also involved in porn at one time. And now she is just kind of like one of these... Um, uh, she'll have like men come over and pay her for sex. And that's how they basically pay the, the mortgage. Um, and he shows up and he wants to stay with her and she doesn't trust him, but he talks his way into living there with her and he can't find a job. He goes to all these different places trying to get a job and they won't hire him because of his, uh, you know, for the past 20 years, he's been a porn star and they're just like, in Texas, they just like, they they don't think that that is the image that they want to have. Um, if somebody finds out that he was a porn star, so they don't want to hire him. So he starts doing what he used to do and he starts selling, um, weed and, uh, which is still illegal, I guess, in Texas, uh, during the time of this movie, even though it's kind of like widely legal now and in, in most States, but, um, and that's how he starts making his money. They end up, you know, he, they end up going, he ends up going to like a donut shop after, uh, you know, he, he pays his wife and, and her mother who he's living with a bunch of money to pay for rent. And then he ends up going to a donut shop. He's going to buy them whatever they want. And there's a 17 year old girl working behind the counter and he is obsessed with her and starts to flirt with her and go back to this donut shop. And so you basically got like a guy. He, in real life, he like he's like forty seven, forty eight. But I think in the movie they portray him like in his thirties, mid thirties. And um, he Simon Rex was like a MTV. He was like an MTV VJ at one time. In real uh-huh. life, anyway, yeah. he starts to form a relationship with this seventeen year old girl, and it becomes like a sexual relationship. So you've got like a twenty year gap between these two characters. And this is a fucked up relationship. But <laughs> what, what's, what's, what's interesting about this movie, and he wants to get, he sees her as his way back into porn. He is going to turn her into a porn star. And she ends up falling in love with him. She like dumps her high school boyfriend and falls in love with him. And there's a part in this movie where like, they end up, like, they end up having sex and then she starts playing 
the piano and singing and she's got like she's an amazing singer and she's got all these talents but all he can think about is getting her into porn it is a fucked up movie but what's good about this movie is the fact that it tur- like it makes this guy out to be the villain the whole time you hate him as opposed to what i just watched with licorice pizza which kind of like glorifies the relationship between a 15 year old and a 25 year old this this movie kind of villainizes this guy he's a piece of shit the entire time so i'm going to give this i am going to give this a tupperware um just because i i know where this movie kind of like is coming from like this guy's a piece of shit and basically is everybody who gets involved with this guy he ends up he ends up fucking them over. Um, so I'll give it, I'll give this movie a Tupperware. It's called Red Rocket with Simon Rex, directed by Sean Baker. I thought it was, it's, I don't think it's anything I could ever watch again, but I think it's really well done. Um, last thing that I want to talk about in, um, in, in Good Pop, Bad Pop. Thank God. We're not going to talk about Santa Inc. It's a toss it. Fuck that show. It's garbage. That's freaking terrible. It's fucking terrible. I watched six minutes and I was fucking out. It's fucking crap. <laughs> um, Passion Play, Russell Westbrook on Showtime. Who got a chance to watch this? I did. I did. I did. Uh, rare footage and extensive interviews provide insight into the, di- into the dynamic life and career of NBA player Russell Westbrook. And um, I'm just going to start off by saying uh, this is an absolute Tupperware for me. Um, I'll get into some other things here later, but, um, I'm loving this, all these basketball documentaries that are coming out. I'm, I'm from the last dance to, you know, the quiet storm with Ron Artest to the Kevin Garnett documentary that we talked about recently. Um, this is another one that I just think is just incredible. Oh, uh, uh, kid from Coney Island, the Stefan Marbury uh, documentary and, uh, Iverson, the Allen Iverson documentary. Fucking amazing. I thought that this was really, I thought that this was really good too. Um, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Um, Jake, I'll start with you. What did you think about passion play Russell Westbrook? Yeah, we've watched a lot of basketball um, docs in the last year, and most of them have been uh, Tupperwares or high taste for me. You know, it's not my area of expertise, but they've just been such fascinating stories with, you know, such interesting athletes and stories that I've really enjoyed watching a lot of these documentaries. Um, this one is the opposite for me. I, I did not care for this at all. Uh, it was it was a toss it for me. Um, I don't know. It just felt like a PR tour where he was trying to apologize or make sure he looked in a good light because of the way he had acted in media interviews. Um, granted, I agree with his justification. I don't think there's anything wrong with the way he felt and why he was so rude to the media. But, man, this just felt like a two-hour PR tour that he was involved with to make sure everyone knew what a great guy he was. And I I just didn't really find any of the story of his life or career all that interesting, especially like next to, you know, the Garnett one we watched, the Artest one we watched, uh, the Iverson one. I I thought this was nowhere near as good as those and did not care for it at all. Kevin. Yeah, um... 
going to go opposite that. I've been a fan of Russell Westbrook for several years. Um, I do watch a lot of basketball. He's been one of my favorite pros for the last decade. Um, I've tweeted about it many times. Uh, he's He seems to be a good dude. And he is one of the best all-around players ever. I mean, and it says, I mean, the what I mean it gets into this in the in the stock that um, about averaging triple doubles. And, God damn! Can and, you believe that, dude? He he. There's only been what two players to average triple double. Oscar Robertson did it once. Yeah, it was Oscar Robertson was like the the leader. The, the first, yes, yeah, and. Um, he has now done it four times. Yeah. He's averaged a triple-double four times. And in those four times, three of the times he led the league in rebounding. Or I'm assist, sorry. Um, and then one of those times he led the league in points. You talk about so, overcoming I mean, adversity. Like this guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The death of his best friend. Kel- uh, Kelsey uh, Bars. You know, yes. and you you look at like I loved how they showed the the footage of Kelsey Bars, his childhood friend who passed away from, you know, uh, heart heart problems. And you know, you look at Kelsey, like the footage of Kelsey Bars, man. I was thinking, I don't know what you thought, but like, I thought like he was the second coming of like Chris Bosh. Oh, that's a good that's a good way to look at that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, ultimately though, I mean, I loved the parts where I mean, he was. I mean, later on in the movie where they showed him struggling in the finals against the Heat, and then you had the media backlash against him about how he, I mean, he was this me first player, and they were never going to win, and, and he came out and showed them, I mean, he's got, I'm going to lead the league in assists, I'm going to show you I'm the best rebounding guard, and he did it all, and I absolutely love the Kobe clip that of him yes, um, when he stuck up for Russell. Yes, um, me too. I love that. And, I loved it too. Um, Darren Collison's comments, I mean, his teammate back in college and everything, um, about he, how Russell Westbrook makes a triple double look like a regular stat. I mean, mm-hmm. in, and when Collison had his first triple double, I think he said that he had a family dinner and parties, like it was a big thing, but Russell Westbrook does that every single game. Vince Carter even commented on it. He said something about, I mean, he's only had five in his career. I mean, and I think last time I checked, which was the other day, um, he was up to like 205 total triple doubles in his career. I think 190 something in the regular season. Um, but he's not averaging a triple double this year, but, um, he's very close on that Lakers team. Yeah. Um, but no, absolutely loved it. I, I Tupperware this 100%. I do too. I like, um, you got to understand, like, the way he handled the media, um, probably not the best way, but on the flip side, it's not like players have not been treated like this. And, you know, Jordan got, Jordan was called a ball hog for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's one of those things where, and so he did the exact same thing that Jordan did, in my opinion. Jordan called mm-hmm. a ball hog and then Jordan worked on, Jordan worked on his defensive game, became the defensive player of the year. After that, you know, they were mm-hmm. like, oh, Jordan, all, all he can do is score. He's not a good defender. Well, you know what? It, Jordan took that to heart and Jordan worked on his game and became, you know, he became the defensive player of the year after that. And um, there's no difference here, um, in my opinion, as far as like the adversity that he overcome from the media. I'm not going to give like I get like Magic Johnson's quotes after 
the NBA Finals and calling him the worst point guard in NBA Finals history. Uh. <laughs> Man, yeah, I think a lot of the what, a lot of what those guys say on TV is for outrage. Yes. media. Yeah, like, they say things just to say things sometimes. But I like it when a when a I like what I appreciated in this documentary is you got a player that fights back and proves them wrong. Like exactly. F- like fuck you. No, I'm gonna. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna do me. And I love the. I think you know, for as tragic as his friend's death was, Kelsey Bars. I think that's what pushed him to even become a better player. I don't think you get Russell Westbrook the way he is now without Kelsey Bars passing away. No, um, I mean we're we're all a sum of the parts of our lives. So yes. yeah, I mean I think I think if if that didn't happen, there's a very good chance he doesn't push himself to get better and play differently yeah. than what he was doing at that time. And I just think that this, I think he's a good dude. I mean, when you watch the, the clips of him and his wife and him and his family, I think he's a great family man. I think he's got a great relationship with his wife. Um, what did you, oh dude, do you remember when Kevin Garnett fucking left? Yeah. And, okay. went, and went straight to the Warriors. Like, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't fucking believe it when Kevin Garnett fucking goes to the team that fucking beat them and jump, jumps on board. I don't know. I, I wasn't a fan of that move. I really wasn't. You know, I can understand why Carl Malone left the Jazz to try to get the ring with the Lakers. But Kevin Durant is still like in his like, you know, prime and he leaves to, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't like that move from Kevin. I guess I'm alone on that. No, I mean, it, it's one of those things. I mean, you see people chasing rings. I mean, they're going to the, the best position that they can find themselves in. With a with a team that's pretty much already established or is being established in yeah, a certain spot. I, don't I mean, know. you saw that with the Heat. You saw that with the Lakers. You saw that. I mean, with the Lakers now. I mean, assembling who they've got now. I understand Carl um, Malone doing it because he's on his last legs, like his last seasons. But like Kevin Durant leaving, like in what I feel is like you know some of his prime years. I just didn't. I never understood that move. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, it's money. It's rings it's notoriety i mean it's all of that stuff so yeah he's playing in a bigger market in golden state than in what you're playing in oklahoma city i mean the nightlife the the area the availability to parts of california that you're not gonna get in oklahoma city yeah but i love the fact that this documentary because that was a big thing it's like okay all these players are going to go to bigger markets so they get better deals and shit like that especially some of the sponsors and stuff like that but i love that russell westbrook was just like well you know i fucking got a great shoe deal playing in oklahoma yeah i I, that's a double-edged sword though i think too is is I mean you, you have a tremendous tremendous one of the best players to ever play, I mean one of two players to only uh, to average triple double that sort of thing. Yeah, of course he's gonna get a deal. I mean he's that yeah, but it, it just proves that you don't have to just jump to fucking a big market, big city. You don't have to go to Chicago. True. You don't have to go to Los Angeles. You know, it just it. I think it just waters down the NBA when they just keep jumping to like, oh, I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. 
it's like, what about, what a, yeah, you know, there's something special about, I mean, about a big time player, you know, like when Kevin Garnett was playing for Minnesota. I mean, and those Minnesota fans loved KG, so. Oh, yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Steven? Uh, as somebody who doesn't really follow basketball, I found myself really engaged with this one. Um, you know, like, did go over his childhood and, you know, he talked about his best friend passing and all that stuff. I really appreciated how he, there was a moment where he was talking about how he writes his name on his shoes every, every game. And, yeah. Like just really tries to keep him alive in his, in his life throughout like everything that he's gone through and all that stuff. And, uh, I really liked how they kind of highlighted his focus on family. He obviously had a hard upbringing and he, he came over a lot of things that were hurdles for him to get to where he is. And like, he still has stayed pretty humble from what the documentary has shown. So I kind of enjoyed that. They, they showed that side while you're still seeing the media kind of paint him as a villain, which I, you know, was really annoyed to see that kind of stuff because like you could see that they were only doing it so that they had something to talk about. It wasn't so much that like he actually was the problem and stuff. And it also annoyed me as a viewer to see them then turn around and go, as soon as he's doing amazing, getting these records for triple doubles, don't even know what that means but like i was impressed that that was something that he just kept doing and i was like oh i know that's supposed to be something amazing so that's great but like the media is like oh, a triple man, double I hold on let me can i explain what a triple double is it's when it's when you get it's when you get double digits in certain categories so you can get okay if you if you average at least 10 points 10 assists 10 rebounds um you can even if you if you're fucking like if you're in, nobody ever is gonna you can even do if you if you're amazing you could do a quadruple double and average ten blocks on top of that but that's impossible I don't think there it, have been there have been four times four times happened. in a season yeah. in a season no 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 this no just four four total times it's happened in NBA history in NBA history did Dikembe yes. Mutombo has no. he has he done he never did uh, it. Yeah, Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson. Um, uh, shoot, there was one guy in the 70s, one guy in the 80s. Um, damn it, I'm going to have to look up. Um, Nate Thurmond in the 70s. Nate I can't remember the guy in the 80s. Nate Thur- George Gervin? Did he? No. No, it wasn't Gervin. Um, dang it, now I'm going to look it up because now it's bothering me. <laughs> uh, if this was hockey, I would understand the terms, but like I, I, yeah. this is a, a different nature for me. So, but like the, the point I was going to get to was like the media clearly bandwagon as soon as he started being the guy for that team after the other all star on the team was moved to to Golden State, right? Yeah, so Kevin Durant. It, and the whole argument that he was being selfish, I thought was really stupid because like when you have multiple players that in any sport when you have multiple players that are good at what they do somebody's gonna have to be better than the other one because there's only so many points on the table that you can get you know what i mean like you're taking away from other players if you if you are doing better well you've got to have in nba in the nba there's there's certain players that are role players and then you've got guys that are just that are that can create their own shot, you know? And like 
that's the guy you want to get the ball in their hands at the end of the game. Or, or and you got, you, I mean, there's guys that are just role players. Like you got to get them open, like to shoot the three. Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr, you had to get him open to get the three. He wasn't like a a shot. He couldn't create his own shot, really, in my opinion. Uh, Ray Allen could, and he could shoot mm-hmm. the three. But there were, you know, there's certain guys that can create their own shot, and those are the guys that you want to have the ball in their hands to 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 put some 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 points on the board for your team and and, and Russell Westbrook's one of those guys. It was it, it was Alvin Robertson who did the other one. Alvin Robertson um, in the 80s. He he was the only one that did it with steals instead of blocks. Steals. Oh Jesus. Fucking smooth criminal. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 10 steals a game? Yep, he had 10 steals. Oh my god. Oh my god! I, I that's one. That, I think that's like one of the most underrated fucking things um, in basketball. But when you got a guy that can do that on your team, like uh, I remember Ron Artest was fucking amazing at steals when he played. <laughs> and uh, I think you know who else is really good these days, and I, the Lakers are missing this dude is Alex Caruso. Ah, uh. that guy. That guy will hound you defensively. Did you? Hey, Kevin. Real quick, I'm, guys, we're gonna get back to this bullshit. Did you did did you watch that Bulls Pacers game yesterday? I did not watch it, even though I should have, but I did not. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! It was fucking incredible. Oh my god! Was I, that was I was watching football yesterday. I was watching college football. Michigan played and got their butts handed to them, and of course Alabama won. But no, I missed the Bulls Pacers game. Oh, did you did you watch the shot and highlights? I have seen the highlights. Yes. Jesus Christ, Demar Derozan. Oh my! And all the people were saying that was the worst signing ever for Chicago. And uh, it's working out pretty okay. It's working out pretty damn good. And <laughs> oh my god, when he put up that fucking shot and made it, I was like, oh my god. I got up and I started fucking screaming. Like bulls are down by two. Um, you can tell that DeMar DeRozan does not know much how much, how much time is left on the shot clock and realize that he's got to fucking just throw up a shot. And he mm-hmm. throws up this shot. He's got a defender on him. Hand, you know, he's got fucking, you know, he's got hands in his face and shit. He just throws up this, this Hail Mary and it's, and he sinks that motherfucker three pointer bulls win by one and fucking all the players, uh, Vooch came, comes around and they all start hugging him and shit and the bulls win. I was just like, I fucking started screaming in my house. I scared my cats. all all my cats ran out of the room i am just screaming it was oh god what an incredible fucking game dude oh so good i'm sad i missed it and i had to watch that michigan game instead that was Uh, terrible i'm sorry yeah you should have been watching that bulls pacers (laughs) game oh so good it was so good let's move on you guys ready to move on into oh what did you rate this steven i give it a high taste it I taste I, it. Okay. Honestly, I after watching this, I was like, "This is a really good documentary." And I even looked for any hockey type documentaries yeah. on, on Showtime, and I couldn't find it. It seemed like it was all strictly basketball. But watch the basketball documentaries; they're really fucking good, dude. Yeah, if you like this, watch those. I, I I'm sorry I, I didn't like this as much as you guys. I just I don't know. It, 
I could feel his hand in this, and it just felt so one-sided and really only offered one opinion on that's what i loved about his history i love the fact that i love the fact that the media gets to put their spin on this bullshit jake and finally you get a guy coming in here saying no this is how it really went down and this is how i really felt about this and this is how i overcame all that bullshit you can have fucking magic johnson sam i'm the worst point guard in nba finals history and i'm going to show you that i'm the fucking triple double guy and i'm going to become the mvp of the year 2017 um uh jalen rose says that there's one record that i can't beat i can't beat oscar robertson's triple doubles i'm gonna beat that shit fucking iverson in his documentary got to fucking finally tell people what that practice quote was about that everybody was saying like he won't show up to practice the reason he didn't show up to fucking practice was because his best friend had fucking died and he was pissed yeah. off at the media saying, why are we talking about practice? And nobody fucking cared to mention that his best friend had just fucking died. Jordan, in the last dance, had to get the last word. Because he sure as fuck didn't want uh, Isaiah Thomas to get the last word in those documentaries. That's what I appreciate about these. Is is yeah. I guess I'm just not as into basketball, and that would help a lot. Um, it also just seemed weird to me that we're doing this kind of thing, and this guy's career isn't even over yet. I mean, fucking, what was it? Uh, Jay Williams didn't even start his NBA career and ESPN is doing like a, a story on, remember when? Did he produce that? No, this was ESPN. Do you, yeah. me, do you remember that, Kevin? When, uh, Jay, well, he was going by Jason Williams at the time. When he got into that accident? This is before he got into the accident in 2000. Oh, okay. Uh, in the was it the 2002 2003 season at the end of that season he got in the accident but this is like right when jason williams got out of not i'm not talking about white chocolate i'm not talking about <laughs> not talking about I'm, the yeah kings player. <laughs> i'm not talking about the kings player i'm talking about he went by jason williams when he played for yeah duke. he played he played at duke but when he came into the nba he went by jay williams because we already had a jason williams um but he had like an ESPN documentary on him before he even fucking went into the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's definitely players that, that are still playing that still get their documentaries made. Um, Christian Leitner is probably another one. You have to mm-hmm. imagine that a Christian Leitner documentary came out, right? I would think. Yeah. Jordan's there were, Jordan had like three or four fucking, tapes come out about him before he before he even fucking left the game yeah yeah i guess i don't have enough knowledge to say that it's never been done i just i don't know the fact that it was done before his career was over and he himself produced it was just i don't know it just came off weird to me and insincere so he did produce it then yes okay because there his were there, family i will agree with it. you there was moments where i watched this ago i feel like i could see this being just him trying to market himself uh, but also I have a buddy who lives in the community for Oklahoma city. And like he, I was talking about this with him after I watched it and, and he was just going on praising how involved he really was in the community and stuff and like how much he did and all that stuff. And so that kind of helped me believe, I guess, to an extent, the stuff that was kind of the narrative in the documentary. 
Yeah, I mean, he seemed like a great guy. I loved him, you know, helping kids with reading and buying kids books. And it really seemed like he was doing a lot of good with his money. And I, I really appreciated that. I just, on an entertainment level, this did zero for me. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, it made me wish the fucking Bulls drafted him instead of fucking Derrick Rose, sadly. Cause, and oh, I, for sure. <laughs> well, I love Derrick Rose, too, like before the, you oh, know. Yeah, when he's playing. You know, I remember I fucking... I went and saw Derrick Rose play with the Bulls probably three times at the United Center and then once in Indiana before he had his – I actually went to the game. Kevin, I went to the Indiana Pacers game with Derrick Rose the game before he got injured before they went into the finals that year. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was at, And I was at a, I was at a game uh, with Derrick Rose when they played Sacramento – and they were beating Sacramento by like 30, 40 points. And it was just like, you'd think it would be boring to watch a game where, you know, they're just dominating and you know the other team can't come back from it. But my God, the energy at the United Center that night watching Derrick Rose dunk and just fucking just take over this game. It was just, it was incredible. I mean, just fans high-fiving each other, and the place was just erupting. And we get into the fourth quarter, and they sit the they sit the players on the bench. Brian Scalabrini comes in, starts shooting threes. <laughs> it was, it was. I mean, there is nothing better. There's no better feeling. I, I and I brought a buddy with me that was not into basketball at all, and by the time we left, he was he was just so in love. With the game and, and the players nice. and, and the energy that he felt in the United Center that night, that now he's like a, he's a fan of basketball. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things where um, I I, I want to go back to a Bulls game. I haven't been to a Bulls game in probably four years, and you know I used to try to at least go to like two or three games a year, and I loved and I loved going to playoff games. I've been to quite a few playoff games, and the energy. During a playoff game, there's nothing like it. There's nothing. Oh, so mm-hmm. much fucking fun. Yeah, there's nothing like it. Um, I got to see Jordan play um, with uh, Rodman and Pippen and Kukoc and that team. Nice. And, yeah, that was incredible. So, but all right, let's jump into the pop culture uh, leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Alright, before we jump into the news, I got a question for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you two movie pitches. I'm gonna give you two movie pitches. You, you, you tell me. These are my movie pitches. You tell me which movie you want to green light. You guys down for this I'm exci- game? I'm excited. Are you down? Are you down for this game? Yeah. I'm excited. Let's yeah. get in the elevator. Alright, here we go. Here is the elevator pitch. Pitch number one. It stars Daniel Day-Lewis. As a Jedi living on Tatooine, it's Star Wars: The Phantom Thread Menace. <laughs> He's a, he, he, sounds good. This sounds good. This is tough competition. Yes, he makes Jedi robes, but he uses his lightsaber to make the Jedi robes. He makes the perfect Jedi robe fit. That's intriguing. Daniel Day-Lewis. Just the, just the idea of getting Daniel Day-Lewis to be in a Star Wars yes. thing. This is good stuff. He did the Phantom Thread where he played a dressmaker, and now he's going to be – Terrific film. Gonna be, he, amazing film. 
And now yes. he's going to be and now he's going to be making robes for Jedi's in the in Star Wars the Phantom Thread Menace. He'd be coming out of retirement for this, right? Didn't he would he yes, retire? coming out of retirement. So this, this is a big deal then. It's a huge <laughs> fucking deal, Steven. <laughs> yeah. retirement for the Phantom Thread Menace. <laughs> uh, all right. Number 2. Number 2. Controversial. Possibly controversial. It's a horror version. Of Pinocchio, where Geppetto... I think that already exists. Well, hold on. No, no, no. Shut shut the fuck up. Let me pitch. (laughs) Let me fucking pitch my movie. God damn it. It's a horror version. It's a new horror version. (laughs) It's a new horror version of Pinocchio, where Geppetto wants a real boy... But for nefarious reasons, reasons. Whoa. <laughs> yes, hold on, hold on. Everybody, get ready for every guy. Is it, Kevin Spacey stars in Geppetto File. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I think I'm definitely siding with the Daniel Day Lewis movie. Uh, I'm filled by Paul Anderson. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, just, I'm, j- I'm gonna side with uh, the Phantom Thread Menace. Oh, you're going for the safe choice. Going for the safe choice. Phantom. I think that would make more money. Make, make, make more money. Okay. All right, Stephen. I'm gonna have to go with Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the movie is for titled the, the movie is <laughs> for the people. <laughs> The movie is titled Geppetto File. <laughs> the name is great. I, 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 I... <laughs> we are laughing about a felony. <laughs> we, we are, uh, all right. You guys saw two movies in the theater this week about said felony. I know. No shit, man. It was fucked up. I don't there know. was a lot of the stuff we watched that was very similar to each other yeah. this week. Yeah, Chaplin had in it some way on. or the other. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the theme of this week. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Anyway, Geppetophile. I just that the whole reason was so I could bring up the joke Geppetophile, Jake. Geppetophile. <laughs> it was. It was well worth. It. I mean, you knew what was going to win this contest. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I just it all really came down to me wanting to say Geppetto file. He wants a he wants yes. he he wants a real boy. But ooh, why Pinocchio stop? But ooh, <laughs> well, <laughs> tell me lies, Daddy. Tell me lies. <laughs> you can put any you can put any strings on me. Yeah, Geppetto's gonna make it so it's not his nose that grows. Brings a, a new aspect to a donkey show, too. <laughs> oh, that's true. The donkey. The don- <laughs> oh, guys, we're all going to hell. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> News this week. But, but you got to admit, that's a great title, though. It's, it's disturbing, but Geppetophile, that is a, that is a great title. That, that title is making headlines. The moment that movie is announced before it even starts uh, filming, that that title is all over. Yeah, can you imagine you see the movie? That movie. Oh my god! <laughs> um, the outrage of Geppetophile? Yeah, yeah. But just imagine the outrage of that. And man. they're like, and they had the nerve to cast Kevin Spacey. 
Yeah. That nerve. And now cancel culture is coming for Pinocchio. <laughs> Geppetophile. <laughs> News from, we lost some listeners, Jake. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. It was um, worth it doing this like an hour three. Like, I think hour one, this is not good material. Hour one, it's not good. Hour three, when I drop Geppetophile, yeah, that's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, once you get past hour three, it's fucking pedophile joke bonanza. It's crazy that it's a, it's like it's almost like I predicted it because I put that in my notes for the beginning of news. Like we're gonna go over this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't want to bury the lead. No. If, if <laughs> uh, news from comicbook.com, Dwayne Jan, du- 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 I can't talk. Dwayne Johnson refuses Fast and Furious 10 return, slams Vin Diesel for public plea. During a recent interview, Dwayne Johnson has gone on the record to shoot down any chances for a Luke Hobbs reunion with Dominic Toretto. Quote, I told Diesel directly that I would not be returning to the franchise, Johnson said to a CNN, uh, said to CNN during an expansive interview reflecting on his career in 2021. I was firm yet cordial with my words and said that I would always be supportive of the cast and always root for the franchise to be successful, but that there was no chance that I would return. Uh, Vin's recent public post was an example of his manipulation. I didn't like that he brought up his children in the post, as well as Paul Walker's death. Leave them out of it. We had spoken months ago about this and came to a clear understanding. However, Johnson isn't down on the entire Fast and Furious franchise. Also, he wished his former co-stars and crew members well as they bring their story to an end. Quote, my goal all along was to end my amazing journey with this incredible franchise with gratitude and grace. It's unfortunate that this public dialogue was muddied with the waters. Regardless, I'm confident in the fast universe and its ability to consistently deliver for the audience. I truly wish my former co-stars and crew members the best of luck and success in this next chapter. So when we first talked about his apology, I wanted to look on the brighter side of things and just be like, okay, you know, this is a guy, this is Vin Diesel saying, I'm sorry, please come back. And, you know, um, I think it really took me to realize what Dwayne Johnson went through with all of this and his interactions with Vin Diesel. Um, it took, it, it took this quote for me to understand really what he's gone through and, and, and what he says about his public post as an example of his manipulation. That's what really spoke to me here is the fact that he knows Vin Diesel on a level that we don't as viewers and as, as, as fans of the fast and furious films he knows Vin Diesel and he knows and he's talking about his manipulation. And so when he, when, when Dwayne Johnson comes out and says this, it, and talks about how he brought up his children and Paul Walker's death at the time, I thought that he brought those up to be, I thought Vin Diesel brought those up to kind of pull on his heartstrings and bring him back. But the way Dwayne Johnson views it was manipulation. So when, when we talked about it originally, 
we had we had Janine on Janine Daling on that episode, and she was like, she she was leaning towards what Dwayne Johnson is saying here that like it was manipulation, and I was of the mindset of well, he's just maybe Vin's just doing this to pull at his heartstrings, and. Yeah, same. I kind of lean towards towards you that I, I thought he was really being sincere. Well, we were wrong. Yes. We were wrong. We were wrong. And Janine Jean- Janine was totally reading everything that kind of that Vin was doing as this manipulation. And so, you know, now that I'm hearing what Dwayne Johnson has to say about this and 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 his comments on this, I don't feel like an actor of his caliber and a franchise of this caliber is I don't think it's easy to turn your back on this unless you feel this strongly against the person that's kind of like the driving force of the franchise. So I'm going to, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm flipping here. Um, yeah, I'm, it sucks well, for us fans that he's not returning, but I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to agree with uh, what Janine originally said and 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 what's what's happening here. Kevin, were you having? Did you have something to say? Oh no, no, I was just gonna. I mean, outside of, I mean, playing the other side of this, do you think this could all be a giant work? And they're just fighting in the media, and 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 eventually he will return to Fast and Furious. I I don't now. I mean, when, when you when he brings up Paul and 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 his own children, and then and then Dwayne Johnson is basically saying that like I can't believe that you know I I didn't like that you brought up your children in the post. I don't like that you brought up Paul Walker. Leave them out of this. I'm done. We had an understanding that I'm done. I think this is just him kind of, I don't think this is a Spider-Man no way home kind of situation where (laughs) I think this is completely different. I think he's saying I'm done. Has anybody that has ever worked with Vin Diesel actually liked him? (laughs) I mean, Paul Walker, Walker, I think. Hmm. I don't. Who ever had a problem with Paul Walker, though? Right? Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, that's true. I think it would be more him having a problem with Vin Diesel publicly. And that never happened. Yeah. Well, as someone who's also a champion for the people, uh, I have to completely <laughs> agree. With well, are, are you right? Ru- <laughs> St- Stephen Redgrave, are you running for office? What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> you're out there. You're out there kissing babies on the campaign. What's going on, Stephen? I just even the initial like thing that that uh, was put out about how like he was wanted him back and all that stuff. Like I, I took that completely the same as this is manipulation. You are totally just trying to push him in a corner that he feels like he has to come back or else he's the villain. Yeah. No, uh, you're you're right. But I'm naturally a cynical person, so like, to me that I always see those kind of negatives over the optimistic side of it all. I wanted to see this as like a, as, as like a public apology. Like, I'm sorry. Like we want you back. And you know, you know, you think of, you know, toxic masculinity and, and this is a way of kind of like showing that like, you know, I'm a man, you're a man. I'm sorry. And like, let's not, let's not fucking hold grudges. And that's not it at all. I feel I like mean, he could have done that in a text message or on the phone. Like, 
what man the man, right? That doesn't have to be a public thing for everybody to see. Well, I this is to what, get him back. What I'm getting out of this is that he said we had spoken months ago about this and came to a clear understanding. So I feel like they had already talked uh, talked about this, and Dwayne Johnson let his thoughts be known that no, I'm not coming back. And that's the part of the that's the part of the story that I didn't know. Exactly. And, and then from there, Van Diesel went for yes. public manipulation. Yes. And now that you know that they already had a private talk with each other. Yes. For he thought, well, let me invoke my children and Paul Walker's children and all, and the media. Or Paul, and the press. Just, yeah, just Paul Walker's just Paul Walker in general. Yeah. And now. Yeah, now it becomes manipulation. So he's letting us know, like, we had a talk about this. I said no. We came to an understanding. And after I said no, he comes out and then invokes the names of his children and Paul Walker. And he and I'm just saying, leave them the fuck out of this. I'm still done. You're not going to manipulate me in, back into this franchise. Yeah, yeah, it makes, it makes him look like a bad guy, right? It makes it – if like Dwayne says no, it's like, oh, look at all these people you're disappointing. That's right. kind of the media manipulation that Vin Diesel was trying to pull here, and that, that's pretty yeah. shitty. It is pretty shitty. Yeah, Rock went all full scorched earth after having that, and rightfully so it sounds like. So, yeah, I mean he let it be known that, hey, not going to deal with this. I've already told you no privately. Now that you've said this in, in the media as well and on, on social media, I'm going to have to address this in, in public. I think I think some of these actors need to fucking think about how they're treating people. You know, like, yeah. I think this needs to be a wake up call for Vin Diesel to think about how he's treating people that are like. You know, it's not just you, man. Like people just don't show up to the Fast and Furious movies for you. You, you've got to, you know, you've got to make this a, a welcoming environment for for other people. You know, you hear actors all the time talk about, you know, um, how it's a rare thing to be on a set where everything is just just amazing and everybody gets along. I feel like there's more times than not where. It's, it is kind of a toxic environment. Maybe, maybe there's one person that's involved that's a little bit too, um, egos clashing. Egos clashing. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if he felt threatened that he wasn't going to be the top, you know, muscular toe man of the franchise anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're saying Vin felt threatened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, yeah, well, I like, think that's I think that's Dwayne shown Johnson is in. clearly on like an upward slope for for you know over their many many years. Well, so I think that's shown in I mean the way they film things, and I mean I think it has been pretty publicly known that I mean, it's in contracts that you have to show Vin Diesel at the same height as The Rock in those movies, and the way they filmed the scenes and, and framed them. I'm pretty sure that's pretty public. And I don't so know, like, he, with Hobbs and Shaw, if that was a, a reaction to their inability to work together or if it was just a spinoff to make more money. But I have to wonder now, 
because I feel like the narrative was at one point that he wasn't going to return to the main franchise, but he was still going to continue Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, sequel. yeah. There's no reason. So is there's... that now off the table? No, 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 not at all. Like I, 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 I that's technically still Fast and Furious. Oh come on, come on. No, he's not going to. Re- he refuses Fast and Furious Ten, but Hobbs and Shaw is a spinoff. Yeah, it's about as far as you can get from Fast and Furious as you can get from Fast and Furious in these movies. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that spinoff. I mean, I, yeah. No, I, he's definitely. I just mean because they have it in the title. That's all I was trying to say. So does that technically mean no. he's not doing that anymore? No, no, I don't think he has an issue with the franchise. His issue is strictly with Vin Diesel. Diesel. I think if Vin Diesel stepped out and said, "Hey, I'm not going to be in the next two Fast movies," I bet Dwayne would step in and be in them. Yeah, one hundred percent. I agree. Yes. Yeah. I agree. So I don't think it has anything to do with the franchise. Um, and I think he has a lot of friends that are in that franchise, but Ben Diesel is clearly not one of them. And oh, yeah. you can kind of see why after seeing this uh, media scrum. Yeah, I don't think the issue was the franchise. I, it clearly is just about Vin Diesel. I just meant like if he's saying – that's all I was trying to no, I, figure out. If he's saying he's done with the franchise, does that mean no, everything? Is it just no. the direct sequels? No, he'll be in Hobbs and Shaw too. Because I'd love to see a sequel because I, I really liked what they did with that. I mean, they set up a sequel with Han being involved with the post credit scenes of the of mm-hmm. the last movie. And I, I 100% believe that that he'll be returning. You know, if they, if they, if they are going to be making Hobbs and Shaw too, I think he'll be returning. So plus he's a busy guy. He's got so many projects he's working on. Like even if he wanted to, he may not even have the time to actually get back into doing another movie, right? I agree with that. I agree with that. There's too many schedules to work around. Rock is like, starring acting. There's movies that he's scene. announced he's going to be in that like have just been on the shelf for years now. Like I he's always yeah. announcing something new before he even well, does the other. Think stuff. about how long it's taken us to to see anything from you know the black adam movie mm-hmm. yeah yeah we discussed that when we were in my basement still yeah when rock was taking on that it's been a long time coming so yeah yes you're absolutely right like he he kind of fills his plate way in advance and yeah i could see it. i mean the issues with ben diesel just makes it easier to go i'm not going to deal with the scheduling nightmare yeah. it could be a long time before we see jungle cruise too you know yeah you ever wonder, like, when an actor says they're going to take a break, you know, like recently, wasn't it, you know, recently, I- I'll get to a couple actors here, but Chris Hemsworth said he was going to take a break, right, for a while? Yes. And then was it, wasn't it most recently Ryan Reynolds saying he was going to take a break? Mm, I believe he was saying that. I know I know Jennifer Lawrence just got off a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like with, with Ryan Reynolds and... And Chris yeah, I think he said he was taking a break after one of the latest movies he did. Do you think that it ha- – I hate to say this, but do you think that it has something to do with maybe some family problems? Like maybe you're not- I, I think it's the exact opposite. Well, at least with Hemsworth, I think he's pretty public. Like he just had a kid. Yeah. And I think he's just scared of missing those important years with his kid. And I, I take him at face value. I think he really does want to make sure he spends those early years with his child. Yeah, what about what about see his kid grow? So what about like Ryan Reynolds want to take Ryan a Ryan Reynolds is a little bit more muddy. I, I could see the hypothetical that But see the thing is he needs to get his shit in gear. Well, I mean like, you know, Blake Lively, his wife is she's also involved in acting, you know? So it's like she mm-hmm. would you know, you think that she would understand, but 
maybe yeah maybe he just needs a break it, it just it makes me wonder that like you know is are they making the decisions or is this something that you know it's causing problems in their in their relationship it's, it's always something worth questioning i mean obviously if it was worst case scenario that's not going to be the media press release yeah oh i'm taking a break because Right. I'm cheating on my wife. No, and I, I want to reconcile that. No, it's not that, that he's cheating on his wife. But no, maybe, I, I'm just being but maybe he, But maybe he's not, like, spending enough time with his wife or the kids or something like that. And, and of course, you don't want to, like, make that publicly known. Um, and I don't want to – I don't want to spin it like that either. I don't want to – you know, but – No, no, you, this is purely speculation. Do, do you think it could be, like, the physicality of the roles? I mean – I mean, something with like Hemsworth. I mean, you have to, I mean, the shape that he has to be in and get in and maintain for something yeah. like Thor and the Hulk Hogan movie, I think that he's doing or whatever. Yeah. Um, that, that absolute shape. Maybe he wants to take some time off of eating right, of being in that top physical shape, being dehydrated all the time, essentially. I think, um, I, well, I mean, you know, fucking, uh, what was it? Christian Bale said, like, I'm done with, uh, with the movies where I have to do like a complete transformation of my body, you know. I mean, he's pretty Go extreme. Though. Way back, <laughs> he's on, on the, the scale of things compared to what most actors would do. So. I know. Well, for Chris Hemsworth, though, he's still like he's still pretty young, and I can understand like you know Hugh Jackman being like, I can't fucking keep this up. Like this is this is a lot. Like you know, I'm getting older. I can't play Wolverine for the rest of my fucking life. Like I can't. You know, like to for what they have, what for what he has to go through to get that that vascular for that role. Which honestly, Jake, me and you would probably agree that he doesn't need to go to those links to play that role. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I mean, the, if you look at the character in the comics, he's not always been portrayed as like this. You know, super vascular character. Like it, no, and Endgame proved you can do really good character studies on the character, having him not be in that. Kind right, of right, right. Yeah, it's. Um, but I mean, get, I think it just comes know. down to they have the ability to take these breaks. You know, they're not hurting yeah. for money for as, as far as we know. So, depending on how the studios feel about the projects they're working on, they they kind of have the upper hand in saying, "Hey, I'm going to take a break." Obviously, but is Chris Hemsworth really character? So is Chris Hemsworth really taking a break? Like, I think I think he is. When when he he's fucking he did the 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 Michael Bay movie. He's uh, filming a sequel for that movie. He's doing the Hulk Hogan movie. He's doing Thor: Love and Thunder. Where's the break, Jake? Yeah, where's the break? I I don't see the break. Well, I guess the question is like, what do you define break as? You just doing nothing, or is it like you doing like easier? projects that aren't so time consuming you know obviously thor well i mean hulk hogan he'd have to bulk out for that but you know he does do other movies that aren't as popular but like they're much more down to earth productions i would assume because they aren't of these big scale epic stories i'm just saying I haven't seen like a lapse in Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, I mean, content. the question is whether or not he's really going to take a break. I mean, who fucking knows? But when he did make the announcement, I, I did believe his reasons were were probably the real reasons why he was considering it. Yeah. 
All right. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's, you guys want to Speaking of breaks, can we take a real quick break? Jesus Christ, Jake. It's only been two hours <laughs> since our last. Okay. We can take a break. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you gave me the perfect segue. I had to ask. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to start calling you Kit Kat. Yeah. Start calling me Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. Don't join the Pop Culture Leftovers Patreon. We will eat both of your arms and then both of your legs. And then we will eat your face right off your head. You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd in the wind. Head over to Patreon.com and join now for only $6 a month. Alright, hey, we are back. Jake, we're back, man. Yeah, I'm so glad. It's how the show works. Like, we go away for a moment. <laughs> and then the magic of podcasting is we're back. Yeah, I'll never understand it. Pure magic. I don't, it, it is pure magic. It is, do you believe in magic? You know what I watched recently? Um, I watched American Pie. Oh, I haven't seen that in forever. Did it hold up? So no, far? it doesn't. <laughs> as most of those late 90s movies don't i'm telling you like american pie though when it first came out like i thought it was like the funniest shit that i had ever seen and when i watched it again it doesn't hold up quite as well to movies like fast times at ridgemont high like it's just not of that caliber and the humor for its time was great, but it just, I think it, uh, I think it, I think, I just don't think it's as good as a movie as I remember, Jake. It just doesn't live up to the, it doesn't live up to the late 90s hype, sir. Yeah, it was such a phenomenon. There was like oodles of sequels, if I remember. Yeah, there was the main sequels, and then there was like the garbage sequels that just like featured Eugene Levy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there was a still there was a couple moments where I still did laugh out loud and, and they were um the uh uh what's the fucking guy they called him uh, Stifler called him shit brick. <laughs> what was that guy's name? The oh, like the actor? Jeez. Um no, the character's name. The the really the 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 guy that fucking bangs Stifler's mom. What was his name? Yeah, what are they, what are they call? I, I just watched the movie two fucking days ago and I can't even remember. Jim? Is it Jim? No, that's not no, Jim. No, Jim's is Jason Biggs. Yeah. I'm looking it up. Hold on. The name oh. Sean's coming to mind. Paul Finch? I, Paul? Finch! It was Finch! Yeah. There's, there was a couple Finch moments that were fucking hilarious. I, I did love the, 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 the Stifler's mom where Finch is, is, uh, hitting on, uh, Jennifer Coolidge. That shit's still funny. Um, Allison Hannigan, when she plays Michelle, the band camp chick, when she says, uh, say my name, bitch, that's still funny. Uh, no, she's like, what's my name, bitch? And she slaps Jason Biggs' character in the face as they're fucking. That's still funny. And Stifler taking... Stifler, when 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 Stifler gives Finch the laxatives and 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 Finch takes that monster dump in the girls' bathroom, that's still funny. <laughs> but a lot of it is just not as good as I remembered it. I can't stand the 
at Bandcamp line because after that movie came out, everybody, even to today, I feel like people still use the stupid line when you start a story. They go at Bandcamp like they're the first fucking person. And this to one time, joke at Bandcamp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It didn't make me want to go back and watch American Pie Two or American Pie the Wedding or the Reunion. And I watched the reunion a few years ago, and I enjoyed that movie. Jake, I just don't think they hold up. I don't think American Pie holds up. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it being a movie of its time. That's kind of a comedy style that's kind of faded. And it should should be super nostalgic, though, because it's late 90s. The music is of that time. What was your question? Does a movie like Varsity Blues hold up? For you, I need to watch Varsity Blues again because I loved that movie. James Vanderbeek was killing it in that movie. John Voight was fantastic in that movie. Uh, even Scott Kahn was really good in that movie. I need to watch Jake. I haven't watched Varsity Blues in probably over a decade, sir. Oh, same. It's been a very long time. It, it was a good movie when I saw it. Yeah. Now, what was his name? I, he was Moxon. What was his name? Jonathan Moxon. Johnny Moxon. John I watched it uh, a few months ago, and I mean, it held up for me. There was a lot of funny stuff that I still laughed at, but there was some cringe moments still. Was that considered a comedy? Oh yeah, I never saw. That. A, I never saw. That's that a comedy drama. That. There's a lot of comedy. Oh yeah, it's definitely a comedy okay. drama. It's a, it's a dramedy, as what as the kids call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a yeah. dramedy, Mister Stephen Redgrave. Yep, I call him that. So. Yeah, American Pie, man. I remember watching. I didn't see it in the theater, but I I, I watched it. Uh, I did watch American Pie after it came out on a on a on a VHS. I think I watched it on. I saw, I saw the first one in the theater, and the rest I think I saw like on HBO or whatever premium channel had them. Yeah, I don't think I've ever watched the sequels. Oh, I, I watched. Uh, I think I watched all the sequels in the theater because after the first <laughs> one, I was after the first one, I was a fan. I was like, I'm a fan. <laughs> That's what I said. I said that out loud. I said, I'm a fan. <laughs> super cool. Yeah, yeah, I am super cool, aren't I, Jay? <laughs> Guys, let's jump As into... fans are. Yeah. Oh, that's a fan joke. Nice. That, Jake, that's our first fan joke. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> that was really nice. That was good. We got our first fan joke. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Stephen Redgrave. Uh, guys, let's jump in. Stephen, I'm not knocking you. That was, that was. No, that's a legitimately I'll good be here joke. all night. It's probably, yeah, that's probably the highlight of this episode, sadly. Um, yeah, people call dad jokes these days, but like they were just bad puns back in the day. Why did why did it have to get a new name? Let's go throw that out there. That is the we question of the ages, man. I don't know. Let's move on into Marvel news. How about that? Marvel news. Got a Marvel email here, Jake. I'm excited. Are you? Mm, a little bit. I, I don't know when to take you seriously anymore, Jake. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm excited to hear. I mean, I hope it's not fan fiction, but oh cross god, that bridge when we get to it, those are the worst. 
Oh god, those are the worst. I hate the yeah, fan fear fiction. of fear of that always creeps in when you say you have a Marvel email. I know, and then it's like it's ten pages of a theory that's never gonna yeah. pan out. <laughs> <laughs> what if the vulture was in Doctor Strange too? What if you didn't waste my time? <laughs> what if you didn't waste my time with bullshit? Huh? That's that's where you join the Discord and you talk about it there. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's when I just complete I can completely ignore you and have somebody else comment on your asinine pred- predictions. Welcome to Discord. <laughs> <laughs> that was a promo. Go join the Discord. Yeah. It's a great goo. A lot of people that uh, enjoy did, talking to. Did you say it's a great goo? I probably did. I meant great. I thought he said goop. It was it's a great, a great goop. goop. Yeah. I thought he I mean, said it might uh, be. I don't know. I th- Jake, I thought he said it might. I thought he said it was the Great Gazoo from <laughs> it was a silent R. So, Jake, y- you know what I'm talking about. Boy, you're giving me shit about talking about Namus. Now we're talking about the Great Gazoo, dude. Dude, come on, <laughs> come on. Who's who is more popular today? I don't know, Jake. This I is think the- Namus is more popular. Joe Namath. Joe Namath beats out the Great Gazoo. I mean, I don't see the Great Gazoo in commercials. All right, hold on. Let me ask the question. Let me ask the question. I'm going to first ask it to the person that I know is not going to know who the Great Gazoo is. Stephen Redgrave, who is the Great Gazoo? I have no idea. You, <laughs> you nailed it. Nah, okay. Okay. <laughs> Kevin Shanks, this is, this is a true test. Do not Google, no. sir. If you Googled, I will know. I have not Googled it, but I know who the Great Gazoo is. It's a cartoon character. It looks like a little green guy. Yes. I can't, I, I can't remember much more than the that. The Flintstones, but, bro. Flintstones, yes. Oh, okay. I know that character now. I didn't oh, know. yeah. I know that character now. He was voiced by some famous dude, too. Harvey Corman. Ah. There you go. Uh, yeah, he's, he's like green. He had a helmet or a hat or something. If I yeah, he had a helmet, and the helmet had like antennas. Had antennas yeah, coming out. Some antennas sticking out. Sticking out. I've known that. Yeah, the Great Gazoo. Jake, Jake, Jake. It is that is that is the question. Who is who is more well known? We need to put out that Twitter poll. Who is more well known, the Great Gazoo or 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 <laughs> or NFL legend Joe Namath? <laughs> It's one of the greatest polls of all time. It is. It is. It is. And you can compare them, right? Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, shit. I hate this episode, Jake. No. <laughs> we need the great like, kazoo to I snap like his fingers. <laughs> this episode is trash. <laughs> <laughs> Not the new year right. <laughs> oh man. I would rather spend the week with Japetophile than fucking re record this crap. <laughs> <laughs> Retrospect, you'll change your mind. A little bit more stimulating time. <sighs> Got an email here. It's from Javante Evans, and uh, it goes on to say, You guys don't have to read this part on the pod if it's too long for you. Jake. I'm making the decision that it's too long for us, so we're not going to yeah. <laughs> This is the best email we've ever got. I'm kidding. I, 
Hey, Brian and Jake. Wanted to thank you two for all the hard work you guys always do for the podcast. I made the tough decision to leave a job I was really passionate about because of the stress and workload and underappreciation, underpayment I received from it. And I do a lot of good and, uh, oh, I, and I do a lot of food and grocery delivery work right now to be there for more, for, to be there more for my baby. And the podcasts are always just what I need to get through the weeks. I started listening after Black Panther, and I've always appreciated the hard work and dedication you guys put into a podcast like this that isn't even your main source of uh, revenue. Uh, If I could give you guys another five-star review, I would. I'm the dick who wrote about (laughs) – I'm the dick who wrote about pronouncing Zendaya's name wrong. Although your pronunciations now – Brian are skewing more 70-30 correctly. So I guess I'm 70% right and 30% wrong. Who is it? Who, who, is he saying you got better or worse? I don't know. And he didn't even and, Yeah. And I don't even think I he, hate it. I hate this email. <laughs> it's just doubling down. And he spelled pronunciations wrong. Dude, if you're going to tell me about pronunciations, Javante, spell it right. Pronunciation is spelled P-R-O-N-U-N-C-I-A-T-I-O-N. It's not pronunciations. He spelled it P-R-O-N-N-O-U-N. So spell it right. If you're going to tell me how to pronounce something, at least spell pronunciations correctly. Am I out of – guys, am I coming – No, you're not nitpicking. He started this grammar war. Yeah. If you're going to start that's this – That's legit. That's legit. legit. If you're going to tell me about my pronunciations, at least spell the word pronunciation correctly. All right? If you're going to come, you come correct. And if you don't, then you're done. Exactly. Put that. I want somebody to fucking write that down on a wooden plaque and give it to my mother and she can hang it up in her fucking house. <laughs> she can hang it up right up that, right next to live, laugh, and love. You got to come, come correctly. You got to come, come, come correctly. Correct. Yeah, come correct. correct. See, I already fucked it up. Spell come C-U-M, too. That'll really... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where's this fucking email at? Love you guys, and I hope the New Year's uh, does really well for you both. Thank you, Javante. He also goes on to say, I just uh, finished rewatch. This is the Marvel part of the email, Jake. Oh, I forgot that was even going to happen. I know. We're in Marvel news. <laughs> I'm still thinking about 70-30. Yeah, I know. 70-30. 70-30, yeah. Sex Panther works 70% of the time, 30% of the time. <laughs> I just finished rewatching uh, Anchorman, everybody. I just finished rewatching, and that's not the correct, correct, correct <laughs> quote from Anchorman, but whatever. I just finished rewatching WandaVision and noticed something uh, come up. Uh, I, di- I didn't see anyone talking about, so I wanted to get y'all's opinion on it. In the series finale, Agatha tells Wanda that her power exceeds that of the Sorcerer Supreme. After watching uh, No Way Home, we realize that Wong is the Sorcerer Supreme, so that must be who Agatha is referring to at that time. Not Strange, right? That also brings the question of, do you think Wong's power exceeds Strange's? And if not, is Strange a closer adversary to Wanda in combat than we think? Curious to hear your thoughts. I don't think she is referring to, to Wong. I think she's still referring to Strange. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it would be a retroactive change if they said it was canon that she was referring to Wong. I think at least the writers thought they were referring to Strange. 
Yeah, I do too. I don't. I, well, I don't think Agatha knows who the Source of Supreme is at that time, anyway. Yeah, she doesn't follow their social media pages. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's. I think it's just like yeah. She just says that that she's stronger, you know, than the Source of Supreme. I also do think Strange is probably more knowledged and powerful than Wong, even I, though Wong has the title. And I think Wong would agree to that. I agree, too. Well, I mean, it kind of came off like the only reason he was the Source of Supreme is because... The technicality. The other guys were gone, yeah. It, it didn't... Not to say that he's not useful or powerful. It just it felt like it was more of a, well, I, I'm the guy that they had, so... I took the role because it was needing to be filled. Yeah, it's like if the president's in a coma, the vice president takes over, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's all I think it is. I don't think it. I don't think that Agatha and that. Yeah, I don't think she's like hip to, you know, who the source of supreme is at that time, right? Yeah, she didn't have her push notifications on, and she didn't get that memo that yeah. Wong had taken over. Yeah, Wong is the Wong is the new source of supreme. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay, but thank you, Javante. I'm oh, glad. Yeah, I'm glad. So glad he listens. I'm glad. I'm, Jake, I'm glad anybody listens, especially after this episode. If anybody, yeah, 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 I, I think he'll stick around too. He's been here since Black Panther. Lord knows we've had some turds in between now and Black Panther. Right, right. Like he, he's he, he's smelling the turd of this episode right now. Yeah, and I don't think this is our smelliest turd ever. It's definitely a turd. It's a but. stinky turd. <laughs> I disagree. I, I may be biased, but I disagree. You're on this episode, Stephen. <laughs> I will. I will agree. It's a turd. It's pretty poopy. <laughs> not, not 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 the not the the crazy like blowout diaper poops, but just a, a nasty stinky poop. I don't think there's any difference. Oh, I think there is. I think there is a difference. <laughs> yeah, it's not the kind of poop that's like making your butthole burn after you have it. It's like the turtle. Head that just like seeps out, turtle head poking through versus a night of Indian food. <laughs> oh my God! Bulls win. Bulls win by one point. <laughs> good, good change of subject. Yeah. Bulls win one twenty to one nineteen. We beat Washington. Fuck yeah! You guys don't understand. I'm recording an episode while the Bulls are playing. You guys, I have to record this turd of an episode while well, bulls win bulls win that makes it, by one point i bet that was a goddamn good game and i missed it i'm here yeah, fucking catch, huh catch the highlights you'll see it i'm here talking about who's the who's who's the strongest sorcerer is it Walker? strange who is agatha referring to oh i think that's i i don't know i think he's reading too much into that i agree Mm. All right, what do we got here? News from Collider. Uh, Doctor Strange 2 reshoots reportedly inspired by Loki and Spider-Man No Way Home. Did you guys see this? Mm-hmm. Tell me about it, Jake. I mean, we kind of... <laughs> I, 
I'm just calling you out. <laughs> like, I'm just fucking with you, Jake. I'll I'll tell people about it. Okay. Oh, cool. I'd rather hear from Jake. Yeah, let's hear from Jake. Hear from Jake. Yeah, you, Jake. You, yeah, Jake. You know all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jake. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know admitting no. in this article. Man. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, come on. You're so well versed in this shit. You know. You know everything. <laughs> <laughs> You just so we know who really did the notes for this. Yeah, episode. yeah, Jake. Yeah, you know everything. You just tell us about it, Jake. Since you know everything, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Come on, Jake. Break it down for us. Come on. What's going on? I heard it was mostly to make sure Wong looked more powerful than Doctor Strange. <laughs> 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 we are making a mockery of the Marvel news this week, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> and this comes from Collider. As we previously reported, the Doctor Strange sequel has had significant reshoots lasting six weeks, six days a week within the last couple of months. THI reports that uh, shoots are expected to wrap in the next week and were spurred by both No Way Home and Disney Plus Loki series, both of which deal extensively with the multiverse. Such a move feels both prescient and savvy with the wild box office success of No Way Home in mind. One expects that Disney has stumbled upon a novel goldmine to dig into the nostalgic tendencies of comic book fans. Rumors suggest that Bruce Campbell, for example, one of director Sam Raimi's frequent collaborators, could turn up as a variant of Spidey, Spidey villain Mysterio, or even his character of Ash from the Evil Dead series. As such, the studio decided to have more fun with the multiverse, one source told THR, and to include more cameos and character introductions in the sequel. Cue the wild, explosive cycle of fan speculation. It's going to be a hell of a six-week wait. Six-week wait, that's for sure. Can someone get Kang the Conqueror on the line? So, yeah, that was a fun little last sentence I had to read there. But, um, yeah, um, yeah, we've talked about this before, Jake. You are right that uh, maybe some of these reshoots have to be, you know, maybe they are, I'm hoping that they do, uh, include some Loki stuff. Like I don't really need the no way home stuff to be quite honest with you. I feel like this takes place right after no way home and maybe we can get that stuff out of the way at the beginning and see what, you know, Dr. Strange is up to, but I feel like the Loki stuff definitely, I feel like it should be highlighted, you know? Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. We've, we've talked about this before. Like, I feel like it kind of undercredits what Loki established. If you just, it gives it that Agents of Shield vibe. Yes, it doesn't even fucking matter if we don't at least nod and wink to it. Like, that's the difference between the Disney Plus Marvel series and like the stuff Jeff Loeb was doing is that we're actually going to acknowledge the stuff in the movies. And I, I think it's very feasible they will. I mean, we've already seen in the trailer them acknowledging WandaVision storylines to a degree, at least the fact that they happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I can see it, too. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of some of the wild speculation going on in this article, though. 
Um, which the Bruce Campbell showing up as ass just to capitalize on having like movie crossovers because of no way home success. I've heard that a little bit of sensationalism going on there. I've heard of the variant version of Mysterio and I have heard, I have heard rumblings of that, but even that I think has kind of come from fans desire. Bruce Campbell as Mysterio has kind of been one of those things that people have pushed around for a long time well and the same thing with like you know before robert downey jr was cast as iron man there was speculation that hollywood you know the studio wanted tom cruise to be iron man Mm -hmm. and i heard that they have asked that that tom cruise was asked to show up as a variant version of iron man but i cannot get confirmation that he is actually going to show up in the movie as a variant version of Iron Man. So Yeah, I, I have a hard time by believing he would do that. He he seems to not want to be involved in things where action figures, statues, toys, models, video games are going to be made from. Yeah, so. but I I think just as like a, a fun cameo, I don't think same thing with like Matt Damon. I don't see Matt Damon showing up for like superhero movies, but like the fact that he showed up as a cameo in Ragnarok, and then he's also going to show up as like a cameo appearance in Thor: Love and Thunder. Makes me think that maybe Tom Cruise would just like show up as a cameo appearance, possibly in Multiverse of Madness. I don't think that he would 100% shoot it down. I think that he would 100% shoot down playing like an ongoing character in these movies. Oh but, yeah, I agree with you know, that. If, if the guy, if the guy, chance to get him, it's if, it's a cameo. If the guy does Tropic Thunder, I think he'll do a cameo fucking appearance for a Marvel. Yeah, but like, like I'm saying, he is very strange about like his likeness being reproduced, and that's not anything he has to worry about doing his crazy Tropic Thunder stuff. I I think that is <laughs> I'm looking at his about. Tropic Thunder figure right now, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> You've got his sideshow collectible. Tom I have Thunder a figure. Tom Cruise fucking. Ma- I have a Tom Cruise Magnolia blow up doll that I fuck every night in my Magnolia bedroom. Magnolia blow up doll. <laughs> Another Anderson movie. Yeah, uh, I do not like that movie, but I think his performance in that movie is fucking phenomenal. I'll just say that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You need, you need to get that Vanilla Sky action picture. <laughs> I hate that fucking movie. Of that movie, yeah, it's not great. Uh, I saw. I think I saw that shit in the theater. I hated it. Yeah, well, I saw, I saw that. Too. The, yeah, I did too. Yeah, she had just come off something big, so it was like the Tom Cruise madness and. I think it was very soon after Sixth Sense that came out, and they kind of promised it having, like, its own twist ending. Yeah. And so, yeah. Oof. Oh, that's the next story I got here. That would be cool, though. I, I, I would cheer for a Tom Cruise Iron Man. Yes. Knowing, like, that's been the le- – like, I'm not against that. I think no. it would be – an awesome cameo and i would love to see it I, yeah i know people if you don't like tom cruise slow your fucking roll it's just a cameo <laughs> of him as iron man he's not going to take over fucking as iron man in the marvel cinematic universe it's just it's a funny cameo so settle the fuck down slow your fucking roll i hope he's drinking a can of beer in his iron man suit when we see him you know you know 
you know, you know, you, you know what I, I can't listen to anymore. And, and you know, when, like when I'm listening to my, when I'm listening to my playlist, uh, out and about Jake, uh, any ACDC that comes on, I, I skip it these days. Yeah, it's kind of played itself out. It all kind of sounds exactly the same. Man, that's like un-American. I know, I know. Listen, listen, listen. Kevin, I was in the gym the other day, and I got my workout music going, right? (laughs) And I skipped skipped over... uh, (laughs) I skipped over ACDC. I'm like, I'm not doing it. It's just been too played out. Like, there, there, there was a time. There was a time. Kevin, when ACDC would come on and it would have my absolute attention, it's kind of like the early stages of a relationship. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but but after a while, you know, it's like you know, I, I you know, I've, I've done this before, and I kind of got bored with it. And so, I could see that because I mean, it, I mean, for me at least, the like the lyrics. I mean, I you, I just start singing along to that stuff and. It takes me out of what I'm doing. Yeah, so I get it. You're back in black. I get it. All right. I'm done. Let's move. On. <laughs> <laughs> we, we get it. We, I, I know. Yeah. All right. You're back in black. Good for you. All right. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, and I, you know, I used to love ACDC. It's not that I don't hate AC. I just think I need a break from it for a while, Kevin. I just need a break from it for a while to where I can get Makes back sense. into ACDC. It's, it's all the same right now. All right, come back in ten years. It'll be super fresh. Yeah, I'm don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Marvel rumor from Daniel RPK on Twitter. Sony is reportedly interested in casting Anya Taylor Joy in major Spider-Man role as Felicia Hardy, the Black Cat. So Anya Taylor Joy, who recently played Magic in the New Mutants movie, now. The rumor is, and I'm hearing this is uh, I'm hearing this is not bullshit. I'm hearing this is re- legit. They're looking at Anya Taylor Joy from The Queen's Gambit to be playing Black Cat in a major Spider-Man role going forward in the future. And do we know if this is going to be a uh, Tom Holland project, or could this be a, a project for I don't know another Spider-Man? I don't I know. I can see Sony just straight up doing a Black Cat movie, even. Well, there was the. Remember when we were going to get the 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 Black Cat and Silver Sable movie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hell, you got a Morbius movie coming out. I mean, <laughs> true. I mean, if, if Morbius is getting a movie, anybody's getting a goddamn movie. <laughs> well, they even had a relationship at one point, right? And. I don't know the and Black least, Cat ship it. Yeah, in the the '90s cartoon, at the very least, she uh, she was with him when he turned. Yeah, dude, they were fucking in that sh- cartoon. Dude. <laughs> 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 don't you remember the episode where he like threw her? Bitch. He threw right. He threw her down on a really pool. early on Saturday morning. It was an er, it was very early on Saturday morning. He threw her down on a pool table and fucked the shit out of her. Remember that. <laughs> He was like, "Damn, I missed that." He was doing more with his hand than just sucking blood, dude. It was fucked up. Morbius was like, "I'm gonna make that pussy purr," and then he just went to town on. <laughs> he went to town on that shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "Give me Morbius." 
Okay. Um, <laughs> oh man, they don't write the cartoons like they used. To. They don't. They really don't, Jake. They really don't. Yeah, oh, I can't. Fi- you can't find that episode on Disney Plus. No, no, yeah. fucking Disney yeah. and their cancel culture. I know. Might be on Hulu, but we don't know. You never know. Um, but yeah, Anya Taylor Joy as uh, Black Cat. I god damn. Um, I love the actor. I think she's fucking phenomenal. Um, I would not be opposed to her coming back and reprising the role of Magic. But uh, if they can get her as if they can get her as Black Cat, I'll I'll, I'll be I'm down for that too. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's great casting. I I would love to see her in that role. I, I think that would be a lot of fun. I, I would hope it would be a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. Honestly, I'd love to see the chemistry between those two. I'm hoping it's a Morbius Black Hat love story. Personally. <laughs> personally. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe she'll show up in the movie in January, and that'll just be the twist. It was a porn the whole time. Felicia Hardy was in um, Amazing Spider-Man 2? Yeah. Yeah, not, well, not as unofficially. Yeah, they didn't really set it up officially. But right. oh, I don't remember the movie, so <laughs> they just yeah. named her Felicia. They didn't really establish that she was the black cat, though. Yeah, we. Uh, I believe if you go back and listen to our amazing Spider-Man Two breakdown, we we do bring that up. But ugh, that movie, I swear. <laughs> um. Yeah, I love Anya Taylor-Joy. Jake, uh, would you rather have her uh, play a new character like Felicia Hardy, or would you be opposed to having her come back and and play play a proper magic in the in the MCU? If I only get one or the other, I would lean towards the magic. I, I she's already been that character. I, I think she could be better as that character. I you could find someone else to be Black Cat. Yeah, um, dude, I'm fucking. I right now, if you could see me, I'm literally raising my hands and cheering because I would love to see her as magic, a proper magic. Yeah, yeah. If I if I had to pick one or the other, I, I would pick her being magic. But yeah. I'm not a. If that's done and we're not seeing any more of that, then yeah, let's get her back in the MCU. Queen's Gambit, amazing, amazing fucking series. Am I right? So good, so good. I recently uh, posted that they're selling a Queen's Gambit board game, and I'm very confused by this. I <laughs> when that when that did be called right? chess, yeah, chess. <laughs> you can buy it off Barnes and Nobles. I guess they got in store copies. The Queen's Gambit board game. It's chess with drugs. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like fun. You have to take a pill after every turn. <laughs> They just they package it with a number of your local drug dealer. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> They're supporting local communities. Kevin, local. Kevin, I know you're you're a big fan of music. Did you ever hear the rumor that they used to put uh, uh, rolled joints in Led Zeppelin albums? No, I never heard that. Yeah, that would be cool if it was true. I've I mean, heard, if- I've heard it's true. I've heard it's true. But I don't know. Huh. I can't confirm. I, this was somebody that I spoke to that fucking like grew up during that time. They fucking bought a Led Zeppelin vinyl record, and inside there was a there was a rolled joint, and they sm- hey. and they smoked that shit. And they Best called the, the police. And they called the, <laughs> and they called the police. Best of both worlds, right there. <laughs> the Cosmic Circus, Jake. 
Cosmic Circus was reporting this little bit of Marvel news. Possible proof of George Clooney directing Moon Knight episode surfaces. Have you heard about this? No, I have not. Are you familiar with George Clooney? Um, he was on Roseanne. He was on. Rose- he was also uh, on Facts of Life. Probably okay. most, probably most known for his work on on Facts of Life, Jake. On the Facts of Life. Okay. Probably. Yeah, I vaguely, I vaguely know him. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, are you familiar with uh, with a Mr. George Clooney? I think I remember him being in a Batman movie. He was Batman. He was Batman. Yeah. Uh, most notably known for his work on the Facts of Life, though. Mr. George Is that Clooney. The one with, that's the one with Tootie. I mean, arguably it was ER, but... Most notably known for his role... <laughs> I actually... My, the, my first introduction to George Clooney was on the Facts of Life, but I do remember... And I still, to this day, absolutely love him in the sequel to um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> if you've never seen, uh, I think, is it called Return to the I can't remember what the sequel's called. But I think you can watch it on 2B TV, Jake. It is fucking hilarious. I, I don't think I've ever seen that. What the fuck? <laughs> it's on Tubi. Attack. Oh, it came out in the eighties. Sequel. I'm looking it up. Return of the Killer Tomatoes. It came out in 1988. And uh, I think I have seen it. It's it's kind of the first one's funny, but this one's even more funny. Yes, uh, John Aston. Um. Who played the original Gomez in the Adams Family is in this movie, and George Clooney. It's one of his first roles. Um, he is also in this movie, and Return of the Killer Tomatoes is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I need to revisit that movie. I bet it is. I wonder if that holds up. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'll tell you as a as a as a twelve year old boy, I thought it was fucking hilarious. So <laughs> uh, it might just be nostalgia for me, but I thought it was pretty fucking funny. Um, yeah, George Clooney. Uh, there is someone that has been working on the production of Moon Knight since January of 2021. They did not want their name involved in this exclusive report from the cosmic surface, but they said that, um, on this particular person's website that he's listed all the different projects that he's worked on most recently moon Knight. But perhaps the most interesting detail you might notice is the director listed on the project, George Clooney. While it's not a completely direct confirmation from Marvel studios, it certainly does add support to the rumor of Clooney coming in to direct at least one episode of the upcoming Marvel Studios show. After all, George Clooney has worked with Oscar Isaac in the past. We'll have to wait and see if Marvel confirms this information the closer we get to the release of the highly anticipated Disney Plus series. Now, that was the original article. Now, as of December 30th, they had an editor's note that they dropped on this. I had the article pulled up, ready to go, probably a week ago. 
And then I returned the article to put it into my notes because I just I click on the link, I copy the link, and I put it in my notepad on my phone. And then I revisited it. And today I read it said we out of courtesy have removed the link, name, and image to the source site for this article. We have also received a claim this information we found was incorrect. However, this was not our rumor initially. And regardless of this listing, we cited being correct or not, we have reason to believe there may be something to this rumor that George Clooney directed at least one episode of Moon Knight. Hopefully we will know for sure either way in the next few months or whenever Moon Knight premieres. So I guess this... I mean, I guess this story is basically saying, like, there's a chance that George Clooney directed an episode of Moon Knight. There's just a lot of cowards involved in this story is the problem. A lot of cowards. It's hilarious. <laughs> I think it was like, you know, like, why Why did they remove it? Did did Marvel, did, did Disney come at them and say, hey, you need to take this shit down? Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. I could see Clooney wanting to do something like that, too. Just, um... You know, Oscar Isaac's such a big name, working with the MCU. Um, I think it's going to be a bit of a psychological drama, and that's right up Clooney's alley. Man, I, I hope it's true. I hope it's true, too. I really hope it's true. So, But, yeah, I don't know. I lean towards them removing all that stuff as possibly being a sign it is true more than them just letting wild speculation stay up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just hate that you can just say, oh, somebody close to the project said this and not actually give a source. And it just. They had the source listed by the. When I first clicked on this article and put it into my notes, they had it listed and I didn't. I sadly didn't copy and paste the notes at that time since. Since then, they've redacted that information. But that is a common thing, though, with most articles. It's like even like the big name news outlets will, will say, oh, a source close to the project told us such and such. And it's just like you basically just make up any shit now yeah. and it's news because there's no way to really fact check anything. But if it was legit, I mean, that person's getting fired. If, exactly. If you're going to name them, <laughs> if his name was fired. really there, or hers, if their name was there, they are certainly fired. At oh, yeah, point. that person's fucked. I agree with that. Um, oh, have you guys read the new Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness synopsis that was dropped on the Disney Japan site? I have not. No. I believe it's a lot of misdirection, just like I believe the trailer was, in, in my opinion. Um, here's the synopsis. Now that Iron Man and Captain America have left after a fierce battle in Avengers Endgame, former genius surgeon and, strong, and the strongest magician of them all, Doctor Strange, is expected to play an active role as a central figure in the Avengers... However, using his magic to manipulate time and space at will with a forbidden spell that is considered the most dangerous has opened the door to a mysterious madness called the multiverse. To restore a world where everything is changing, Strange seeks help from his ally Wong, the Source of Supreme, and the Avengers' most powerful, Scarlet Witch. 
Wanda, but a terrible threat looms over human uh, over humanity and the entire universe that no longer can be done by their power alone. Even more surprising, the greatest threat in the universe looks exactly like Doctor Strange. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we all saw the trailer, and of course we saw like the evil version of Doctor Strange in the trailer. Um. Yeah, that's super plain Jane on purpose. That's total manipulation. Vin Diesel level manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm still of the belief that our main villain of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is going to be Wanda herself. 100%. Yeah, I, I'm definitely right there with you now, too. I, I started following my time to shine hello on Twitter and... At one point this week, she said if you retweeted her, she would give you $1,000 if that wasn't true. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, this is enough conviction that – and you've been right about enough things that I, I believe this 100% now. Well, did you see the picture of uh, – and it's from the trailer. It's the picture of Wong, and he's got his arms extended. I did. I saw my shine or my Time to Shine Hello tweeted about this too, that – He's being shackled by Wanda herself. Yeah, if you look at the, his arms are being bound by Wanda and her magic. You can see her red magic holding her, holding Wong's wrists in uh, in that shot from the trailer. Wong uh, Wong is being bound by by Wanda, who I, I firmly believe is going to be the the main villain in the multiverse of madness. I, I feel like the the trailer that we saw. For the movie, kind of leads us uh, leads us to believe that there's going to be this, you know, main villain of uh, of Doctor Strange as the as the main villain, this evil version of Doctor Strange. I, I think that's misdirection. I think that that is going to be a part of the story, but I think the overall villain in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is going to be Wanda herself. Yeah, they wouldn't just throw who the villain's going to be in the first trailer in a casual manner like that. It, it's obviously got to be some kind of a twist to it. Well, I mean, if you're <laughs> if you're reading all the leaks like I'm reading the leaks, there is <sighs> okay possible spoilers for Multiverse of Madness. If you don't want to hear this, then tune out. But uh, this comes from my time to shine. Hello, months ago. And my time to shine hello says Wanda gets to Kamartage, and that is that is like the training ground for the sorcerers in the Doctor Strange movie. Wanda gets to Kamartage and blows the place up, looking for America Chavez. Strange and Chavez run into other realities, escaping Wanda. They go through a lot of crazy places till they get to a Mordo variant, who's the master of the mystic arts in his universe. He tricks them and brings them to the Illuminati, a police-keeping force of the multiverse led by Charles Xavier. And so, yeah, there's an Illuminati that are made up of five members, not... Oh, no, there are six, not five members. So it's, it's, a, it's a variant version of Baron Mordo, Monica Rambo, Charles Xavier, Captain Carter, Balder the Brave, and... Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. I named... My Time to Shine Hello has been saying that 
the people are very much in flux right now too. That yes. Marvel themselves hasn't come to a concrete decision absolutely who the six will be. Professor X is there. Like he's a hundred percent one of them. Yeah. But the but the other five are a bit in flux. They're like still making decisions about who those characters should be. Yeah. Which is crazy to me, isn't it? I mean, this movie is coming out soon, right? I mean in a few months, right? No, it's coming out in May. It was supposed to originally come out in March, but now it's been pushed to May. Which is crazy. I mean, is is this normal that they're making these sorts of decisions this close to the movie? I mean, we're less than half a year. It's more normal now, yes. Okay. It is more normal now. It helps um it helps secrecy for one. Uh we know they are doing reshoots. It's one of those things where until the day comes where they, they film that moment they can decide up until that moment. And I think a lot is on their shoulders with this too. Cause it's kind of like, it predicts a little bit what the next thing is going to be. It's like, well, do we want to reveal our hand and show that this character is going to have a future in the MCU? Or do we want to go even bolder and say that, you know, do we want to put Reed Richards in there, you know, or do we want to do well, Carter, you know? Th- well, Jake, the newest rumor that we're hearing about who's going to be the, the the next member of this Illuminati uh fandom wire is saying that now one of the members of the Illuminati and I mentioned them here I mentioned Mordo, Monica Rambo, Charles Xavier, who I've heard is going to be Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Captain From Carter, all the stuff, it seems that way. Captain Carter and Balder the Brave. I've heard that the other member now that they might be including, and this comes from Fandom Wire. This article is titled "Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness to Introduce an Inhuman." I'm hearing that Black Bolt. Oh, I saw the Inhuman article <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're saying that the leader of the Inhumans, Black Bolt, should be appearing in the film. Marvel currently has plans to use Black Bolt and the Illuminati. And they'll you don't be, think it would be Anson Mount, though. That was my first question right there. It says, <laughs> bringing I, him back. It says, I was unable to confirm if Anson Mount would be reprising his role from the TV series. However, it would make sense that Marvel Studios would try and distance itself from Should- that project. For as great as an actor that Anson Mount is, I agree with that decision. Yeah, it was a turd. Like, it wasn't his fault whatsoever. Yeah. It, it was pro- probably a very exciting prospect for him. The, the MCU stuff was blowing up. I'm sure they were blowing smoke up his ass and telling him how connected this would be to the to the MCU and the possibilities of his future. And it was a giant fucking turd. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't blame him whatsoever, but... Yeah, I agree with you, Brian. I don't blame them for wanting to just fucking put as much distance between that show and, and their stuff as possible. I, I love that idea. I don't want the Inhumans to be, like, blacklisted from the MCU because of that turd of a television show. So the, the quicker we can make that distance and reestablish Inhumans and do it well and cool, I, I'm all for it. I would cheer for a... Uh, new black bolt to show up in doctor strange too do you remember when they had like the first episode of the inhumans pop up in imax theaters it's unbelievable that they would put themselves through that embarrassment that they would blow those images up that big it's insane it's insane Un- uh, unbelievable the yeah. fucking egos 
to think that people were going to eat that shit up and be hyped for that shit. Absolutely insane. That's just insane to me. Yeah, the egos. Really, oh my god. Do you really think that they would put the Inhumans and the well, not X Men, but just mutants in general, like lump them all together in the a very close time period? We're getting. We're we're going to be getting. We we mutants are inevitable. You know, we know that we're eventually going to be getting into into mutants. It's going to yeah, happen. I mean, we know it's happening. Just it's, when? Just the yes. Question. Yeah. It just so, felt like the Inhumans initially was just their way of getting the mutants without having the rights to get the mutants. That was then. Know? That was then. This is now. Um, I mean, uh, as far as we know. From all the rumors that I can tell you about is the fact that that Ms. Marvel is not going to be an inhuman. That that that's crazy to me that they're going to do that. Ms. Marvel is not going to be inhuman is what I'm hearing. But um I don't know how much stock I'm putting into this Black Bolt rumor, but I will tell you 100% that I do believe that we are getting Professor X in Multiverse of Madness. 100%. I'm saying it right now. I, I do think that like that is that is happening. From yeah, for X, sure. From I, X, I believe it. Too. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't know they wouldn't want to get that if they could. Yeah. I've seen a lot of rumors that Wanda's basically going to do an inverse No More Mutants at the end of the movie. Like, in, instead of what she says making it so all mutants go away, she's going to – what she says is going to make all mutants appear. That makes sense to me, Jake. It really does. That's pretty cool, actually. Just yeah. More more mutants. Yeah. So I, I could see that. It's a, it's a simple, elegant way to get them in that's not too convoluted and, and doesn't take too much time. Yeah. I'm not going to go – I'm not going to go all in on that, but I cannot say that that won't happen. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I, I could see it. Uh, Wanda could be doing it to like give herself a team. Yeah, like if she's the main villain of this movie, she's going to need backup against all the superheroes she knows are going to be coming after her. I don't know. I mean, how, it, I don't know. It'd how. be awesome if this was an X Men versus Avengers setup. I would love that. Ooh. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hearing. Um, yeah, I mean, if I if if we really wanted to go over all the all the multiverse of madness leaks that I've seen. Um, I mean, I could, but I don't, I don't know how the movie's going to end. I can tell you that much. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I've been pretty tight lips so far about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, Oh, uh, did you guys see the, what, uh, Bill Murray's role could be in, uh, quantum mania? I did see that. I forget though, because it was some kind of crazy D-list character that yeah. like, lived inside of the quantum realm. Uh, it's the microverse. Oh, the microverse. My yeah, apologies. microverse character of Krylar. Krylar, who only appeared. It looks like from the article that I read that he only appeared in one episode. Yeah, Krylar only appeared in one 1962 comic, The Incredible Hulk 156. Krylar is part of the Kyatan race, which the Hulk came across when he landed on their fantastical microverse planet of Kai. Kai is inhabited by green, by green skin and primarily blonde people. And while the planet appears primitive, it u- utilizes long forgotten technology and sorcery. The most well known inhabitant of this microverse planet is Princess Jarella, who had a relationship with the Hulk. After he landed on the microverse planet, 
Kryler has no direct ties to the Ant-Man in comics, but the microverse itself seems intrinsically tied to the MCU's quantum realm. In the comics, microverses are parallel dimensions that can be reached by people shrinking down to subatomic size or by magic. The MCU's quantum realm seems to be portrayed as an amalgamation of Marvel Comics' quantum zone and the microverse. The quantum zone aspect of the quantum realm, which is energy-based, seems to come into play when Janet helped Ghost. The microverse aspect of the course of the world, uh, of, of course, the worlds or dimensions that one reaches by shrinking to subatomic size, as has been shown in both Ant-Man as well as Ant-Man and the Wasp. This is kind of just like a, okay, he's going to be playing, playing Krylar. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make sure he's not a character that anyone's going to want to see again, so we don't have to worry about that. Or care about, like, yeah, it's, and my time to shine hello, uh, confirmed, uh, that this is who, um, Bill Murray is going to be playing in Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's going to be playing a character. Uh, Kylar from the planet of Kai that is located in the comics in the microverse. But Jake, you're right. It's just the, the quantum realm in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, <laughs> I mean, whatever it takes to get Bill Murray in the movie, this reeks of Bill Murray's appearance in like, uh, the female Ghostbusters movie, though, where it's like, really, what's the point here? Yeah, it's I, not like just a cameo, just to I, say he's why, in the movie. Yeah, I would love to see, you know, like, I, I wanted to have him give, I wanted him to have like a media role, and hopefully it is. Hopefully it is kind of like a, a media role, like the Grandmaster Jeff Goldblum in, in Ragnarok, cause I loved that. Like, yeah, that's perfect. The way they did that, it's not like you expect or need to see the Grand Master again. I, I, that was just a perfect one and done way to use a celebrity like that. Right. Yeah. So hopefully we get. I, I'm hoping that that's how we kind of see Bill Murray. And with Bill Murray, it's kind of like flip a coin on whether or not he's going to give a shit or not, too. So that's always a worry. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds I, like I, God bless Bill Murray. I mean, he's a fucking legend, and I love the shit out of him. Yeah. But, I mean, everyone knows that he can fucking phone that shit in. Well, and it sounds like he's he's done with Marvel. Like, he basically said, yeah, I did it. You know, I did it, but, like, I, I'm not going to be doing this for, like, the, you know, the, in the long run. This is, like, a one and done kind of thing for him. So, yeah. Uh, let's move on into DC News and wrap this fucking shit up. How's that sound, gentlemen? Mm, great. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Last night, Batman <laughs> destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Yeah, welcome to DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. I, I got news here from Dark Horizons, Jake. Uh, Michael Shannon joins Flash as Keaton joins Batgirl. Did you see this? I did. Tell me about it, Jake. No, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Keaton in Batgirl. I, I, I was surprised that we're going to get more Keaton so soon. Listen to this shit. I, I'm not even going to. Uh, okay. Michael Shannon. Here we go. It's It's been confirmed. Michael Shannon and Aunt J. Trow. Who's Aunt J. Trow? 
No idea. How do you spell it? A N T J E T R A U E. Let me look her up. Got it. I Let got me look it. Look her She's up. a German actress. She was in Man of Steel. Oh yeah, she was. Uh, she was uh, Feora in Man of Steel. She was the. Uh, she was one of the Correct. other. She was one of the other uh, Kryptonians. Correct. Okay. Holy shit. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. Uh, so yeah, Michael Shannon and Aunt J. Trow have joined the cast of uh, Andy Muschietti's The Flash movie. The pair played General Zod and his right-hand woman Feora Uhl in uh, 2013's Man of Steel, a movie that shares the same cinematic universe as the Flash film, which suggests they're reprising their roles. However, what characters they are playing is not indicated in the release. Oh, one can only guess. Um, hmm. <laughs> hmm. 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 Harley Quinn. <laughs> what Good the shot. fuck? The Flash film also has Michael Keaton reprising his Burton-era Bruce Wayne Batman role in the movie, but it turns out that may, that may not be the only time we'll see him in the DCEU. A press release for HBO Max's Batgirl film confirms Keaton is on board for that film as well, which stars Leslie Grace as Barbara Gordon. Specific, specifics of his role weren't indicated in the release. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, that's the news that I got there. I don't know. It's kind of so. Does that does that imply that Batgirl is going to be based in the Burton universe? Then it implies mm-hmm. that the events of the next Flashpoint will bring these universes together. Okay, that's fair. Somehow, oh, yeah. Oh, My time right. to shine. Hello today. Yes, I got it. I got it, Jake. Yeah, I got yeah, all go that. For it, go for it. I got all that news, Jake. So far. It was, I got it. Usually, it's very rare I'm actually interested in DC news, but this is some pretty juicy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'll get into that here real quick. I, yeah, I just brought it up because his question was really leading to that. Right. Rumors from my time to shine hello on Twitter about DC. Um, this is what my time to shine hello recently said. I don't usually tweet about DC stuff, but I have a friend who has seen The Flash and the movie will erase every movie Snyder has done. Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Justice League never happen now. Erased from continuity. Affleck and Cavill are both gone. Supergirl now is the main soups of Earth. Keaton is Batman and Batgirl will become the new Batman after her film. The movie ends with Flash and Supergirl and Shazam forming a new Justice League. Is that what you're talking about, Jake? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of answers the question of what universe Batgirl is going to be in. I mean, she's going to be in the main rebuilt universe post-Flash, if, if you can take all these for truth. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. I mean, it kind of sounds like they're just doing what they did with the CW shows. And it's going to suck as bad. That's kind of lackluster to me. It's going to suck. I mean, it's not like it was fucking breaking bank before. It's time to try something new, right? I agree with you, Jake. (laughs) I think it all depends on, like, how audiences 
like the new Batgirl and and the new Supergirl. You know, if we're digging them, then let's 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 go for it. Fuck it. Like what you've tried before is not working. Yeah, I mean, it can't be hard to make a billion dollars with the Justice League, so I think it's time to fucking knock the castle over and start over again. You know what's interesting? You know what's interesting about this year, Jake, is that last year was so bad for superhero movies, and this year we've had, we've had, we've, it's, it's so good. 2020 was garbage for superhero movies. Yeah, I mean, all the ones that were supposed to come out that year didn't even come out. They all yeah. came out this year. Yeah, I mean, what, well, what technically we, last year, but who's counting? I'm saying last last year. What did we have? Like, oh, new, yeah, yeah. What, what was it? New Mutants and and Blood Bloodshot. I mean, oh, I I remember we were cracking up during the Tupperwares talking about comic book movie of the it was, year. It was that terrible. was a very comedic category. We couldn't we couldn't talk about Black Widow because it got pushed and yeah, it was a, it was a rough I think you gave Bloodshot. Bloodshot was it, Bloodshot was my, my was my comic book movie of the year. Yeah, what a year. <laughs> I still I still enjoy Bloodshot. I'll no, give... no, I don't I don't fault you for that decision in that year. I mean, I'm not going to give it to New Mutants. Yeah. The animated movie? What? What are you talking about? Oh, Bloodshot. Never mind. Sorry, I was thinking of Deadshot. Sorry. Oh, no, that. Bloodshot was the the egomaniac Vin Diesel, yeah, yeah. A, uh, valiant comic book adaptation. They uh, gave it to Wonder Woman eighty four. Oh, fuck you! Uh, <laughs> that came out Christmas of twenty twenty. Shut, yeah, shut the fuck started. up! It was definitely in the running by default. No, that's twenty twenty, right? Yeah, it was 2020. It was Christmas yeah, yeah, 2020. it was 2020. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was garbage. Uh, it was the first of the HBO Max theatrical releases. I'm still pissed. I went to see that in the theater. Jake, oh, Jesus. question, question, I'm Jake. for you. Do you think that? Do you think that we are ever going to get the Patty Jenkins Rogue? What was it? Rogue Squadron movie? Oh, is it going to go the way of the Ryan Johnson Star Wars trilogy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh no. I think it's done. I don't think they're doing it. Yeah. I well, she supposedly uh, took just a producer role on the uh, Cleopatra film so that she could still do it. But that could just be all talk just to lessen the blow when the announcement comes. I'm seriously. Here's my thing. I'm I'm kind of done with Star Wars movies. I'm just down for the series, man. Mm hmm. Jake, I don't know about you, but like, I mean, I no, guess- you know, I, you know, that's where I'm with it. I mean, they really soiled the whole thing with the uh, double one-two nut punch of Solo and uh, Episode Nine. <laughs> I'm just like, ugh, my balls are too sore for another fucking Star Wars movie anytime soon. I need like ten years to heal. What about the Taika Waititi one, dude? Oh, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. The Taika Waititi Jar Jar movie. I, I can't it ain't no, ta- it ain't no, ja- <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> It ain't no Jar Jar let's, movie. Let's get that. I mean, shit I'm out interested. Now. <laughs> it is not a Jar Jar movie. Yeah. Taika, we need you redeem this character. No, <laughs> fuck Jar Jar. Ahmed Best is a good dude. Let's fucking hook him up. Ahmed Worst, get it, the it fuck out of here. <laughs> it fixes episode nine, and he is the uh, Sith Lord after all. There's no fixing <laughs> like, episode nine. It's <laughs> Unfixable. I mean, yeah. Have you seen that whole YouTube thing that he the theories that he was the uh, one behind everything throughout the prequels? Oh yeah, I love that theory. Yeah, 
it works out. It's better than what they went with. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think Jar Jar's behind this entire episode, to be quite honest with you. This is- <laughs> yeah, he, he loves doo-doo smell. <laughs> I can see what his motivations are. This episode is stink-a-whiff. I- <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mooey, bomb bad episode. Uh- <laughs> I guess we'll just have to stop and just start over just to give the people what they want. There's rumors, guys, the that people. Yeah, somehow pop culture leftovers returned. <laughs> yeah, 2022 is not going to be our year, Jake, is it? No, no. Now this is <laughs> no special 100 episode. Wait, you're, you're this is only the first day of the year, and you're already ruling out. We're, we're starting your year. Oh yeah, 2022 so you is can finish strong. This is no. This is going to be. This is. I. I feel like 2022 is going to be. Is going to be the year. It's going to be a make it or break it year for us, Jake, isn't it? Yeah, this is going to be our Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to end very dark. <laughs> I think, I think, I think, I think it will go dark. I think there's going to be like, welcome to episode 467, and then there's no episode 468. Like it's just like it's just done. Like we're just like a year and a half. Yeah, like it's <laughs> it's just done. Like it's done. Like we're done. I could see it. I could see it. I'm right there. <laughs> that and George Clooney directing Moon Knight about the same odds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Gal Gadot may have just revealed Wonder Woman's appearance in another DC movie. This comes from ComicBook.com. Basically, I'm not going to read this entire fucking article, but there's like July and August entries in her Instagram where she shows like these uh, reels of uh, what she's been doing. And it looks like she uh, is getting makeup work to a scene for DC's The Flash movie. And it looks like she was getting work done back in July. Uh, there's a shot of Gal Gadot being worked on by the same makeup team. Is clearly more revealing. You can see the signature tiara of Wonder Woman costume as well as her gauntlets peeking through the cloak they have draped over her. So it looks like we might be getting <laughs> Wonder Woman in the Flash movie, Jake. I love it. The scene I imagine is her her laughing as uh, Ben Affleck and a picture of Henry Cavill disappear at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I think it's bullshit that we don't get another henry cavill exactly thank you exactly he got royally screwed i i i'm not the biggest fan but even i'll admit he got royally dicked on yeah i am out of all of this news that's what i'm pissed at the most is you got a real warner brothers not getting a chance for a second solo movie has anybody here started the witcher season two yeah i watched it is it good I liked it. I think it uh, isn't as good as the first season, yeah. but it's strong. They have a lot of creatures, so that's something to look forward to. I, there's, there's, Jake, there's stuff that I haven't started that I just don't... I, I haven't started Big Mouth Season 5. I don't give a fuck. I'm kind of done with Big Mouth. Yeah, I could see it. That kind of humor, it's hard to... Maybe they should do a season every other year instead of every year, and it would Man, that, be a little stronger. Have you guys started Cobra Kai season four? I haven't started. Yes, I it was out yet. Just came I'm out on, yesterday, I believe. I'm on okay. episode seven of the ten now. 
Are you eating that shit up? You just sucking the oh, dick at Cobra Kai? Eating it up, sucking its dick. Yes. I, I love everything about all of the seasons of the first three seasons and I'm loving this season as well. I don't like the, I don't like the kids in season two and, and I didn't care for the kids in season three. I love the, I love the Johnny and fucking Daniel stuff. The kids fucking suck. Oh, you'll get a lot. I mean, season four is about the kids, but it's also about Johnny and, and, um, damn, Daniel. I'm in the minority. I'm in the minority here. I know Greece most people and... are loving it. I- I'll, I'll watch. I-, I will watch season four. I will watch it, but I haven't. I'm not rushing to watch it. I've burned. I mean, I will say I've burned through the first six episodes, and now I'm on seven. So okay, it's, it's such an easy watch, though. I mean, yeah. now we know- now I know why you didn't watch two of the things that yes, we talked about this that's week. That's exactly why I didn't watch. This- <laughs> I didn't watch um, Swan Song today. I got, yeah. like I said, I got busy and then I started watching Cobra Kai. No, you had plenty of time to watch Swan Song, but you're dicking around watching Cobra Kai. Something that, it's not even on the fucking list, Kevin. I know. I failed. You know, yeah, you did. I have failed the city. Yeah, you did. You failed, you Do failed. Do I need to watch Karate Kid 3 to like get into the next season or is it like they'll I, recap it for you? I would watch it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you haven't watched it, you definitely watch it. I, yeah, I, I've never seen it, so. Oh. I saw that shit in the theater when I was a child. You see part one and two, but not part three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should definitely watch it. Yeah, you okay. need you need to you you need to get an understanding of Terry Silver. I would imagine. I haven't even mm-hmm. watched. Oh yes. You I need haven't to even... understand the bonsai tree more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've already mastered the waxing part. So. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh my God, Jake. 2022 is going to be hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I promise I won't talk about my waxing anymore in 22. Thank you. <laughs> Can you talk just, I, just talk about nairing. <laughs> is that a thing still? Do people nair? I don't think so. I think I, that's, that's long gone. Funny story. Yeah, I, might, I had my back nared once. <laughs> yeah, and I, I yeah, th- yeah, just think of that visual, number one, but... Um, yeah, I broke out into a nasty rash because I was allergic to some of that crap. So, awesome. They do. Nair still exists. The it's website still, still exi- oh, yeah. Yeah. It's still out there. Yeah. It's always your back and I am, somewhere else. I am on Nair. Yes. I am on www.naircare.com right now. Yeah, naircare.com. Naircare.com, Jit. You do you. Find you your nair. Find your nair, Jake. That's that's my <laughs> mantra. That's my mantra for 2022. Find your nair. It's <laughs> a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Fuck this shit. We are fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? it's not a worst case scenario. That was some good DC news. That doesn't happen very often. Okay. You're just saying, you know, you're fucking trying to blink fucking Henry, Henry Cavill out of existence, you son of a bitch. You fucking... You, you, <laughs> you caught me. No, you fucking hold Jar Jar Binks to this great reverence, but you're like, fuck Henry... Fuck Jar Jar. Fuck Jar Jar. <laughs> Jar Jar he's Binks. Trying to, he's trying to come over the Marvel, though. So he, you know... Jar Jar... He's trying okay. to do Captain... Brit, right? I would, I, dude. I'll take is. him as Captain Britain. I'll take him as fucking Wolverine. I don't give a fuck. Get Henry Cavill over to Marvel. Make it happen. 
Yeah, they'll treat him right at least. Not any of this fucking. They'll sign you on for X amount of pitchers, and you'll actually be an X amount of pitchers instead of being fucking. It must suck to just not even know year after year what the fuck is coming next. Yeah, just to find out nothing is coming next. Exactly. Like, I, like I said, I, I'm not the biggest fan, but I do feel 100 percent sympathy for the guy. I, that's not a way to treat your, treat your talent. Yeah. We talked about Nair this episode, Jake. Yeah, I know. I couldn't believe it. That was not on my PCO bingo card. No, no. <laughs> you lose. Yeah, yeah. The middle free space on the bingo card is complaining about it being the worst episode. Yeah. All right, that's basically my entire fucking bingo board. It's just <laughs> being the worst episode. Jake. You just win in like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> It's rigged. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you. It doesn't matter what you. It doesn't you, matter. It doesn't matter what you call. What what combination of letters and numbers you call in this episode? In this game of uh, Battleship, uh, this episode is sunk. Yeah, you can you can you can call C twelve. You can call D nine. It don't matter. You sunk. It's sunk. It's over. They're all misses. You mean no. It, no, this whole episode is just sunk. It's just you sunk everything. <laughs> I think you got your battleship metaphor backwards. Is that how? Uh, did I? Yeah, I, I think I think it's all misses. Like sunk is winning. <laughs> no, but if you sunk my battleship, I lost. No, it's all. Uh, it's all how you look at it, Jake. Though. It's all how you look at it. <laughs> it's all how you look at it. It's you though. It's me and you are like a tag team here. No, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like. It's me and you playing Battleship together against the rest of the. Oh, now you, now you get to, now you're just determining how we play the game of Battleship. That's that's exactly right. I like not being the enemy. You're on the other side, Shanks. Yeah, Shanks. You're fine. You're not on me and Brian. This ain't, this ain't, a, this here. ain't an episode of, uh, Toxcast Dose Makes the Nobody Ask You Kevin. <laughs> Trace <laughs> Makes the Poison. Your, your podcast is in the, your podcast is in the clear. <laughs> this isn't, this is our, this is our fucking turd baby. This is our shit baby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Kevin, where can people find you? If they, if they... <laughs> <laughs> well, defeated. <laughs> oh, nobody asked you, Kevin. And Dose Makes the Poison the Toxcast is where you can find me. <laughs> is that what it's called? Dose Makes the Poison the Toxcast? Yes, dose makes the poison. The tox cast. So it's it's not tox cast. Dose makes the poison. It's the other that's way correct. around. It's the opposite. Yes. I fucked it up the whole time. I fucked it but up. That's okay. No, it's that's not. Just fine. Yeah, it's just it's, no. It's just more shit that I fucked up this episode, Kevin. <laughs> Steven. Steven, where can people find you, man? I have a podcast with my wife. I would discuss. love the fact if Steven said like, like, like Steven's like, don't worry about it. Steven, Steven is just so ashamed of being involved in everything in this podcast. He's just like, doing eh, it for the people. You know, hey, I'm out there doing the things. You know, don't hey, don't worry about me, guys. You know, I don't want to take away anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, Stephen, where can people find you? Uh, my wife and I have a podcast called Dissecting This Fiction. It's pop culture, news, reviews. We do some gaming as well for people that are into that. Uh, we're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, it's a good time. I'm sold, Jake. I'm sold. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. When he said it's, when he said it's, when he said it's a good time, I was thinking like, oh my god, you know who last told me that? Brett Michaels. Poison. (laughs) Nothing but a good time. I was like, oh my god. Well, have you liked my humor so far? Debatable. I put it on my wife, and she can't stand it. You just get our dynamic there. So. It's humor for the people. Okay. <laughs> humor for the people. All right. I'm definitely not the people. I tried listening to the talks cast. There was zero trauma talk. I give it an F. <laughs> I'm telling you, there should be. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm next. I'm gonna work in some trauma talk. <laughs> I was, I, I'm waiting for the Lloyd Kaufman episode, and it's yeah, like, it's it, like this. This podcast never gets on topic. It really <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I thought we were bad. I, Jesus. I know. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. All right, Jake. Oh God. Mm. This is the first day of 2022. We got a whole year of this fucking crap. I know. Day fucking one. And this is where we're at. Jesus oh Christ. Oh, my God, Jake. I can't do this another year. I don't know. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no, I feel like I feel I feel like Lieutenant Murtaugh. In uh, Lethal Weapon. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this shit, dude. Oh, I'm definitely too old for this shit. I know. <laughs> I know. We were too old when we started. I know. <laughs> uh, no, we st- I started I started in my mid-30s. I had a little bit more pep to my step. Oh, yeah. God, I was so young. So, so young. So naive. And now I'm like, I'm approaching my mid-40s, Jake. And it's just, it's a, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. I know. Just one one step closer to the grave. <laughs> <laughs> new day, new pain. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, what are you doing? Oh, we're doing the we're doing the award show next week, Jake. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm excited. We're gonna be handing out fake awards for movies. It's gonna be fun find out my favorite video game of the year oh fuck you it's gonna be some, <laughs> it's gonna be some fucking phone shit or some nintendo shit that's all every fucking year with you it's the same fucking thing i know i, I was that was a charge statement I knew no I last year i think up. it was like a fi- <laughs> i think last year it was like a final fantasy thing but like oh big surprise that you like a final fantasy game yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're so strange. really going outside. Really going outside the old Jake comfort zone with that one, aren't you? <laughs> it's a tight race this year. We'll have to see. I know. Ooh, what's Jake's favorite music of this year? Going to be Lana Del Rey? What going to be? I don't know. <laughs> uh, that probably was my favorite this year. I, you're so predictable. You're so predictable. 
You're so predictable. No, I, re- I really like the new Casey Musgraves album. You're like fucking, you're like, uh, you're like Yelena Belova with mac and cheese. Every fucking, <laughs> every fucking year with you. You're fucking, it's just, uh, give me the mac and cheese. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> mm. All right. Kevin, I want to thank you for joining us this week. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm sure you're thrilled. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Steven, Steven, Steven Redgrave, thank you for joining us this week. Thank you for having me. Best episode of 2022 so far. So far. So (laughs) you can't dispute it. It's, it's, we get it. It's the only episode we've done. Jake, if this is the best episode we do this year, that's it. I'm done. I, I agree. I co-sign that. Yeah. I might not even listen to the rest of the year just so I could keep this dream going, you know? <laughs> you, you sound like most. I, I don't follow that logic. That's the Neil route. Yeah. I, I Honestly, I think, I think that's most of our listeners. They're like, oh, God, is this what 2022 has to bring to the table? I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, I'm done. Who's got time for this? I can't believe I got the Nair website on my on my fucking computer right now. Why is this here? All right, guys. Just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. Later, y'all. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. It's a trap. Good at toss it, good at take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's make it clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And with uncool kids, what's to say has already been dead. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers. Do 
we love it. Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers.